Hello, and welcome to not a very special bonus episode, but a very special episode of Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. And I'm AJ Faleri. Oh, wow. That you just jumped into it. That was really good. (laughs) That was great. That was way more confident than either of us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm hosting a podcast again, so I'm back in the swing of like being in front of a microphone. You've always had the stardom, you know? Wow. It's a matter of if if the sky is the right light. (laughs) (laughs) The the moon has to be in the right phase. It has to be nighttime. That's not my compliment. Twilight dust. You've always been stage ready. It just has to be really dark out. (laughs) (laughs) We are in Philadelphia at AJ's house. AJ, thank you so much for having us here. I'm so excited to have you here. We're by a virtual Yule log, Uh a a tree surrounded by gifts, GameCubes. All my Nintendo systems and my old Nintendo powers. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, In the center of us is a very uh, adorable cat with a big bow tie and a metallic slime from Dragon Quest. So I feel like we... (laughs) Have everything going for us right yeah. now. Yeah, we just need to light the candles and then we'll all be sacrificed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, all just, we'll all just turn into fucking dust. Has the show been a ruse for this final yeah, sacrifice? Yeah, it's like full metal album. Right, right. <laughs> it's game of the year, 2021. I, I can't believe it. I think a lot of people can't believe it. I think this year has sort of been simultaneously the longest and shortest year <laughs> yeah. of all time. Yeah. Uh, an interesting year for games in general. Uh, we've talked a lot about how this year has been sort of like sort of an oxymoron of like a ton of games came out a ton of really good games came out but i don't know if there's been like sort of a uh universal hit and they're really like that that claim is almost always sort of inaccurate because it's all subjective right but yeah. I, I just think that like because i found that so many of the games i love this year are also so different it was really hard to like rank them and choose one to be like the the pick yeah yeah, my my top 10 has changed so much over the course of the year as recently as this morning. Like, a, <laughs> oh, no, a pretty big shift happened in it. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm finally happy with where the list has landed. But I've been really, really, really loving going and reading and watching other people's lists and countdown yeah. videos and stuff like that, because I just feel I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but I, I really do feel like this list this year for everybody is more of a personality quiz on BuzzFeed.com <laughs> than it is like. <laughs> actually a list of the best game it's like what spoke to you more which is always what it should be i feel yeah Yeah. but this year because there wasn't like a hades that is obviously the thing right i just feel like it was kind of you know it's your own whim like you need to look in a mirror for a long time and then eventually (laughs) your reflection will tell you what the top 10 is yeah and i think kind of like in an ideal world it should always be this different you know i think that like it's our own sort of like desire to, to put things in categories that we like need it to be like the thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just been a really interesting year to talk about this kind of stuff. I, I love these episodes because it's always so celebratory. And so it's such a, like you said, it's a very fruitful exercise to like really examine your own taste and what you connected with. Yeah. And, right. Uh, yeah. And these episodes are like the encapsulation of the end of the Aether vibe. Like it's only positive yeah. vibes. Like we're only bringing the games that you really, really love. Right. You know? That's a thing I've been thinking about a lot leading up to this episode, because I think even as recently as last year, we we had like a, at least a brief aside that was like, you know, making a goatee list is kind of silly yeah. in a way. Sure. But at the end of the day, I do think that this episode is really like the culminate. I think you're totally right. I mean, it it is the the peak of what this podcast stands for right. yeah. in a way. Cause uh, if you've never listened to the show before and this is your first episode, hello, welcome. Um, strap whole, in. 
The whole show exists <laughs> essentially to just celebrate games that we like, and we won't bring a game to the show if we don't like it. So, I mean, that's that's what this episode is. It, yeah. it, it yeah. is literally just like us doing that all year, and then here's the most celebration we can throw into yeah. one six-hour audio file. Yeah, yeah, it feels like the the interest of the show crystallized for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, I think it's also worth remembering, like, there are so many games that we played this year that we loved that, like, mathematically couldn't make it. Yeah. So, like, I think that, like... Like that, and this goes back to like you know the list being kind of inherently a little bit silly, where it's like, how do you only choose ten? Because we play a lot of games for the show, and it's like, you know, I could easily do a top thirty and and still have the same enthusiasm for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I so. have my list is I, I can tell you right now. Yeah, say so uh, last year you did a twenty five or something, right? So my move this year was to rank every single game that we played that was eligible. Oh my god, which uh, came out to fifty six games. Wow, and yeah. I, I did rank the whole list. Hey, that's more games than there are weeks, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the thing. Yeah, it's wild. And and I think you're right. Like making a top 10 out of this list was so difficult. Yeah, it, it's, it's very hard. And I, I'm excited to get into it because I'm I'm surprised by my own list. Mm. Yeah, me too. I think I've I think I feel confident in the very high picks. I think it was a struggle to get the, like the seven to ten. Yeah. Mm. Number uh, number 10 for me was the big one. There are three games that were vying for number 10. And have been swapping in and out for a long time. It's mm. always the spot. It's like yeah, the biggest yeah. competition. You don't want to leave something out, you know. Of course. Like, if something's numbered between 8 and 7, at least it's still in the top 10, you know. If, if you leave something out 10 to 11, it's like, yeah. shit, well, this game wasn't good. But <laughs> yeah. then it's like, well, no, it was oh, still good. Oh, it just wasn't. relegated to the honorable mentions. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 anyway, I think we wanted to open this with kind of further reflection on the year because... If you know the show, you know that we're not solely covering new game releases. This year, especially, Brendan and I played a lot of older games. I mean, we had a uh, our season premiere in June was about the Game Boy Advance. So we played like tons of Game Boy Advance <laughs> yeah, games. Just under 100 between the yeah. two of us. Um, we opened the year with playing Dragon Quest XI, Mother 3, Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, yeah. the Mass Effect trilogy. Like a lot of really great games and i think we just wanted to take a moment uh i think you had the name for this brendan uh our go toys our game of the other years <laughs> you guys uh, kept saying go toys as we were setting up and i was like are they going to talk about toys like we talk about action figures yeah. like what's <laughs> i really like the men in black action figure of the alien that blows up in the first scene i, could, I just think ass trucks have haven't been good since like 98 <laughs> They're like helicopters now. Bring back yeah, matchbox they cars. They the truck like five years in. Yeah. It's like, come on, Hess. <laughs> it's a plane now. Yeah. Like, come on, come on. This Hess truck's just like a mech. Yeah. <laughs> the Hess mech's here. Yeah. <laughs> I would get a Hess mech yeah. instantly. Yeah. I kind of like a, Someone a, send this to Hess. A Hess Ava. <laughs> I'd, I'd be into. Hess, 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 Hess. Get in the Hess, Shinji. Uh... <laughs> Congratulations, Hess. Congratulations. <laughs> um, anyway, games of the other years, not the Hess mech. Uh, it's so funny when we do episodes like this and like there are titles flashing before right. us <laughs> that we can't use. Yeah. We want to take a moment to sort of like highlight games we played this year that we really loved. Um, and also kind of, I think this is also sort of us looking back on like the show so far and just experiences we really valued. I think a lot of people also have taken this approach to saying what their goatee of 2021 is. Cause like, I think as we kind of continue living through this pandemic, it's sort of a position where I think a lot of people are like experiencing media from prior years for the first time Yeah, because we all have more time. We're all indoors more. And I think it leads to like, 
being like, what's this thing from 1997 I always right. wanted to experience? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we just wanted to like say what games we played this year that were from the past that we really, really loved. So Brendan, I'd love to hear like if you either, I don't know if we want to do one at a time or just all at once, but uh, yeah. one, two, three. Hasmec. <laughs> <laughs> Hasmec. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll go first. I, I think um, there was a lot of great stuff and there's a lot of stuff weirdly vying for this spot. I think at the end of the day, the, the pick has to be the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like just to be fully frank about it, there, Mother 3 was maybe going to be it. And then Ico was probably going to be it. And yeah. then at the end of the day, it was like, honestly, I think Mass Effect Legendary Edition is my game of the year, which like right. we have said is not like it can't, it can't be, <laughs> but it is the best thing I played this year. I mean, it was just like 90 straight hours of like binge loving media. <laughs> yeah. You told me uh, in our messages, you're like, this is, you said, this is my favorite thing I've played for the show. Yeah. Which is saying a lot. Wow. Again, all we do is love things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I yeah. finally had the experience of Mass Effect that I had always heard uh, from you and from pretty much everybody I know who's ever played it. Even my first time trying to play Mass Effect 2 years ago, I, I kind of had like a brief glimpse of this and then went to go back to play the first one and was like, this is not working for me. And the Legendary mm. Edition just fixes all of it. It is it is a stunning package. I I, I, I can't speak highly enough of Mass Effect. I mean, I, I could go into it for a long time, but we already did for like uh, yeah, many, many bonus. hours with right. uh, our friend Tamor Hussein over at GameSpot. And uh he was a great guest because he loves it as much as uh, oh, yeah. you do and I do now. And uh, yeah, go listen to that because that was a Mass fun bonus. incredible. Because we also all were coming in from different experience levels. Because yeah. Tam had like played it when it came out and also like had more of a behind the scenes. Yeah, experience. He, like covered it. Yeah. Right. Um, I had played it when it came out and you were new to it. So, yeah. you know, honestly, I think my answer has to be the same. I yeah. think that like because I think for me, it was the kind of thing where. I think I equated moving on from Mass Effect to a breakup and that like mm. the downside of playing it when it came out was being in the thick of like the madness around the ending of three. Yeah. And that kind of souring my time with it. Right, like, right, I right. think that it was even though I loved the trilogy, it was so hard to like feel like it was an experience I had and not just like this sort of like draining event mm -hmm. i mean similar to like a last jedi kind of scenario, i was just gonna say it's gonna take me a long time to go watch the star wars sequels exactly. for the same reason <laughs> um and i think we're also at a time which i think is a good thing i think like in the last few years especially we've been in this sort of place where a lot of us are re-examining media and our relationship to media and like you know as we get older being like what do i value now what is something that i maybe once like but can't really like mm -hmm. enjoy anymore and i was so prepared emotionally to like play mass effect again and have that like yeah it was important for me at the time mm -hmm. but like i've moved on right and i so haven't moved on like it, <laughs> yeah it, it was really nice to have a memory of something that was that matched up with my current experience mm -hmm. you know i think that like there's plenty to critique about mass effect but i think that the the things that i loved and held on to and like the experience is still so I cherish it so much. And I think that there's so few games that have like hit those highs since. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's going to be a long time before there's a game that has the ambition of the Mass Effect trilogy because yeah. it is such a gamble. And I think there aren't a lot of companies that A, have the resources to pull something like that off. Right. And B, are willing to risk so much to do it, unfortunately. But yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful we will. I, and I think we have seen a influence, but it's, it's usually surface level. There hasn't been a game that has really struck that balance between role-playing and an authored experience in the yeah. same way. And even Bioware's other attempts haven't really worked out. Right. So 
uh, yeah, even the company that made it work once, mm-hmm. I, I think the fact that they had a hard time making it work again ever since is just proof that Mass Effect was such a singular, difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we we talked in the most recent episode that we recorded about Halo Infinite and, and kind of its comparison to Destiny and how Destiny got announced as a 10-year project and how many other companies tried to follow in Destiny's footsteps and couldn't mm. do it. Like The Division, for example, is the one that comes to mind that's like, it got kind of close, but it's definitely not still going as strong as Destiny is. I, I feel like Mass Effect, you could put in the, in the same the same realm as just like a hugely ambitious thing with so much money behind it and like miraculously somehow it worked yeah, out. Yeah, it was like lightning in a bottle. It's the kind of thing where it's like, I'm hopeful that influence will carry forward, but yeah. it's also fine. It if, definitely has. If it's a singular yeah. event too. Yeah. You know, it's never going to be quite the same and it shouldn't be because we want to see, you know, e- even if someone set out to be like, I'm going to make a new Mass Effect game, it's going to be their own take on it. Yeah. Which is exciting. It's a good thing. Right. And I guess that's what we're getting, right? Mass Effect 4 is yeah. in the works. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm so emotionally <laughs> guarded for that. I yeah. have like a steel yeah. slime around my heart in yeah. anticipation of that. Yeah. But uh, I hope I hope the best for Bioware. Yeah. Yeah. In all ways. Man, I really wanted to bring Andromeda to the show at one point. <laughs> um, I, but then I played enough of it where I was like, the stuff that I think is succeeding here is getting so drowned out by the stuff that's absolutely tanking. I'll say this. Mm. As someone who did not enjoy Andromeda at all, I do think that the risks Andromeda took will pay off eventually. I oh, think that, yeah. like the game I can see that getting wrapped and folded back into Yeah, and I and yeah. I think I think the best thing about Andromeda is that it really wasn't trying to do the same thing again. That's mm-hmm. the worst thing it could have been was yeah. like Shepard being like, I'm back, baby. <laughs> you know, Regardless uh, of what your ending was. Right, yeah. right. Uh-huh. I think it was it was wise to be like, you know what, this is gonna be literally in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Like <laughs> a different timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, I think I think replaying Mass Effect and like kind of having a new experience with something that was sort of foundational in college was mm. a really cool experience. Yeah. I think I'll go back to it in a couple of years and do another run. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I, I went like heavy Paragon in this run. And I, I really want to go Renegade and see what that's like. I mean, I've played it now three times and it, it's always it's definitely going to be like an annual biannual thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And Legendary Edition is incredible. And also, I, at least at the time of this recording, has gone on deep deep sale many yeah. times which yeah is, i bought it at 29 dollars or something yeah price. yeah yeah i haven't played it but i yeah. do own it <laughs> rumors abound maybe you're listening to this years later but rumors abound currently in 2021 that it's going to be on game pass soon it's going to oh. get added to ea play that so. makes sense because i mean the original trilogy are there yes right so why not legendary edition yeah. yeah i mean it's it's really it's really just all the games in one place but that's like what we really needed yeah it's 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 so clearly the best way to play the game because i think that it really proves that it's a singular experience and not like like you can prefer one game or the other, but you really need to play the whole thing. It's like yeah. three acts, not three games. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Totally. AJ, do you have a game of the other years? Uh, I mean, I feel like the obvious answer is the one that I have a podcast about, um, <laughs> which is Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, which is a game that I really very much enjoy uh, yeah. that I've only played. I think I've heard of it. One th- <laughs> I've only ever played one third of it so far. I'm currently playing uh, a Golden Deer route. Well, oh, you've, nice. you've done a whole run of it. I've done a whole run, a whole Black Eagles yes. run. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going back. What's your podcast doing called? Some oh, sorry. Yeah, the podcast is Asynchronous, a video game catch-up show uh, where myself and my friend and co-host Kim play games that we missed at the time. And yeah. the first one is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah. Uh, our second one, we already know what it is, but we're not going to tell you. <gasps> okay. That's um, exciting. Yeah. But yeah, so, so Fire Emblem Three Houses, I think, is like the obvious choice, but... Um, I'm actually going to bring a game that I have not played <laughs> since it came out. Uh-huh. Uh, and when I first played it in, I don't know, 2012, 2013, uh-huh. like that. Uh, it's by the developer of this year's 
the Game Awards Game of the Year, It Takes Two. Uh, it's their first game, Brothers, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, uh, which is a game that I I heard It Takes Two won the Game Awards. I was like, okay, cool, neat. Like They make games that I like. And then I was talking to my partner, Tara, about Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons yeah. and got emotional. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, I literally haven't touched this game for like almost a decade. Yeah. And it's still like affecting me mm. and I want to play it again. But, uh, so I think that's going to be my game of the other years. Wow. Uh, cause it's a really, really I love that. Just special game. The game. Yeah. Put it at the top of your list. It's a really, really, really great yeah. experience. Uh, it's, it's a co-op, it's a solo co-op game yeah. uh, where you control two brothers on one controller. It's like a Mario and Luigi, like Mario and Luigi. Right. But you have like distinct exactly control. Like, it's Steven. It's exactly like Mario. And Luigi. <laughs> I say, there's nothing different about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can squish the one brother down and he gets really small. Yeah. Um, no, but but yeah, so that's just I don't know. It's yeah. a really special game, a really good game. Brothers right? is an incredible video game. Yeah, you yeah. play it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. should play it if you haven't. Maybe you it'll be next year's it. Go Toy. You yeah. should play it. Yeah. yeah, it's really it's really spectacular. Brothers. <laughs> yes, Brothers. Uh really good game. Uh I now really want to play it takes two. I I had heard mixed things about it when it came out. Yeah. But it always Neither of us have played it either. No, I haven't. I'm curious. I yeah. mean, I've, I've heard the the game is great. The narrative seems to be hit or miss. Yeah. Um, I can't comment on that because I haven't played it. Right. I've I've talked to some people who've played it who said some like absolutely scathing things about it, but also really? one game of the year at the Game Awards. Right. And uh, honestly, a lot of the conversation I see online about it is like glowing. So hmm. I, I think it's really just kind of like up to your own taste level. So I'll, sure. I'll be interested to yeah. get my hands on it eventually. But neither of us played it, so it's I, not th- I think the Polygon review I read was more critical of the narrative part too. So I think that like the the game itself seems to be pretty fun. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll play it one day. One day. Hey, those are our go toys. Go hey. toys, baby. Like you, I think like playing Eco and and Mother Three were also big, but Mass Effect I think just felt the most personal still. Yeah, totally. I do think. Eco will like forever be one of my favorite games. Oh yeah. Maybe ever. It's uh, the kind of mm. thing where like, I feel like when you listen to music and you find like, okay, here's like listening to like the band that started a genre and here's like <laughs> your personal favorite. Yeah. It's right. kind of that conversation where Eco just feels like a sort of like monumental, almost mythic experience to play. <laughs> yeah. And then, and it and definitely like is absolutely one of my favorite games I've played. But Mass Effect is just like the one yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. forever my love. I'm excited to find games of this caliber to play next year. Also. Yeah, me too. I think I, I can think of a couple. I think like an obvious one that will probably happen is Chrono Trigger. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've started and stopped that game a couple times because we're like, oh, should this be the bonus for this month? And then like something else obvious shows up. So yeah. I'm excited to finally sit down and just play through. And also the best version of it is on the DS. Uh, so so excited. look out. Yeah. <laughs> look out for that. Uh, yeah, Chrono Trigger look, is. Look out. <laughs> look Be careful. Out. It's Frog and Robo. Here it comes. Um. Happy holidays. It's Goaty Season 2021. I'm Kim, and my game of the year is Frogs. Just kidding. Hi, this is Kim, host of Frog of the Week. Now, my personal game of the year is something that Stephen and Brendan didn't actually consider eligible for their own goatee lists. But unlike them, I am not bound by the laws of man or God. And so my game of the year is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, I know that this trilogy is technically like a decade old, uh, but before Legendary Edition came out, I had never played any of it uh, because when those games came out, I wasn't even really playing video games. 
games? And chances are I probably wouldn't have picked them up if not for Legendary Edition. So I'm really grateful that it exists because playing through the trilogy was my favorite gaming experience this year. Uh, possibly my favorite gaming experience of all time. Uh, it's definitely up there, if not number one. Um, so sorry if you feel like that doesn't count. If you want to lodge a complaint, just tweet it at AJ Falleri. Uh, and thank you so much, Brendan and Steven, for giving me this platform to cause chaos. Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Oh man, so does, that, does that just leave the actual game of the year that list? That leaves the game of the year list, Stephen. And you I, may, sorry. What? May I pitch? Because I don't play a lot of games that come out the year they come out. Yeah. So I think I only might have Go Toys. <laughs> so. <laughs> Give me more. So I may, can I can I lobby to periodically throughout the episode just drop some go toys, some of my go toys? Yeah, please. That's I love this sort of breadcrumb trail of go toys because <laughs> I definitely also don't have ten. So like, yeah. I'm just kind of, I'm I'm now in media res making a list of games that I have. Played yeah, whenever whenever what we're saying sounds like an adult in peanuts, just be like ah, uh, Rayman, and then <laughs> continue nodding off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, you made me go first for Go Toy. I did. So I think that means you have to go first with your number ten. I'm happy to. I will point out this is our fourth game of the year episode. I have gone first every time. Is that okay with you? <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Because either it's, it's like now, now it's it's tradition. It's tradition. Okay, it's tradition. tradition. <laughs> uh, good musical. My game of the year is Fiddle on the Roof. <laughs> really? Okay, so just just to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just in case this, oh, that was that hurt uh, just in case this is your first game of the episode and you're still listening after I screamed into your ear um, the structure is pretty simple Brendan and I both have a top 10 we're going to alternate from 10 to 1 1 being our game of the year and then in the latter part of the episode we're going to be deciding what the top 5 games of the show are mm -hmm. So that's it, the that's the part where there's a lot of like really cool sound effects because Steve and I are going to fist fight <laughs> and we're going to try and not say a word. You just have to like tell by the sounds of skin against skin who wins yeah. the fight. It's like an audio only Tekken match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, uh, AJ will reveal because we'll probably be knocked out. But you'll right. still get go toys from AJ in that section. <laughs> yeah, so right, you're yeah. like, psh, oh, psh, oh, Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Melee. <laughs> Melee. <laughs> the 3DS one. <laughs> so pretty simple. If you listen to our Game Boy Advance episode, it's the same structure. So 10 to 1. Right. And then uh, when we decide on the top five for the Aether, it is essentially like... Not necessarily the mean of both lists, but just like what represents the show best, what represents like our combined taste best. Mm -hmm. It's a usually a very interesting conversation. It's been very easy the last two years because for the last two years, we've had essentially the same top five. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Not to go too into it, but before I reveal number 10, I thought it might, it might be fun just to go through like what our number one picks were for the last couple years. Oh, sure. So 2018, my game of the year was Celeste uh, and 2019... My game of the year was Fire Emblem Three Houses. And in last year, my game of the year was Hades. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 2018 for me was Hollow Knight. 2019 was Fire Emblem. And 2020 was Hades. Yeah. This is going to be a, mixed, a mix up year. It's going to be fun. This yeah. Is, this is going to be a real mix up year. And uh, for for the Aether, our 2018 Aether game of the year was Spider Man, Marvel mm -hmm. Spider Man for the PS4. Uh, 2019. Damn right. It was Marvel Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Universal Spider Man. Um, <laughs> And then uh, 2019 was Three Houses and 2020 was Hades. So mm. we also uh, we will be revealing this later, but we also have a uh, discord where we have a poll for everyone to vote for their top five. I'm so mm. excited to hear the discord. Me too. Uh, I have it with me. And 
for the last two years, their game of the year collectively was also Hades and three houses. <laughs> oh, wow. So this we've we've had a four way tie for the last two years. Yeah. Unless we're completely wrong, there's still a chance that we will have another four way tie. But I don't think we will. I I'll say right now, I, I bet that we do not. Yeah, I, I think those are those are good. My odds. plan is no. I usually make predictions. I, I have made no predictions this year. I don't want to make any predictions this year. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's even worth trying. But I will say that I don't think there's going to be a four way tie. Yeah, I don't think there will be either. I do think there'll be some overlap, but I don't think the number one spot will be yes. yeah. tie. Anyway, my list. Woo. Yes. My top 10. Number 10. Of 2021. Ooh, number 10. happening? Number 10. Number 10. Of course, your cat just jumped up. Yeah. That's great. He's gonna, they're excited. He'll find somewhere to lay. Number 10 is League of Legends Wild Rift. Wow. wow. Okay. Only 10. Okay. Only All 10. Right. Yeah. So, um, hell yeah. Maybe not surprising if you listen to the show. I've talked about Wild Rift a good amount. Yeah. I there was part of my brain that wanted to make it an honorable mention because I, I I don't know why there, there's a part of me that like wanted to dismiss mm. how much I played this game sure, yeah, and sure, how sure. much I like it. But I thought it really deserved a place because I think that it essentially sold me on a genre and a series I had absolutely no interest in. Right. I think that this year has weirdly been like leagues come back here into the <laughs> mainstream between Arcane and uh, Ruin King and Wild Rift. I think we talk a lot about mobile games that sort of like utilize mobile to take like take advantage of that system, if you will, to like yeah. for the game's advantage. So I think a lot of games that we've covered for the show that have actually been on our game of the year list in the past are games like Florence or If Found or Guildlings that all utilize being on mobile to provide like a narrative experience. Like in Guildlings, the you're like literally texting people on a magical phone. Yeah. And in If Found and Florence, there's an intimacy with the mobile device and with headphones that like just aids the experience. Mm. I think with Wild Rift, it's interesting because I don't think like worldwide, the idea of having a MOBA on a phone is like a new thing at all. Right. But I think it's so immediately impressive, like how good it looks and how well it runs. And I feel like the quality of, of Wild Rift has already kind of changed my preconceived notions of like what mobile is capable of. I find it to be like the perfect game to play in the morning, like before coffee matches mm. are only 15 to 20 minutes. I have played 400 matches of wild rift. Wow. That's a lot of matches, these matches Steven. are between 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> so that's essentially a hundred hours. If my math is correct. Wow. And I've played this game. It came out, I think in March. So it's like an early release. Yeah. And it's been interesting to play it throughout the course of the year and see how much they've updated it. It's really just gotten better. There's like constantly events, adding new characters. Mm. The monetization is is not great, but it's also not. I mean, again, very low bar, but it's not <laughs> awful. I mean, it's Look not at the Pokemon kind of unite by comparison. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no comparison. Like yeah. you only will spend money on cosmetics, and the game is pretty generous in what it gives you. Usually with these kind of free to play games, there's like the first day you have it, they're sharing you with gifts, mm -hmm. and then it stops. Like, yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah. And having played it all year, the generosity like never really seized. And it's also not a game where you're going to really want to unlock like every character. Mm. Like you're going to find the handful you want to play and that's kind of it. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just like really like surprised at how much I like it. Even though I was sort of torn of whether or not it was top 10. I just thought like I had to be honest with how much I've played it, how much I enjoy it and how much it's sort of like sold me on something I didn't think I would want. Yeah. I love that. I mean, first of all, that that feels like a classic into the aether thing. Yes. Right? It's like, yes. go check out this thing you think you're going to not like and then play 400 hours. Of it. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But I also I, I really, really, really resonate with 
this idea that like I almost thought I wasn't going to put this on my list because I needed to like I needed to sequester this off mm. as like maybe something that shouldn't count for the top 10 because that was a lot of the conversation I was having with myself yeah. about my own list was like just being brutally honest with myself about what actually like I feel like sometimes when you make a list like this there's like this kind of outside force in yes. a way that's almost influencing you to put things that maybe are not like super true to like your heart. Yeah. Should be all fucking <laughs> Sora Riku Kairi about it. But like, <laughs> I, I do feel like that was kind of my big aha moment a couple weeks ago, which I, I alluded to on the show, which was like, no, I'm going to be 100% true to myself for this list. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I, I really appreciate that. Oh, I'll drift. I, that having been said, I did play a whole lot of it. I also really enjoyed it. I ended up getting more into Pokemon Unite and then yeah. bailed from Pokemon Unite because of the way monetization went when they started releasing new characters, which like really bummed me out. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just kind of like taking a break from MOBAs, but I do think when I go back, it'll probably be to wild drift. Cause yeah. I, I really liked what I played and I think I just need to spend more time learning it because I still yeah. felt a little bit out of my depth. But also to your point, it is a it is a game that is so successful at being on mobile that it almost maybe usurps the main thing. Yeah. Which I think is a really it's a huge swing and a huge success for Riot in that sense. Um, I, I think a recent sibling to this game to me is Rocket League Sideswipe, which yeah. I brought up recently. Which also is like, I'm never going to play Rocket League again. I'm only going to play Sideswipe. <laughs> if I ever want to play anything even remotely related to Rocket League, I'll just play Sideswipe now. And I there's a 0% chance I'll ever play League of Legends. I'll only play Wild Drift. Yeah, I don't, I don't see myself playing the main game. Not to say that it doesn't have its own place. Obviously, yeah. it does as like an eSport. But um, I think that like... You know, when that game kind of solely existed as an esport for a decade, right? This was so needed. Yeah. You know, and I think that, like, I think it's easy. I mean, I see it all the time in the Discord. People talk about, like, just games in general. They think, like, oh, this isn't for me in some way. Yeah. And discovering that, like, it could be is mm-hmm. such a cool thing. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think Wild Rift was definitely one of my favorite games of the year. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Number 10. That's number a great 10. number 10. Thank you. I like yeah. it a lot. so excited my number <gasps> 10 uh definitely my biggest surprise of the year Ooh. marvel's guardians of the galaxy Hell there you go is my number 10 um disclaimer i work at marvel anything i say and do does not represent the views of my employer uh but again i'm just gonna say very nice things about our video game yeah. so yeah th- this is a game that uh like truth be told I, d- I i work on some marketing elements for our marvel games division um and even working within that I, I still like didn't have a full sense of how good this game was going to be before it came out. I, I wasn't really talking to the Marvel game team about it. Um, and when it released, I, I guess, full disclosure, I got a copy of it from the company, obviously, uh, and sat down to start playing it kind of more out of curiosity than anything else, because I was like, oh, I really like Marvel Spider-Man. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I, I'm excited to see like a, a really kind of single player focused story driven game. Uh, Eidos Montreal are the developers. They made wonderful magic with the Deus Ex games. Um, and I was excited to see what they were going to do with like a totally new style of thing. What I didn't expect was like this for me now is the definitive version of Guardians of the Galaxy as characters. um, We talked a lot about it in our two episodes about it. One, which was a patron bonus and the other one, which was a main episode. But mechanically, the game is all about 
searching for and trying to step up to the plate and be a leader. Yeah. And I think that marriage of thematic and mechanic strides is just like so, so thrilling. Yeah. Um, even though I, I would say some of the combat definitely feels a little bit, you know, uh, rote at times. You sure. know, there, there are some instances in which you're like running through a spaceship and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to fight these guys and then these guys and then these guys before I get the story beat. Mm. Throughout all of that, you're still getting characterization you're still getting yeah quips lines of dialogue Groot is yelling at the top of his lungs Rocket is yelling at you Gamora is yelling at you Drax is yelling just out loud because he's (laughs) a a combat maven Um, and all in all I think the game ends up going into some really really kind of like stark and I would say even brave narrative directions Mm, Um, I agree especially towards the end I won't spoil it but there's some stuff that happens with Drax in the third act that is like soul crushing and then is like oh i i'm i'm on a horse riding into battle you know is like the 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 tonal whiplash uh which i mean as a good thing in this case mm. um is palpable and is really 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 stunning um i i was really surprised by this game and i'm excited to see more if there is more um but yeah marvel's guardians of the galaxy number 10 it's a good pick. Yeah, I, I also was blown away how much I enjoyed this game for the reasons you just highlighted. Yeah. I played it in two sittings. And I just to be clear, <laughs> that's going to be a recurring thing for me and my list is like I needed to be honest with myself about how many times I sat down and just played a whole game in one or two sittings. Yeah, right. I think you're right, though. I mean, I think that it would have been so easy for this game to kind of be like an echo of the movies. And it's clearly yeah. like there's a lot of shared influence. Like yeah. you have the 80s soundtrack and everything. Yeah, the characters of the Guardians felt really fresh. Yeah. Um, Peter and Gamora, especially. Like, I think Drax is definitely like the heart, but I found Gamora and Peter to be the most different from the movies. Yeah. Um, and I think that really worked because I think it wasn't just like not Chris Pratt as Star Lord, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. it was, yeah. it was a new character. And uh, I think that something that I like about the movies and the game kind of, I think, almost like focuses on this is like this sort of thematic core is. When you're in the ship, there's like banter and music and whether or not it's a positive atmosphere, it always is very alive. Yeah. And then it's almost always kind of complemented by a shot outside the ship of like Doppler effect music and just like the uncaringness of space. Mm, Yeah. And I find that the game really illustrated that these four characters have nowhere else to go. And they have no one else like that cares about them, really. Mm, Yeah. Uh, And if they did, they're gone. Right. And I think that sort of them creating like a star or planet for themselves is such a powerful thing. And and the game is so successful at like atmosphere and writing and characters. Uh, it unfortunately did not make my list, which is not like a dig against the game. I thought it was amazing. I agree that like I think at one point you said it's almost too much like Uncharted one. Yeah. And like that was that was sort of what. I found hurt the experience where like there is this like brilliant narrative happening alongside like endless combat and like we got to push this block. <laughs> right. And that like that hurt it for me. But again, like you said, even in those moments, they're still taking advantage of those beats for storytelling purposes. Yes. So you're never not getting the thing you want from it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I really think that like if the if the more gameplay side of things was on the same level as the narrative, this would be on the same level as like Marvel Spider-Man. Yeah, mm. um, I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. And as we talked about in the episode, I, I do feel like even though it gets kind of closer to Uncharted 1 in a way, like Uncharted 1 was still uncharted territory for what <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> for what games were going to become. 
Um, and I feel that way about that. This is the first, maybe not the first, but it's the first one I can think of off the top of my head. Games that are clearly inspired by the Uncharted franchise that I think like fucking nail it. I agree. And, mm. and, and this to me feels like a blueprint for how to tell these kinds of stories with games, uh, you know, if you have the budget for it, which is rare. But, uh, yeah. you know, for, for all of these big IP focused games like Guardians of the Galaxy is is your North Star, I think. I also think going back to our conversation about Mass Effect, like we said in the episode about this, that there's a lot they're doing with decision making and role playing that feels like possibly a lesson for the next Mass Effect. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really cool. Because it's also seamless. I, yeah. I think I've talked to some people who've played this game who didn't even know that there were different endings and different choices right. that could happen, you know, because they all feel so seamless. They all feel mm. so seamlessly ingrained uh, in the way the story plays out. For example, one of the f- earliest ones that you and I differed on was you have to bring a monster to a lady who collects monsters. Yeah. And you have to choose because you're trying to infiltrate the place. You have to choose between Rocket and Groot. And you went with Groot because he's a big tree guy. And I went with Rocket because I thought that was the funnier option. <laughs> <laughs> and and those scenes play out totally differently and are huh. wonderful. I've seen them both now because um, I, I went back and did a little bit of New Game Plus in preparation for this episode and had a really great time with the Groot side of it. Uh, I recommend picking Rocket if you haven't played the game. though. And I think mm. there's also like so many decisions have like no not like no clear option in terms of they're both bad, but like they're both fruitful decisions. Right. Yes. Um, and I think like, I love the reasoning where Drax is like, uh, like rocket has the monster within, like yes. he may not be the same size, but he's like an awful, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is terrible. Yeah. I would still highly recommend. Again, there's so many games we love that, that may not be on our list, but this game is wonderful. I'm glad it made yours. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I frankly surprised, uh, yeah. and, and glad. Um, and there are, like I said, this was the hardest spot to pick on the whole list, I think. Totally. It was number 10, because there are so many other things, I would say, between 11 and 15 on my list. Actually, 11 and 16 on my list that I think all could have been the number 10 spot. But, yeah, uh, it was like in, in my process of revisiting games for the list, it was like whatever I was playing always had a leg up. Yes. You know, so it was, it was really hard to like in, in the void of actively playing something decide which made it. Yeah. Hello, Brendan and Steven. This is Dom Nero, a.k.a. Zant the Usurper Prince, a.k.a. Spanky in Forza Horizon 5, a.k.a. the co-host of Eye of the Duck Film Podcast. I am so happy for you guys. Another great year of Into the Aether, one of my favorite podcasts in my rotation, the best video game podcast of the year, according to uh, Esquire magazine. Um, And speaking of best things, if I had to choose my favorite game of the year, my goatee, as they say, I would go with Unsighted by Studio Pixel Punk. I'm sure this comes as no surprise to you guys, as I've spoken about the game on your show and uh, on our text message chain, where I have bothered you guys for months about this one. I think it's a very unique, impactful game. It draws inspiration from a lot of really cool video games, but this one stands on its own to me. Um, I think it's really hard to put to words the experience of losing a friend, but I think this game kind of bottles up that experience in a really impactful way. I hope more people play it, and I can't wait to see what you guys do in 2022. Also, thank you for your Game Boy Advance episodes because all of the research and discussion you guys did about those titles has brought my love of the handheld age back. I've been playing a lot of GBA games on my analog pocket and am fully back in. So thanks again, and I hope to talk to you soon.
to me, I guess. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine on my game of the year list 2021 is Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, this is definitely the most I've gotten into a fighting game in a long time. I've mentioned on the show that I definitely love fighting games. I feel kind of like in this sort of strange middle ground where I always like want to get into a fighting game and I want to like have that process of finding out who the character is. I want to study mm. and like mm-hmm. practice with them, but I'm not determined to like study frame data. Like there's always that <laughs> yeah. cutoff yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, I don't care that much. <laughs> right. um, not, no shade. If you do, I just, that's, that's where I lose interest. Cause I don't want to make it into an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. You know, um, there's, yeah, there's a version of being a fighting game fan where you pick the one game you play and that's, that's literally the only game you play. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think why strive worked so well for me is that the developers at arc have said very clearly that their intention with this game is to make every character fun to play. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're more interested almost in spectacle and in like, Imagine feel. If it wasn't though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. But I mean, <laughs> that'd be so funny. Yeah. yeah. Our, our goal is to make this as bland as possible <laughs> this one punches but that's the thing i think yeah. arc have proven themselves to be like unmatched in making fighting games their their big breakout hit more recently was uh dragon ball fighter z yeah and i i was really curious to see because i i played um guilty gear x on the dreamcast and was like what is this fucking weird game i love it <laughs> yeah and so that like remained in my head as this like unhinged fighting game and then i picked up xrd rev 2 which came out in like 2017 and like mm-hmm. liked it but I got that well after people were playing it. So yeah. it was like kind of an isolated experience. Right. But I got Dragon Ball Fighter Z when it came out. And I was like, this seems like sort of their first like kind of mainstream breakout hit, mm-hmm. at least like that I can remember. And I was curious, like what lessons would be learned from that experience that would carry over into Guilty Gear, their flagship series. And it's been a hit. Like this game sold really well. Yeah. I, I think Dragon Ball just set the stage for whatever they had next to really thrive. Exactly. And, and I'm glad I think, it was Guilty Gear. Yeah, me too. And I think like I think that fighting games in more recent years have fallen into sort of this pitfall of like needing to rely on recognizable IP. Mm-hmm. Like even Tekken is like, we've got Negan, we've yeah. got Noctis from FF. Like yeah. I don't mind that crossover stuff, but I, I don't it always like is a little bit strange to me. Yeah. If it doesn't match the tone of the game, right. it feels a little bit almost desperate because fighting games yeah. have always been kind of a niche thing. So I think that like, I understand that there's sort of pressure to like market it, but I think strive has proven like most people have no idea who soul bad guy is mm. or Ram lethal or, uh, you know, like, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. The, <laughs> I, what I love game. about this game is like <laughs> every character is like the character you would doodle in your math notebook yeah. when you thought no one was looking. <laughs> who's the, who's the big guy who doesn't believe in aliens, but his main weapon is a coffin with an alien in it. Gold Lewis Dickinson. Gold Lewis. The secretary of absolute defense. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite character yeah that's the thing it's like every character is that ridiculous and i think that there's something about oh my god the sort of like it, it, it cares so little for feedback that everything is that <laughs> wild and yeah. it, it circles around to being high art you know yeah. like yeah. i think that like the animation is beautiful like yeah. the the game just feels so fun it's like throwing money at your first draft yeah yeah exactly <laughs> make this i don't care no edits i mean it really is like the, the game is so inspired by like 80s heavy metal and mm-hmm. that's like the entire vibe yeah and it's not even something that i necessarily like but the game the game likes it so much that I like it. Yeah. You know, there's this this mm. sort of tenacious confidence to it. And there's a great group of people in the Discord who have all been playing Strive and are all like really good and also really nice and give good feedback. And like learning the game with them, getting to floor 10 as May, who fights with dolphins and whales connected to the show spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> 
I've I've just loved this game. I think that there's always going to be a kind of ebbs and flows of interest, and like you know, there is definitely a falling off point where like the only people playing online are like really good. Yeah, but I'm at a point where if so, I'm level like eighty, and I've I've held my own against people who are like level eight hundred. Okay, and I feel pretty okay. okay about That's good. That. Yeah. I feel like at a certain point it's diminishing returns, right? Like, yeah, you're like exactly. Better at this one uh, frame, like than one other person. <laughs> like yeah, not- I think um, Ark have also going back to them making the game as fun as possible, which is a funny goal. But uh, <laughs> whenever they release a big like balance update, they have notes why. So it's not just like, oh, we've changed this oh, character. Awesome. It's it'll be like, we noticed no one was using this move and we wanted to make it like a more worthwhile thing. Wow. And they almost always just buff everyone. So like their philosophy <laughs> is like, let's make everyone broken everyone as shit. Yeah. Stronger, like, everyone stronger. is way too good. Matches uh, are over like that. Uh, the only reason this game isn't higher is that there's really not a ton to do outside of playing online. Which is how fighting games are made usually now. But like even in XRD Rev 2, there was like a more like full arcade mode mm. like more story yeah there is a like three hour anime film you can watch that's just like <laughs> oh my god completely separate from the game <laughs> which is so strange maybe that. one day i'll watch it and report back <laughs> yeah um i need to know more about gold lewis dickinson the secretary yes. of absolute defense who doesn't believe in aliens but has one in a coffin at yeah. all times my favorite thing the only the one, the one of the only things i've seen from that game is gold lewis winning like doing a, a winning pose and then behind him, the coffin uh, oh, that yeah. he fights with opens up and like an alien flies away. And then when he turns around, it's gone. Yeah. The, the, so funny. The person who loses gets abducted by yeah, a UFO. That's what, it is, that's what it is. And he's like, where'd they go? And he like scratches his chin. <laughs> it's so fucking It's good. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so good. So yeah, Guilty Gear, I, this is another one where I was like, maybe like an honorable mention it, but I'm like, nah, this... <laughs> <laughs> I, I've spent so much time playing this game that my hands hurt and I got to the top floor inside <laughs> of my own desire to win. Right. I love that. When the matches start, it goes heaven or hell. Great. Wow. That's it. It just says heaven, heaven or heaven, hell. I say number nine. <laughs> so that's number nine for me. Wow. I love competitive Stephen. <laughs> I've gotten pretty good with me. I'll say that much. Yeah. I'm like pretty okay with that. That's a great energy to bring. Yeah. I, uh, I, I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Fighter Z. I, yeah. I never felt the need to play it because I'm definitely not a fighting game person in that vein. Sure. I mean, I've, I've tried many times just to be clear, because like that sounds like the kind of thing that I would say on a show and then like try and disprove later. And maybe who knows, maybe something will come out. But uh, I, I've tried playing Dragon Ball Fighter Z, but I, I just like watching it a lot more. I like watching high level play. And I was really excited for this game to come out to see if I was going to feel the same way about Strive. And I very much do. I watched some Strive recently because there's been a lot of like end of the year big tournaments yeah. happening. Um, that game is so fun to watch. It's so cool. And one uh, one more point, if you don't mind, about Strive is that while it's still a fairly dense fighting game, they have actually done a lot to make it a little bit easier as an onboarding process. Like this is definitely the one to play because yeah. in in past games, like even in Dragon Ball Fighter Z, like the only reason that game feels welcoming is because you know who the characters are. <laughs> But the game itself is like full of like endless combos and like you're playing as a team of three and there's so many variables within that. Yeah. In Strive, every character has like five moves. The hurdle that I always don't like is like remembering moves. Right. I like that in Strive, like pretty much after a few matches, like you'll know what the moves are. So it's less about like 
memorization and more about like thinking in the moment. It's almost like Smash Brothers, like every character has like the B moves and the mm-hmm, A moves. Right. Like knowing, okay, as may I have dolphins, I have a, a whale and a giant anchor. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do it. Have it or hell. And there there are some longtime fans that were disappointed that it was a little bit more streamlined, but like it's still Guilty Gear. Like it mm-hmm. is not like yeah. a different game. Right. It's still very much that. And I think having the sort of core moves easier to understand and easier to pull off actually gets the player into the mindset of higher level play faster mm. because then you're thinking about Roman cancels and like cool. all of that kind of stuff, which yeah. I won't get into for the sake of this episode <laughs> and the length of this episode. But I just think that this game was such a good step for Ark. Clearly a hit. This will be my fighting game for a long time. Yeah. Wow. Number nine. I hope the rest of your list are also esports. <laughs> Can you imagine? Fuck. Cool. My other salt. You're number nine. I'm excited for my number nine. I'm excited too. Because this is a game that we didn't talk about on the show at all. Oh my God. Never brought it to the show. I did. I played the demo during Summer Games Fest and then talked about the demo briefly, Mm. but didn't talk about the full game. My number nine is Lake. Oh. It's a game where you deliver mail. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. That's stranding. Yes. Uh, it is the sequel to Death Stranding. Um, no, th- this is a game. Uh, I- I'm really surprised that this game is so high on my list. I'm really surprised at how much I've really connected with it. To make a long story short, you're a woman named Meredith who uh, works in Portland, Oregon on like the most boring like software file system company mm-hmm. sure. possible in the 80s. And uh, she's like, this sucks. I need a couple weeks off and decides to move back home because her father retires from being a mailman in the town that she grew up in. And she's like, what if I just hypothetically took over your mail route for two weeks? <laughs> and what follows is you just deliver mail to the people of the town that you grew up in <laughs> for two weeks. So every morning you wake up, you have a route, you know where all the stuff, it's all like on a map and you just drive your mail truck around and deliver packages and mail to people. And as you do, you just keep running into people that like you knew when you were growing up. Oh, You're like, cool. Meredith, it's so good to see you. Did you know that this person married this person, et cetera, et cetera? You, <laughs> you know, you go to the like the local diner and drop off like some coupons that they're giving out and stuff. And like the woman who owns the diner is like a staple of the town and knows everybody and everything. And it's yeah. constantly gossiping. <laughs> the, I saw this game described as a lifetime original movie turned into a video game. Yeah. Wow. And. I didn't think that that was going to be for me, and it ended up being extremely for me. I think this is an extremely bold video game to make yeah, um, because it doesn't rely on any twists or turns or anything. There's never a moment where Just it's the like... the ones in the road. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> there's not a moment where, like, there's a creature that lives in the lake that's abducting people. Right, you know, right. There's not... There's, <laughs> There's not a moment where it's like, oh, like your dad has secretly been dead or something like <laughs> Jesus. like there's there's nothing like that. Yeah. It, what what follows really is just Meredith driving around and slowly starting to realize that maybe the software company sucks and that she would rather move home and like live a kind of slower paced life and do sure. something like this for a living. Yeah, uh, because it's doable and it's possible and, it, and she can pay her bills just doing that. And I, I found that at least this year to be uh, an extremely I don't know, eye-opening experience. I, I thought it was I thought it was really heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the pace of the game because it's so good at lulling you into exactly what Meredith is feeling. Because yeah. 
in the beginning, when you start walking around, there's no run button or anything. So you can only walk. Sure. So you drive the mail truck around. You have to like walk to the back of the mail truck, open the back, find the package that gets delivered to that house, walk up, ring the doorbell, wait to see if somebody answers. If they don't, then you have to put it on the ground. If they do answer, then you, you're like locked into a stop and chat for like 10 minutes with someone you maybe <laughs> don't know uh, who's like, I have 50 cats. Will you bring one of them to this guy and see if he'll like look after it for a bit? Like what? <laughs> you know, like just weird small town shit. Um, and slowly you can tell that she starts to enjoy it. Yeah. Mm. And as she continues to get calls from her boss, even though she's supposed to have two weeks off, she's slowly like, maybe my future is here in Providence Oaks and not back in Portland, Oregon, working on at it 87, a file <laughs> management system for laptops that haven't sold yet. Wow. Uh, and it's really interesting. It, it gets to the core of, I think, what a lot of people tapped into with Stardew Valley. I was going to say, it reminds me of the framing device. Of Stardew yes. Valley. Yeah. W- without being like an endless farming sim kind of thing. It, yeah. it, it's, it's one story that wraps up really nicely. There are kind of like seamless choices that you're making. There's some romance options. <gasps> um, and I think truly, and this, this is kind of a thing that you and I were talking on the drive over here about this a little bit, but... It gets to the heart of what I wanted Sable to kind of nail because mm-hmm. Sable is so much a coming of age story yeah. and like a big like, what do you want to do with your life question? Totally. And asks you to ponder that while you wander around this big fantasy world. And I was much more enthralled wandering around a place that felt like fully real that mm-hmm. I could go visit. Asking those same questions while driving down an extremely long road to a <laughs> secluded lumberjack's house to deliver a, a piece of mail to him <laughs> were the moments this year that I was like, what do I want to do with my life? Like yeah. I, it really forced me to ask those questions. Um, and, and I think it's an extremely successful game because of that, even though it's not like the flashiest thing uh, it's, you know, it's by an indie team. It's, it's pretty small. It has some great lighting effects, but like, you know, is very cartoony is not like, you know, blowing the graphics uh, Olympics out of the water or whatever. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, just circling this lake for hours for two weeks until you make you know one final ultimate decision was a really, really heartwarming and kind of like engrossing experience. And I'm so surprised at yeah. how affecting I thought it was. That sounds wonderful. What is it for? I'm playing it on Xbox. Gotcha. Actually, as of today, today, day of recording, December 16th, 2021, it's getting added to Game Pass. Oh, cool. Um, so Sweet. you can play there. I'll definitely play it. That's Get out of my house. Wonderful. I'm playing it. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. This I'm playing it. Lake. Book it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, there are some games I played this year that just stick with me. And, yeah. and re- like, I find myself thinking about in the moments I'm not playing it. And, and Lake was one of them where like every day it was like, what do I want to do today? Do I want to, you know, play another game on DS? Do I want to, you know, go back and play more Halo? And I was like, no, I'm going to play Lake. Yeah. Which was such a weird choice. Every time I made that decision, I was like, it's weird that I'm booting up Lake right now. (laughs) But uh, it's really fucking good. I love the surprise of this. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't expect a game we didn't talk about to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was thinking about bringing it up in a future episode. Yeah. That sounds good to me. I would love to revisit it once we both play. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll like it a lot. Amazing. I think you'll like it a lot. (sighs) I hated that. Uh, can I bring a go toy? Yeah. Oh my God! Please do. Sure. Uh, so it can kind you of- get a bell? I need. I feel like I need like. Um, <laughs> I'm ready go for toy. a go toy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, similarly to Lake taking place in this kind of foresty, non-specific Pacific Northwest town. Yeah. I played a game called Tell Me Why by Don't Nod Entertainment. Yeah. The Life is Strange Studio. Oh, cool. Uh, they made a game called Tell Me Why that's about these twins 
who live in Alaska, their mom has just passed away. So one of them comes back mm-hmm. to their hometown and it's and they spend their time cleaning up the house and like getting their mother's affairs in order and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and throughout the whole game, you know, it's it's one of those it's like a Walking Dead kind of choice situation where you make choices and you change the story and blah, blah, right. blah. And it's just I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's just a really it was a really uh, great game. Uh, it deals with a lot of great stuff around like grief and identity yeah. and, you know, just like what it means to be a person and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's, it's a really great game and it's a don't nod game. So like everybody has they, the, the, the twins can telepathically talk to each other. Great. Yeah. Everybody okay. has to have, like, one kind of OK. The anti uh, superpower. Yeah. Yeah. Dare I say that's pretty brain punk. <laughs> <laughs> no, you daren't. Um, so. So, yeah, I, that's that's my my. Nice. Lower tier go toy. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have that game downloaded and I haven't booted it up it's, yet. I'm it's a good time. It. Yeah. I, I, I would recommend it. Um, cool. I don't think it's a perfect story. Yeah. Um, there are certainly some choices that I'm like, eh, but for the most part, it's a, it's an enjoyable experience and I think the vibes are really good. Cool. Uh, that rules. Relationships. Tell me why. Them. Wow. Well, because I just did. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hello. <laughs> oh, your um, your your Star Fox good luck was really really good. Thank you. Really good. I appreciate it. Yeah. I really like the train conductor in Star Fox where it's a. They're not taking me seriously. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to tell the good guys from the bad. All right. Uh, you want to give me your number eight, or you want to keep doing Star Fox impressions? <laughs> I realized we were back. We're, we're in back. the sh- we're in the show now. We're back, baby. <laughs> Cocky little freaks! <laughs> okay. Number eight on my... Number eight, yelling. <laughs> I love yelling. My game of the year is sound. <laughs> Soft, loud, all of it. Sound. <laughs> all right. Enough laughter. Let's get serious for once. Okay. Back to games. Uh, no, we can keep laughing. Number eight <laughs> on my goatee list is Wildermyth. Oh, mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wildermyth, I think, was a pretty big release this year. Um, mm. I think that Wildermyth captures what a lot of bigger RPGs promise, which I think right. is why it was so successful. Mm-hmm. I think that I've, I've seen a lot of conversations. So Wildermyth, uh, just in case you don't know, is going for a tabletop RPG experience, and it has a procedurally generated story that's kind of depicted in like a comic book webcomic format. So I think the first time you play this game, there's sort of this like, almost magic trick happening. And I think the more you play it, the more you start to kind of re-see events and stuff. Mm. That didn't really bother me, though, because it definitely changed the experience a little bit. But to me, it just became fantasy FTL at that point. So I'm like, Uh, oh, yeah, I don't mind that I know the beats because I have a different cast every time. And the decisions are largely role based. It's not just like there's still like nuance in your decisions and in what that playthrough feels like. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that the mission of Wildermyth, I, I find I feel like I'm unconsciously connecting to Star Fox with mission accomplished. But the the goal of the game and the experience provided is I just think is so successful. Cause I think that like one, the writing is really sharp. And I think that they they purposely chose a simpler format of both presentation and just like art to give the game sort of a, a dynamic feel. Like all the different characters that could be in your party have almost like Animal Crossing personality archetypes. So like yeah, okay. bookish poet or hot-headed loner. 
that will influence their dialogue. And I think the reason why I'm not like disillusioned by the game because of the visible limitations is I think that the game is really inviting you to use your own creativity. Yeah. Like they're, totally. they're really striking that delicate balance. We say this all the time with RPGs where there's like, am I being given a blank canvas or am I being given like Bioware characters? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that this game is just a few notches above blank canvas. Like they're giving you enough that it feels special to you, but it's up to you to really like make it unique to yourself. The fact that like every character will like they start off as just farmers picking up like pitchforks and like makeshift weapons and then they become like winged legendary heroes. Like <laughs> that transformation is always fun. That's yeah. Awesome. And even even if you know the possibilities, it is always exciting when it happens. Mm-hmm. And I just think that like this game is such a strong foundation. They've already updated it a lot. There's so much that can be done with this like yeah. tool set almost. Yeah, it feels like a platform. Exactly. Yeah. And mm. I, I'm not quite sure if there are already like user made campaigns or not, but like if that's going to happen, this game will be like timeless. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much you could do with it. And I also think that the combat is like surprisingly really strong. Mm. Like they're, they're borrowing agree. a lot from D&D, but they streamlined it in a way where it's not overwhelming. And there's actually a surprising amount of of variables in progression like there's sort of the classic warrior thief wizard thing going on Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard to tell at first but within those classes there's a lot of different paths you can take you can have like a rogue that's all about like backstabbing and cloaking you can have one that's more about archery bow and arrow or maybe one that's kind of like a druid almost right Mm. i love the approach of magic being something where you have to connect with the environment and i love this sort of pop-out book presentation of the combat honestly the only reason this game isn't higher is i found the world map navigation side of it to be kind of tedious yeah and it's always like larger than you remember it being (laughs) like you play this game and you remember the story and the like random events that like influence so much yeah just saying yes to stuff in this game has such a powerful impact on your playthrough and the combat is really fun but then when it's like move the tokens to this and build towers it's like i don't want to do any of this yeah Um, once it necessitates splitting up your party and exploring different pieces of the map and then the moments in which you need to bring them all back together it's like oh my god that's gonna take a week yeah (laughs) and like in the game like they're like in their 60s and have gray hair yeah for some reason this game thinks you get gray hair at like 28 which is my like one it's not a gripe but it's it could happen (laughs) everyone's different i wish but it's just yeah (laughs) it's just funny how like because they sort of have to have like an ai handle like what aging looks like right. for all the characters so it's like always like a streak of gray yeah. when they hit their late <laughs> yeah, 20s yeah the reed richards yeah for a little bit yeah oh, we can but all be so lucky yeah all oh that being God. said a, a party of silver foxes yeah, yeah why not um <laughs> But uh, I just, I love this game. I think it's something that I'll go back to a lot, especially as they update it. And especially just like when I want to have that tabletop experience that that only can be done maybe solo. I I think it comes closest to capturing the magic of D&D that I've seen in a game in a long time. Yeah, this game did not make my top 10, uh, but I did enjoy it a lot and played a whole lot of it. And I, I think... The thing that I'm mostly waiting for is, will there be mod support? Will this get ported elsewhere? Yes, Are there going to be big DLC yes. packs? Yeah. So there, there's, um, there was a tweet yesterday, I think from Fanbyte, that said that this game is coming to Switch next year. Oh. And I don't know if that's a rumor, if that's confirmed or either way playing that on switch i think is gonna be great yeah like a storybook yeah exactly but i would i think like to continue playing it on steam if they add the ability to include like uh player written narratives and yeah. stuff like that I, th- I think my my big takeaway from this game is like it's very much the hey look at that mountain you can climb that of of narrative <laughs> yes which is 
like why has nobody done that before? It, yeah. just, it just it feels like such an obvious thing when you're playing it, and you know, like those are the best kinds of ideas. The ones where you play, it's like, how is this the first time I'm experiencing something like this? Yeah. yeah. I think also building like every time you finish a campaign, you can have certain heroes saved in your legacy. Mm. Yeah. So every time you do a run, you have this like pantheon of like characters that could just be fodder for D and D. You know, I find yeah. that like if I want to play a new game, I can just look at my legacy and be like, "Am I going to be Helly Mud this campaign?" <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Helly Mud. Helly Mud. Yeah. Carried two campaigns. <laughs> She's like in her eighties. Has a great sword. Rules. Love Helly Mud so much. Yeah. Wow, Wildermyth, number, yeah, Wildermyth number eight. I think I've, I've heard a lot about this game. I mm. saw clips of the combat for the first time last week, and I was like, oh, why have I never seen oh, you would love this a game. combat yeah. screen this on this game? This is so your shit. seems awesome. Uh, but saying it's FTL D&D is like, oh, yeah, that like yeah, clicked that something in my you? brain. That was it, yeah. So next time I uh, I have the money or it's on sale. Yeah, I, I think if you're a D&D D&D fan, this is a no-brainer. Yeah, this is definitely. like so clearly going to be something you love and i think even if you've always if you've been interested in the idea of D, but but the concept of like i need to find a bunch of friends who are into it we yeah, need well to schedule a, yeah, times etc yeah. etc et if that all feels daunting which it, it is yeah first of all it's worth overcoming that hurdle because playing D is wonderful but if that hurdle seems too high like wildermyth is the perfect thing for you it uh, is yeah. the way to experience and, that. And, I, and i think a lot of the hurdle of D, at least what i've heard a lot is like people being intimidated by the rule book mm-hmm. and like I've said this before, but one of my favorite things about the preface of the fifth edition is the people who wrote this book being like, no campaign will use all of these rules. Right. Use the yes. rules as they benefit your campaign. Right. And Wildermyth has like done that already. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, yeah. These are the rules that matter. You're not going to be worrying about how hungry the heroes are or right. like how tired they are. But we're going to account for like time passing and change. And the game is very focused on like growth mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. And yeah, I, I loved it. Number eight. Amazing. Wildermyth. Number eight. Something in the woods is very strange. Creatures lurking suffer worse than mange No one knows what winter yet will bring Something in the woods is very strange Well, we're on my number eight. Yeah. My number eight is... Halo Infinite. Oh, hell yeah. I'm surprised wow. it's not higher, but it's still a good spot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's no bad spot. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mentioned this a bunch of times, but I, I think the the big thing about 2021 for me was just my shift into playing Xbox like fucking constantly. Yeah. Uh, I, I went into it expecting to be like just PS5 all day, every day, because uh, that's very much what the last generation was like mm-hmm. for me, at least was I, I loved the PS4. Uh, the switch definitely pulled me away from it, but like the PS4 was my go-to, and I think the the arrival of Game Pass has just allowed for so much. I mean, as, as I just mentioned, my my last game, Lake, is now available on Game Pass. Right. Um, there are so many experiences like Lake, and there are now experiences like Halo Infinite, yeah. which is like. I think the two sides of the spectrum of like you can have great experiences across like from AAA all the way down to indie mm. and they'll all be on this service. So like the true game of the year is Game Pass. But yes, yeah. um, my number eight is Halo Infinite. I think, you know, I just wanted to see this game succeed. I really was hoping for it and I had pretty low expectations. And I remember when the multiplayer flight went out and I just started watching video of it. I was like, this looks really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't get my hands on it. And then when they actually had a multiplayer beta, um, I got to play a couple rounds like only a couple rounds because it was like right before work started. Right. And 
I was like, this feels fucking awesome. Like, this mm. is really good. And then they launched the multiplayer by itself. And immediately I was like, this is this is going to be it for me. Like, I always like having one back pocket first person shooter game that I can jump into multiplayer solo queue. Never like I don't need to play with other people. I like playing with other people. Yep. But I don't need to. I like having this experience where I can like throw on a podcast and just play rounds and rounds and rounds of a thing. And Halo Infinite immediately fit that bill yeah. better than anything I've played in the past couple of years. It's just exactly what you remember Halo like, modernized in a way that I think feels fresh constantly. They've already updated it a lot since it came out, which is really interesting. Um, the the battle pass progression has gotten significantly better. I was already kind of cool with it, but they made it even better because a lot of people complained. And I think more importantly, they just released different playlists of game modes because right when it dropped, it was quick play, which was like capture the flag and, and team slayer and uh, oddball. And uh, <laughs> fucking strongholds and like all these different game modes. And like you just never knew what you were going to get. And there was big team battle, which also was like you didn't know what you were going to get. But now you're playing with teams of 15 versus 15. And then there was ranked. And like those were your options. And now they have like, oh, you can always play Fiesta mode now, which is the thing that I was praising, which is like play with any weapon. They just added that. That was supposed to be a thing that showed up once a month for one week. And they're like, that's just always now. They oh, just yeah. they just added SWAT, which was like one of the best game modes of the old Halo games. Like Halo is like two and three. Mm. where you just have a battle rifle you have no shield you have no radar it's like you and your team Whoa. just like essentially doing like counter-strike in a way yeah but in Rainbow halo Six. it's really really fun so now you have all these extra game modes halo infinite on the multiplayer end is just like spectacular and it's a thing i'm going to be playing for years and years on the flip side of that is the campaign which i had a lot of grievances with last week but at the end of the day mechanically is just so fucking fun yeah. because of the grappling hook the open world meshed with the physics like just makes for peak fucking comedy at all times. <laughs> um, I, I still have my my complaints about the way they're handling Master Chief, specifically pairing him up with a human character who's constantly worried for his life and wants to go home. Never illustrates to Master Chief <laughs> that he's lost his humanity, which seems like the whole reason you would have a character like that. Them, yeah, yeah right. it's like this is supposed to be your reflection point to understand what you've been through and what you've given up to become this icon. Mm -hmm. And that literally doesn't happen. I finished the campaign, it just doesn't happen, yeah. uh, which I think is disappointing. It, it's, a, it's a real miss, but at the same time, just kind of like Wildermyth or what we're hoping for Wildermyth, Halo Infinite is a platform for more Halo stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were saying this is not the only campaign that'll be part of Halo Infinite. Very cool. So in a couple of years, we might get another one. We might get another big multiplayer update, et cetera, wow. et cetera. Um, so this is a game that's going to be around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited at where it's at currently. It's it's already good enough to be in my top 10. I can't even imagine where it's going to be at this time next year, for example. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think not to get like uh, like console wars about it, but I do think Xbox really needed like a good exclusive. Totally. Mm -hmm. Or at least one that was like this big, because I think like everyone who has an Xbox and has Game Pass and is able to like enjoy it on that end has been very happy, like yeah. myself included. I mean, I think I consider my Series S the like all-in-one retro console because I can like play Oblivion and Morrowind and all right. this stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's easy to forget that it's like, oh, like all the first party stuff will also just be thrown in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is, I think like finally feeling that. I do think I will download the multiplayer eventually because yeah. I, I, I like to play with friends and stuff. And I've never been like a huge Halo fan, but I've always enjoyed it. And I think like, again, being in this sort of place of appreciation, having it on Game Pass is like a no brainer. Yeah. Um, That's the thing. Like there's yeah. no reason to not try it if you have Game Pass. Yeah. Exactly. You will find the fun somewhere. Like if you download the multiplayer, you and I could team up. We could just go into the bot matches and just play against AI and probably have a great night. Oh, yeah. On the flip side, you could also jump into the campaign and just 
like drive around in a warthog <laughs> off cliffs and also have a great time. Um, yeah, it's just it's just always fun. I one of my stupid thing, one of my favorite things in the entire game in, in the campaign is when you're uh, running around. Every once in a while, the Covenant will fly banshees down at you, and you can grapple to them now mm. and just you know because you what you used to have to do was like find a vantage point, launch yourself into the air, and then jump on them, and you could like take it over. But now you can just grapple to them from the ground, and they're always like the demon is stealing my ship, <laughs> and then you kick them out, and they're like I'll kill you as they fall That's down so the ground. Like it's it's so uh, dumb. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it has like just cause two energy. Right. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think what Halo needed. Yeah. A little bit of just cause. Yeah. And it need, it needed to get pushed over that line. As I, as I said in our last episode about it, I do, I do wish it like fully leaned into camp. Sure. Right. Because from a story perspective, it's very much not doing that. Even yeah. though the villain is like this big brute who always has a big smile on his face for some <laughs> oh reason. God. Uh, and he's always like, I love battle. It's like, it's like, it's never, yeah. Like it should, it should have ruled and it never does. <laughs> Because it always feels like you just got a voicemail from like an administrator at a place you haven't been to in ten years. You know, it's like your college <laughs> calling asking for a for a pay, for a check. You know, it's like, oh, you paid off your student loans, but would you like to donate even more money? Like yeah. that's what it feels like to hear from the the Why big is my bad college Halo. emailing me. I love battle. Over <laughs> over again. Uh, it's so weird, but all of that having been said, I mean, Halo Infinite is uh, it's on my top ten. It's really good. I'm glad I made the list. Me yeah. too. gamers. I'm Bolt. I'm one of the folks who works on Frog of the Week. And while I know this is a Game of the Year episode, I'm actually going to be talking about 2017's Destiny 2. And I bring this up in 2021 because recently Bungie, the developer, celebrated their 30th anniversary. And the event they released alongside it is, it's really just something else. So at the beginning of the event, you are kidnapped by a being named Zer. And Zer is a recurring NPC who mostly shows up to sell you gear, but he also serves these eldritch space deities with knowledge beyond our comprehension known as the Nine. So he kidnaps you and he's very apologetic about it. He feels terrible. Uh, but it turns out he needs your help to entertain a being known only as Starhorse. That's Starhorse one word. And Starhorse is exactly what it sounds like. It's a horse made out of stars. So Xur thrusts you into a game show set in the eldritch realm of the nine his masters all to appease the whims of the unknowable enigmatic star horse um they do like color commentary they reference deal or no deal it is so goofy and if that sounds like a load of nonsense to you from a space shooter game i totally get it it is nonsense and i think that's actually what makes it stand out so much compared to everything else that comes out of destiny it's fun it's fresh it's so funny and it feels like a love letter not just to the fans but to the game and universe itself it's the developers poking fun at themselves it's the developers poking fun at things that the fans have been doing over the years the night it launched i hopped on to play all the new content with my buddies and it was maybe the most fun I've had playing a game all year. Every single week I hop on with my Destiny friends and it's just such a good way to keep in touch, to talk with your friends while doing something else. And this new event is going to keep us chatting and laughing for a long while, I think. And hey, if you've never played Destiny before or if you fell off the wagon and want to hop back on, this event is a great place to start. Um, actually, I think I'm going to go play some right now. So AJ, if you can cover my exit with some spectral whinnying and some universe ending horse stomping while I go do that, that would be great. Bye. 
Is it my turn? Your turn. Oh my god, number seven? Number seven. Wow, here we are. Okay, uh, number seven on my 2021 Game of the Year. I might have said 2020 before by accident. Either way, it's 2021, just in case you forgot. Uh, number seven on my list is Monster Hunter Rise. Um, wow. I think probably the f- one of the earliest big hits of the year. I've seen multiple people and received multiple texts being like, I forgot this game came out this year. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it was an early March hit. Yeah, um, I would say January through April was one year. <laughs> And then May through now was the yeah. second year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty twenty one part one and part two. Yes, I totally agree. Just like Fantasian. <laughs> exactly right. So in Fantasian part one, I think uh, Monster Hunter Rise was an early hit. Yeah. Uh, I think Monster Hunter Rise is further proof that Capcom has like made a deal with a Daedric Prince to just dude continue they had to crush a huge it. Year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last no, not last year. I think 2017 and 2018 were Resident Evil Biohazard and Monster Hunter World. Yeah. Both huge games. I think Biohazard resurrected Resident Evil. And Monster Hunter World, I think, kind of opened the doors to a niche game in some ways. I mean, always a big following, but always sort of like outside the mainstream. Yeah. And World, that was my first Monster Hunter game, and I kind of fell in love with it. It just felt like clearly the entry point for the series. Mm -hmm. So with Rise, I feel like I wasn't quite sure what to make of it before it came out because, you know, Worlds was this like huge spectacle. I mean, as the name would suggest, the focus of that game was the setting. Like every, like, you know, the first area was like a very sort of Jurassic Park place, which is cool. It was a cool jungle. But then you had stuff like the Coral Highlands, which was like this valley that was all like underwater landscape mm-hmm. uh there was an area that was just bones there was like a <laughs> desert where you'd be hunting this giant monster that you thought was giant and then the really giant monster would leap out of the sand and eat that one like it was nothing yeah so Fuck. i think that like having had that experience and hearing the next mainline entry was going to be on switch mm. i was a little bit like I was like, what is it going to be? Like, what is it going to really focus on? Mm. And I think Rise definitely didn't do what World was doing. I think that they scaled back the environments in that way. There isn't that sort of like, holy shit spectacle. But what they focused on instead is just making the battles as interesting as possible and giving you more mechanics to work with. The wire bugs like kind of instantly change the game. And I think they make a lot of the weapons that are kind of harder to pick up right away way easier because you have like a higher degree of mobility no matter what you're using i think the monster designs are way cooler i think the setting even though the levels are a little bit more generic they're still really fun to explore and i think that the hub is way more charming because you're kind of protecting this village that has life going on inside of it that is independent of eating steak whereas in world (laughs) even though i love the cat chef Everything in world is like, let's kill them. You know, it's a little, like, <laughs> yeah. There's always this sort of like icky feeling in world that's really not as much in Rise. But Rise just like it really gripped me in a way that worlds like did and didn't. I think that world I, I weirdly didn't have a group of people to play it with. So I eventually kind of had to move on because I think the solo experience wasn't as engaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with Rise, I think that there's a lot like you have the village quests, which, which are meant to be done in a single player mode. And then you have the hub quests, which are meant to be multiplayer. Having both, I think, makes the game more appealing, whether or not you have people to play it with. And I think that there's a version of this game, too, where like 
I think we called it uh, paradoxically cozy mm-hmm. when we first talked about it. Because, like, there have been multiple nights where I just will go on an expedition and just, like, do sort of checklisty stuff, like pick mushrooms or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, like, I find also the addition of the Palamutes to be, like, your way of getting around. There's so many sort of mechanical additions to this game that, like, I would actually struggle to go back to world without. Yes. You know, between the wire mm. bugs and the Palamutes. And I think that, like, it seems like they're kind of setting up a fork in the road of monster hunter where i I imagine there will be like a world two and a rise two yes exactly yeah and i think that i've learned that like while i love spectacle monster hunter i think strives as a i didn't mean to do that (laughs) uh it it really works as a intimate mechanic first experience Mm. and i think that like i've understood the combat in a way that i was sort of not paying attention to in worlds because i was so just awestruck by yeah the sort of you know pterodactyl that is eight what i was supposed to kill <laughs> right. yeah yeah mm. I, I feel like a lot of world is like covering up the blemishes of how difficult it is to get into by just making it so pretty and so huge yeah but there is a really great game underneath that in oh, world yeah. and and i i had a great time because i i play as i've mentioned in our episodes about uh, all the monster hunter stuff but i i've played a lot of these games um and world was the first one i actually had like a full crew to play it with yeah um and had that online experience that was like really fun for a couple months and then everybody kind of bailed never went back to iceborne was that the yeah that was like the big deal that was the big dlc never went back and played that you and i kind of maybe thought about doing it once and like couldn't quite do it but then rise came out and i immediately was like oh th- this this to me is the future of monster hunter yeah world got close to what i think it could be but rise is much closer to it because the thing about rise is i feel like it's it, it harkens back a little bit to what was so successful about the earlier monster hunter games in that when you start those games you immediately are just thrust into this village that is like just so charming everyone is so nice and you just want to hang out there. Yeah. And every once in a while, you get to go like run around a beautiful, almost like Iceland looking landscape. <laughs> um, and as you're saying, just like pick herbs and stuff and like uh, craft them into potions. I love that side of Monster Hunter just as much as I love the hunting. And, and I think Rise nails the balance almost by acknowledging it, I think, and making it the forefront of the thing by having you kind of make your way around the village and learn who everybody is and what their role is. And the conversations about how people in the village are, you know, iffy about what their role is. It's like, well, the hunter's out doing cool shit and literally protecting the village. It's like, well, somebody needs to cook. Somebody needs to do X thing. Somebody needs to do Y thing. Everybody has value here in this place. I thought it was really charming. Yeah. And that's not even to say how wonderful the combat is, which as you're saying, like the wire bug and the palamutes just add so much variability to it. I, I think it's the best Monster Hunter has ever felt. I think it's the easiest ever been to get into it, yes. even though I, I'll acknowledge it's still very difficult. Yeah. And on top of all of that, I think my my thing with the, the level design is I appreciate the homogeny in a way. I appreciate that there's a sense of place in that area versus world, which felt very disparate. Every level was like, here's the ice level. Here's the fire level. You know, like as much as those levels were beautiful and I enjoyed being around them and I enjoyed being in them and learning the ins and outs, et cetera, et cetera. What monsters show up at what kind of or what time of day, whatever. Rise felt like a place I wanted to know like the back of my hand because it was my job narratively. Yeah. And I think having that narrative twinge to it really made me embed myself in that world more than world was ever able to do. It had a more gratifying loop, I think, too. Yeah. Even just the layout of the village was easier to parse than yeah. like all the cable cars in world and stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, like we love world. We have a bonus about world, but I think rise is just even better. Yeah. Um, I think so too. And I will play world too. If that is a thing. Yeah. Like totally. if they make one, I will play it, but I'm more excited for what 
the Rise team is doing. I also got to say, I think that the music in Rise really stood out to me. Yeah. Like I was, I've, I've been listening to a lot of game soundtracks and like, I knew it was good when playing it, but listening to it independent of the game, I was like, this is fucked up. This is really good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Rise, I think just easily one of my favorite games of the year. Number seven. Number seven. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. My number seven. Your number seven. Also available for the Xbox, <gasps> Forza Horizon 5. Oh, hey, yeah. There is, it is. Is my number seven. Um, Za. Za. I Baby. love Forza Horizon 5. I think more than any of the Forza games I played before. And I think mainly it's the fact that, and I, just to be clear, it, it's very close to four. It's, it's a lot like four in a lot of ways mechanically. Yeah. Um, I think. The setting that they've chosen in that it's kind of like a truncated version of Mexico is is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a great environment. I think the weather systems and stuff at play are really great. I think all that stuff works. At the end of the day, the thing that works for me about Forza Horizon 5 is that it just kind of gets out of my way and just lets me play literally however I want, yep, which I yeah. know is like, I know that's kind of a silly thing to say about like an open world sandbox driving game. But at the end of the day, it does feel like playing with toy cars when I was a kid. Again, there's a really, really great and pretty lengthy video essay by Noah Caldwell Gervais about this game that I highly recommend watching. But watching that really crystallized my love for this game in a way, because I was playing it in a lot of my free time already. And even like if I had other things to do, like if I was QA listening to episodes of this show or like work stuff or whatever, I would like throw it on in the background and then just drive around Mexico, like not even do Mm -hmm. races, just kind of drive around endlessly. And it occurred to me at a certain point that one of the things I miss most now having moved to Brooklyn is driving. Yeah. I used to drive a lot in New Jersey. I have a car. I still have a car. Um, But the moments spent in a car driving around from place to place in New Jersey, I think were like some of my most cherished moments because they were very much mine you know it was like throw on music and sing as loud as you can throw on your favorite podcast even if it's only for and 20 sing minutes as loud as you can and sing as loud <laughs> as you can i i love that experience and i feel like forza horizon somehow captures that which is kind of miraculous in a way yeah but the i've spent hours and hours and hours just driving around i haven't really done much of the story because as we've talked about i think it's like horrifying almost yeah almost problematic <laughs> yeah in a way um it's a horror game. It's yeah. a horror game. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's about the horrors of capitalism. Yeah. yeah. And it, and its possible effect on us if we don't change soon. Um, <laughs> but that said, uh, what's beneath that is just this really wonderful environment that you can drive around in in a Model T Ford that goes 800 miles an hour. <laughs> so and that's the thing. You can do whatever you want. It kind of in a way like Fortnite, for example, is a game where you can play as literally anybody. Right. <laughs> Uh, they just keep adding characters to that. It just feels like a toy box that you can reach into and grab whoever mm-hmm. the fuck you want and play. Like you could play as the IKEA logo in Fortnite or something. <laughs> like it's, it's just nonsense. Forza feels like that, but for cars, it's like just yeah. and even they're all like real cars. And I don't really have any affinity for yeah. any brand of car. I don't really like. <laughs> I don't have a dream car. I don't like. There's none of that in my life. But every once in a while, I'll be like, this looks like a really fast thing and i want to take it off-roading and yeah, see how that yeah. goes uh-huh. and guess what 
goes terribly. (laughs) But now I know that and it's fun and it's fun to experience that over and over again. It's just like keep picking the wildest car you can think of and put Mm -hmm. it in the wrong place. (laughs) You're going to have a good time and you can do that hundreds of times because there are hundreds of cars. Then you can unlock the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Back to the Future Two is one of my favorite movies ever. So there you go. I agree. I think I think Forza Horizon Five is definitely. I've only played four other than five. Yeah, but I think of the two, even though they're very similar, five is just better. It just feels better. Yeah, I think that there's more to do. I I really like the dirt races. But I think you're right. They're that, really like, fun. Yeah, like a game like Spider Man or even Gravity Rush, the central traversal mechanic. Well, it's a driving game. It's kind of obvious, but it's worth remembering. Like. They've just made that so fun that Mm -hmm. everything is built around that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it almost doesn't even matter what you're doing because you're going to enjoy it because they've made the central action so enjoyable. And from from, I guess, a story, quote unquote, perspective. But the way the game unfolds is there are different hubs for different kinds of races. So like as you were saying, you like the dirt racing stuff. There's a whole storyline that you can go down just for dirt racing stuff. And and every time you beat one of those races, you unlock like 10 more around the map. Yeah. There's one main story one, but everyone unlocks more. So you're just constantly getting rewarded with the thing you already like doing by seeking out the thing you like doing. That loop is great. I did the exact same thing with street races. I got really into the street racing stuff Mm. because I wanted to see how good I could get at like really tight turns really quickly. Mm. Um, The answer is I'm very bad at it, (laughs) (laughs) but I still had a really good time uh, exploring also all the street racing stuff because like it's quote unquote illegal. You know, it's like they're trying to do Fast and the Furious, but in Forza, (laughs) Um, it's all at night. And you just get to see how fucking beautiful these landscapes are at mm-hmm. night. You know? yeah. And when you're driving through cities and tight turns under tunnels in like kind of old historic areas uh, lit up only by street lights and like the light pouring out of windows. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's picturesque at all times. Yeah. Um, I spent as much time in the photo mode taking pictures of things that weren't cars as I did of anything <laughs> else this year, um, which is kind of a shocking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So really, uh, there was, I, I, I had similar experience to you, Brendan, of just like, oh, I have to listen to a podcast or I have to like yeah. listen to an audiobook for another, for a podcast that I am recording. Uh, so I'll just hop into, uh, Forza. I'll grab like a regular looking Ford Bronco and I will drive, <laughs> I will drive 60 on all these roads because that is the law. And I spent two hours just driving around. I, I turned the HUD off because yeah. I didn't want to know yes. where I was going. You know, I was just driving on the road. I was like, okay, cool. A highway. I'll drive on a highway for 20 minutes and then I'll get off and I'll just see where I am. Yeah. Uh, incredible experience and then also one of the story missions is like hey here's an active volcano that is erupting currently yes <laughs> like, great mission also just as just as fun yeah uh, incredible time and uh, there was one time I was like maybe I'll turn on the simulation mode for like the wear on tires just oh. for fun just to see what happens yeah and then immediately after that I, I registered for the race that is the entire perimeter of the map yeah so it's like okay cool it's going good and I was doing good I was doing good and then the the simulation mode for the tire wear uh, about halfway through was like hey you've been driving 90 on these tires so it's hard to turn so any like slight drift would immediately send me into a spiral oh man uh, just such a fun game it's, yeah. it's a really good game that you can play a thousand ways and I know you said that's it's like silly to talk about kind of an open world sandbox driving game like this but like you really can just do and drive and play however you want yeah like there are so many other games that should give you those options yeah. that do not yeah uh, and the fact that it is this this driving game that yeah. finally lets me just fucking play a game like drive a car into a farm and then also through a volcano is like you get rewarded for you get rewarded for it you get credits i think think what you're both getting at is like this is just good open world design independent of the racing genre right yeah i think that's what it is and i think that's part of why it's so like i do not like 
cars really yeah like fuck cars we should all walk no uh <laughs> sorry um but like yeah i think it's exactly what you said steven it's just a good open world game well and, i have a game the for traversal you is uh, fun. death stranding might uh tickle your fancy i was yeah. i was gonna say lake actually it sounds, yeah. it sounds like you'll really like lake <laughs> yeah because you're pretty much just driving the speed limit the whole time it's a good time yeah it's getting cut off by other people in the town you just sit there and <laughs> glare at them <laughs> is there a horn button there's not uh, yeah my, I, I didn't mention this my two big gripes with lake one no horn button yeah. is actually one of my big gripes the second one is there's a radio in your uh mail truck mm. and it plays music that is not of the era it is not from the 80s for some reason it's from the like <laughs> late 90s early 2000s oh weird it's like early 2000s almost like um i would say like cw kind of background music got it it's like folk adjacent huh. but it's not <laughs> 80s music and that i think that's very confusing mm. yeah Interesting. Unless they're hinting at like some kind of time travel. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. yeah. We found the secret plot to like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the um, Applebee's soundtrack is how I travel through time. That's yeah, that actually it, that it, it does sound like Applebee's. <laughs> You're kind of right. Um, anyway, Oops. Forza Horizon 5, really, really fucking good. I do yeah. like at the end of every style of, of racing. So if you get to the end of the dirt stuff or the street stuff or I don't I don't know which one you do. I, th- I think it's the main one, right? It's like the main the the blue one i think it is uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah i don't know I've, anyway when I you get to the end, into all of them when you get to the end of the different styles of races the last race that you unlock is like a marathon race oh yeah, yeah, yeah. of that style so like the last dirt one is just like just like a hundred mile dirt race mm-hmm. and the street race one is like you drive through literally every single city on yeah. the map in a row uh, as fast as you can. And they can. all have names like there's one that's the Colossus, one's yeah. the Goliath. Yes. One, they're really great names. Yeah, it's really cool. I it, It's a good game. Mm-hmm. It's a good game. It's a fun time. And it's on Game Pass. Yes. Game Pass. It Wild. is on Game Pass. When that game goes off of Game Pass, I'm going to be very upset. I don't it think is, it will. It's a first party Microsoft you think it's going to stay on Game Pass forever. forever? Yeah. Amazing. Because it's one of those games that like I'll sit down and I'll be like eating dinner or like watching a show or something with with Tara and then she'll like have to go off and like do a, a revision edit that'll take her like maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. So she has to like get up and go to the office to do something. I'm like, I'll just boot up Forza. I'll just That's drive around for Forza 10 minutes. Time, baby. It's great. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah, it is the reason that I'm getting uh, a hard drive for my Xbox. I'm going to say, my year. only graph yes. is like, hey, uh, this will take up an Xbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, so. it's 110 gigs. Oh, my God. You got to re-download Banjo-Tooie if you want to <laughs> yeah. play some za. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my number seven. There you go. Number seven. The a go toy. The, the yes, bell. ding the ding ding. Yes, um, the the go toy bell, the bell rings. <laughs> uh, speaking of traversal and Death Stranding, it's Death Stranding. It's my next, yeah. my next go toy game. You're wearing a Death Stranding uh, shirt right I now. I'm wearing a Death Stranding shirt. There was a uh, a limited run. Uh, Japan only collaboration between Kojima Studios and uh, Ship Ship House. I mm. think is the is the fashion house. Uh-huh. Um, it's a incredibly designed clothes, but I have a friend who lives in Japan, so I had him basically drop ship me these shirts. That's awesome! Um, awesome. Incredible. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, it's a really nice shirt. Death Stranding is a really good game. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Hideo Kojima fan. I've played all the Metal Gear Solid games, Mm -hmm. uh, except for Acid and the, I think Acid is the card game, uh, and the remakes on the GameCube. But I've played all the Metal Gear Solid games, and I started playing Zone of Enders, which is on on Game Pass. Uh, It's like Kojima's Neon Genesis. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Wild. Immediately starts you off as a child who accidentally takes control of an EVA, basically. Oh, really? The opening is crazy, but... 
anyway, Death Stranding is a very good video game that just lets you walk around. And I <laughs> played 104 hours of it, I yeah. think. And I spent 60 of those hours not doing the like not doing a story mission. Yeah. Like I, I, I got to a certain point where I unlocked basically every region. And then mm. I went, OK, I'm just going to do all the just deliveries. deliveries. And I just yeah. did the deliveries for literally 60 hours over the next eight months. Yeah. Uh, which then oh, brought man. me to March or whatever, whenever you guys finished it. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, well, I guess I should finish this video game before I have to edit a podcast about it, <laughs> uh, which then just I mainlined the story for a week. And it, I mean, it's it's a Hideo Kojima story. Yeah. So like, I love it. it really goes some places. I really, really love it, yeah, too. I loved the story of that game. Yeah. I, I was I was really impressed. I think uh, I like the overall story. I think that the scenes are hit or miss, mm. obviously. Yeah, but like overall like the the actual like a plot and the stuff that they're examining is really effective yeah the, the really good performances obviously too. yeah the the plot is really good and the writing is is you know kojima writing which yeah. but again it's like, like I, I i like when a game just goes for it you yeah know, it kind of goes back to guilty gear where it's like you're just doing something mm-hmm. without feedback <laughs> <laughs> overall i i think feedback is important <laughs> but every now and then there's just like a, an idea so wild it's like don't even temper this just let this <laughs> Let this fly. Right. Part of me wishes the the princess beach scene was way earlier on. Oh god! Um, yeah, because like I was already bought in. I was like, I knew where this kind of storyline is going to go, and like I know kind of like it's just going to get really weird, and we're going to be introduced to a whole lot of proper nouns. Um, yeah. But I feel like for a lot of people, the princess beach scene where it was was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing with the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be just this like out of left field and whatever. So part of me wishes that scene was a little earlier. I just think but. I remember that was twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah. And- Death Stranding was like the end of the year, yeah. quote unquote, first party game for Sony. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm so happy that this is that game mm-hmm. and not like, you know, generic space shooter number five right. or whatever. Right. Like Killzone reboot or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. It's like th- this, this is such a not safe bet. Yeah. You're really just riding on, on Kojima's track record, which is Absolutely. a safe bet. But like it, I was just happy to see that like, okay, there is a place in a triple A landscape for an idea of this wild mm-hmm. yeah and I, yeah. I hope we see more of that because yeah. i think it would just be cool yeah and i know? think it's it's a really great like first showing from kojima productions yeah, yeah like totally. of kojima being like having his own studio and doing his own thing like i think it's a really great first showing and, and the reception that it got from gamers worldwide like every a lot of people liked metal gear solid but i think by the time we got to metal gear solid three four and five it was like oh well i haven't played the first two and they seem pretty wild and like dense so there's no way i'm gonna pick these games up right uh which i think is a mistake i think you could really pick up any of them and have a great time Mm. um you're gonna miss out on like some of the story stuff but honestly i played three first i watched no sorry i watched my friend play four first we had played none of them yeah but it came out on the ps3 we're like oh it's a really nice looking game let's let's play yeah Yeah. uh and then i played three three is a really good game play takes place first chronologically so if you want to play you should play the only one i have played is snake eater i played the first like five hours of it in college yeah Yeah. i don't know why i Stop. I just I got lost and then I, enough time passed where I didn't know what I was even Last trying to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I really liked Snake Eater. Snake Eater. I, I think that there is a very high chance that one day we'll do like a Metal Gear thing. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Let um, me know. <laughs> so I know who to call. Yeah. yeah. Please. Uh, me and me and uh, Tam. I also uh, have I have the um, for sale on the e store on Xbox. Yeah. They have um, I think it's two and three. Two and three. I have it. I, I have that. Well. I have it. Yeah. So good video games. Yeah. Anyway, Death Stranding. My next. My other go toy. Thank uh, you for that. Yeah. Knowing us, we're gonna do like Police Knots or Snatcher. <laughs> Instead of Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that the song game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
whose turn is it? And what number are we it's on? It's your turn. Where am I? And you number six. six. Number six. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> uh, number six is arguably maybe one of the biggest games of this year. Uh, further proof of Capcom's Daedric reasoning. I thought we were going to be synced up on six. Oh, uh, <laughs> number six is Resident Evil Village. There you go. I adore this game. This game was, I'm surprised it didn't crack the top five, to be honest. Um, there were just games that I liked more. But again, I'll, I'll say this up front. It didn't make my top ten. Oh, wow. Really? Which, I, which I'm surprised by because I fucking loved it. Yeah. Wow. Again, it's it's a limited number. Yeah. You know, it's Damn. hard to fit everything we like on here. But um, it was number 11 for me. There you go. Resident Evil Village, I, I, I thought was just incredible. It was also similar to Monster Hunter. They were kind of in a tough position. It's like, how do you follow Biohazard? Yeah. Which is the game that like resurrected interest in Resident Evil, but was also a hard act to follow. <laughs> and Village, I think, is just like a best of Resident Evil. I, I think it's like definitely one of my favorite in the series. Mm. I think it's definitely the best feeling to play for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and I think like kind of using four as like a source of inspiration, but not just like echoing it was yeah. a smart decision. I think the reason it's like just shy of top five is I think that it's an uneven experience. I think that like the first hour just feels off and the last hour mm. is kind of bizarre, but man, is that <laughs> middle chunk so good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lady D's castle is peak resident evil. It is the perfect balance of camp of exploration, puzzles, horror, and action. Wow. Yeah. It's got everything going for it. I love Lady D and her daughters. Even when they catch me, I'm like, not that scary. Like, this is kind of fun. <laughs> uh, like It's scary when they arrive, but it's scary in a, like, I'm at a Halloween theme park way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you get to Donna B's place, <laughs> Donna Benevienzo, the dollhouse. And that is like an hour of just pure horror. Mm. It's like just a shot of terror i i screamed in unison with two of my closest friends on the couch <laughs> during that whole thing and i loved it yeah, yeah. So, so that section and, and lady d's castle are like if that was the whole game it would be like my favorite resident evil and i think yes. that that section is one of the scariest things i've i've played in a game which is saying a lot yeah i played a decent amount of horror games um the other sections are like good i, I just think it, it's definitely i think if if uh, you were to be kind of harsh on the third and fourth areas. That's where the game feels like kind of an echo for in a way that I don't know if it works quite as well. They're still really mm, fun. Yeah. And the, the Lords of each area are really fun characters and the way the game ends without spoiling. I did like care about what was happening in some way. Right. And I am very interested in what's next, like more than anything. So I think it was a really great follow-up. I think that they've proven they can do more with the series by looking backwards and also by hinting at what's to come. It is just a undeniably great horror experience, and I would highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Resident Evil Village. I still have to buy it for me from you for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Steven, Steven bought or was going to buy it for me digitally and then, then realized you can't gift digitally. Yeah, so he just sent me $60 on Venmo and said, buy Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> great. So that's that's uh that's my number six. Yeah. Um I'll as a person who has played this game twice now, I I really wanted it to take the place of four for me. I really wanted it to like, you know, four, I I think we're all waiting for the inevitable remake of that. Yeah. As much as confirmed at at this point, but eight really felt like it was going to just be that in, in lieu of that. Like if they were never going to remake four, like you could just go play eight. And I just don't think it hits the same highs for me Hmm. towards the end. I I think the the third and fourth area specifically is where it really falls off. I actually stopped doing my, my second playthrough of it when I was like just about done with the third area. Cause I was so like, 
I don't really want to go through this fourth area again. Like yeah. it just, it just feels like too much in a way, even, even powered up with all my new game plus shit. I was like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. But that said, the first run of this game is one that I played in two sittings. Uh, I, yeah. I finished it at like, it, it, it was, it was a classic thing that you and I do to each other where it's like, <laughs> we just shock each other with how much of a game we've played. Yeah. I had played the whole game in about two days and I was up until like three in the morning the night before recording so I could finish it for our episode. And that is obviously the marker of a good game for me. I mean, it's at number 11 in a list of 56 games. Uh, I, I really think highly of it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it just like didn't didn't stick the landing for me. Yeah, um, I get that. But I am super fucking excited for nine. Yeah, me too. And I think um, another, another in terms of talking about the areas and which ones like landed and which ones didn't. I think another one that that is kind of under the radar, but like as I was thinking about the game, I was so impressed by is the village itself. Mm. Yeah. Like as you go to all these areas, sort of like in a Mega Man style, like here's where you know Lady D is and Chill yeah. Penguin. Um, <laughs> uh, when you go back, that village kind of slowly unravels, and like yeah. you know, it it it's weirdly calming. I remember uh, at one point because um, there's not like a lot of enemies there, so you're just sort of like opening doors and finding secrets. Yeah, and I was with my two close friends after we play the second area and as we were exploring the village i was like this is just like zelda and they're, and they're like yeah this is just like zelda and they're like goat heads on like you know yeah. electric wires and like a door that says like keep it shut <laughs> um but I, I think that the the game design in those areas is like such a flex from capcom that like yeah. they've essentially with this game said we can make five good to amazing horror games yeah. So I'm just hoping that whatever the next one is, lean like it doesn't have to necessarily mirror the structure of Lady D and Donna B's areas. Right. But I hope that they like uh, maybe have less of a sampler platter and more of like we're doing this. Yes. Because mm. um, I'm really excited to see what they can do with what they've already proven they can do. Yeah, Very I do. Nice. I do think you're right. So my one of my gripes with that game early on in my new game plus run was the opening hour or two before yeah. you get to Lady D's place, because going through that village again you know in the beginning of the story where like ethan's freaking out and he doesn't know what's going on is like not exciting the second time really yeah, at all it's not but it really does pay off i think after the second area after donnaby's area when you go back and you're just like kind of able to explore and you have all the tools you need to explore every nook and cranny of the village yeah at that point in the game you know it so well that you immediately remember all the locked doors that you had walked by like you could just clock them immediately um and if not the game is a very generous map that just has all the stuff the there for you. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, they just kind of sanded off all the edges of Resident Evil um, and, and made what I think is a really good blueprint for whatever the next one is. My fear is that they will go too deep into the Lady D kind of thing in terms of like the way she broke out as like a character mm. and, and they're just going to like design every character to just be memes. And like <laughs> the reason lady D worked is because they didn't design her to be a meme. Right. You know, right. That, that's my main concern. She doesn't have a lot of screen time, but it's very impactful screen time. That said, yeah. we are getting DLC. They announced that there's going to be DLC for eight. And I have to imagine it's going to be all focused on, on lady Dimitrescu, especially considering, uh, didn't her voice actor win best, best, voice, yeah, best, best acting in, yeah. in the game award? It's like I, th I think that's a, a sure thing. Mm. Yeah, probably. Especially because I think that like in the marketing, everyone thought she was like the main character. Because yeah, yeah. in Biohazard, it's all focused on the Baker family. Right. So in this, we just get sort of the four lords. It's kind of smart from a marketing perspective because it it withheld the other three areas of the yeah, game. Exactly. Which I think is great. I think I think it's really wonderful that they kept those as a surprise. So you really had no idea there was gonna be yeah, a fucking you haunted gotta dollhouse. Keep the dollhouse is secret. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, 
I think I think that was really smart marketing decision. But at the end of the day, it made people think that she was the main antagonist, which like is a little bit disappointing when she's not. Yeah, exactly. Mm. A little bit of a bait and switch. Yeah, but uh, eh, good video game. I didn't want Moreau. <laughs> Moreau is kind of fun. Moreau. Uh, yeah, that's number very six. Very sad, but very fun. Very sad. Yeah. Yes. My number six game of the year 2021 is Metroid Dread. Oh, my yeah. God. <gasps> Metroid uh, Dread number six. Okay. Metroid Dread. I am so surprised by. They announced this game this year. Mm-hmm. Very shocking that mm-hmm. it was coming in the first place. Uh, I really enjoyed. I think it was Patrick Klepek over at Waypoint who was like, "I covered this game 15 years ago when they were designing it for the Nintendo DS, and then we didn't hear about it until now." Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that it came back. I love that all the interviews with the minds behind it were like, "We have been working on it that whole time." Yeah. <laughs> like we we kept trying to figure out when the technology was going to be good enough to make this game and and mm-hmm. have it do the things that we wanted it to do, and all that stuff really fucking paid off um i I think working with mercury steam the team uh, that made samus returns on the 3ds which is the remake of two was a really smart move um that's a game that i I still think is pretty underrated even though i I agree with a lot of people's gripes that it like hurts to play sometimes because the button inputs for like parrying and stuff are a little bit too much to do on a handheld um that said it feels really good on the switch obviously it feels really good on the switch with the pro controller this game just feels tighter than any metroid game ever has i would go as far as saying it's maybe the best one i i think at the end of the day from a level design perspective the fact that i i love we talked about this a little bit on our episode about it but i love that when this game came out everyone was like pretty vocal about how upset they were that it was so linear. Yeah. And then we found out so quickly that it's not linear at all. And like most people actually just didn't find all the ways that you can break the sequence. Yeah. Um, which are now being uncovered and now speedruns are starting to kind of take a, a super Metroid flair in a way. But at the end of the day, this is the game I think that does the best job of showing who Samus is. Um, we've talked a lot about, about the quality of animation in this game. The fact that wordlessly for most of it, I mean, she speaks like a couple lines at one point, Yeah. but wordlessly you can tell that she's just so fucking sick of this story yeah. and yeah. wants it to be over and not wants to not be the center of attention anymore. Yeah. I, I think it's a really, really spectacular game. I, I have a hard time finding a lot of fault with it. I think it's, I think it's about as good as, as Metroid can get. And I, I have to assume that they'll try and make a, follow-up to this that will be like more of the same and probably kind of okay what mm-hmm. i'm more excited about is what's coming next specifically metroid prime 4 because i i do feel like dread is a little bit of a swan song yeah for this. they said that it was the end of samus's story that started with the first metroid and it really feels that way when you finish it up and i'm kind of not too interested in what comes next i like mm. this as a closing the book i would rather this kind of be it in a weird way which i know is a weird thing to say about a franchise that i fucking love that like i'm actually good if it stops but in terms of this style of game this 2d exploration like i can't see it feeling much better than it does here yeah i agree i mean i think like we also talked about how this metroidvania metroid inspired genre is like so overpopulated now and i feel like this game coming out proving that this game is still the best at it. Mm. Yeah, such a very powerful. Such a flex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, because it, it's a tall order. I mean, there's like you know, there's so many games that have like Ori and Hollow Knight that yeah. have like experimented with the formula and elevated it in some ways. Um, but Dread is just like still unmatched in many ways. Like, it, it really does feel 
so almost perfect. Mm-hmm. Really, the only issue I have is that the Emmys get kind of tedious. Mm-hmm. Like, that's basically it. Yeah. I will talk more about this game later. Cool. I'm going to stop myself now. Great. But, uh, uh, spoiler. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Metroid Dread. Uh, Metroid Dread. I did play Metroid Dread this year. Oh, oh nice. Uh, a huge Metroid fan. I love yeah. Metroid. A bigger Metroid fan than I realized. Because uh, <laughs> I played most of the handheld ones. Yeah. Uh, I've never started the first Prime game. Mm. Um, but never played it. Um, I'm hoping like, they come to Switch soon. Yeah, especially uh, with four in development, it feels like why not? Yeah, let's see if <laughs> whenever they announce four. The rumors like were a, at one point Metroid Trilogy, which they released for the Wii, was going to come out on Switch. Sure, and then those kind of faded out. And the new rumor is that they're remaking the first one interesting. only. Interesting, <laughs> which seems more Nintendo. Seems more Nintendo, Nintendo right? Yeah, I believe yeah. that because it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were remaking three, but you can only use yeah. the Switch motion control. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I Fusion was the first one I played. It's a really, really incredible game. Yeah, I love it a I whole lot. Yeah. Uh, I've played. I don't replay games a lot, mm. uh, and I think I've played Fusion. F- four or five times which yeah. may not sound like a lot but it's a lot for me yeah um, that's, that's, I mean, that's a lot and i yeah. think i think all the metro games seem to be a pretty digestible length like, yeah i feel like the first playthrough will always be the longest but yeah. then like there's even in-game challenges to beat it faster yeah you know and yeah yeah um, and then the, the nightmare stuff never gets less scary in yeah. fusion yeah, like the more up. times you do it it's still yeah. just as frightening um but playing dread it just felt like i was playing fusion again Totally. Um, which was exactly all I needed the game to be. Yeah. Like I wasn't looking for it to like mix up the formula or like do something brave or whatever. And like it does different things, especially the order that you get the power ups in mm-hmm. blew my mind. Every time I got a power up that wasn't the fucking power beam, I was like, whoa, yeah. I got the bombs <laughs> first. What's going on? Yeah. Um, but it just it was exactly what I wanted it to be from a Metroid game in mm. 2021, like the, the, the next Metroid game in 15 years. Like it just needed to be another one. Yeah. And it was. And I loved it. And that's not a, like that could sound like a slight i think of of saying like oh it's just another metroid game but like that's all i needed like i don't yeah what i'm i'm sorry what i'm gathering from you is something we talk about a lot where it's like in a long running series there are often games that can either be like here's the best of up until now and here's the next chapter right and this is very much a like here is decades of perfection right crystallized right because if they did a next chapter it it would be like i mean it's 15 years later so like no matter what they do it's gonna feel like a next chapter you know what i mean yeah Yeah, yeah. so if like you can have that amount of break and then just give me another good fusion game yeah 100 i'm all in yeah Uh, i still haven't finished it but it's so fucking good yeah it's really good i think i think mercury steam really proved that they understand metroid yeah oh yeah and and a lot of the interviews that i've seen with the nintendo side of things are like it was really nice to bring on this team that almost understood it better than we did because Mm -hmm. we were like banging our head against this for so long and then you play samus returns it's like oh my god of course they should make the next one yeah they like love this franchise right it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I think you'll I think you'll like the end. The end is very difficult yeah. in a fun way. I do like Nintendo's more recent habit of like kind of handing off their IP to smaller teams. Yeah. I mean, like Cadence of Hyrule is a clear example. Even like the Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond are like a new studio working on Pokemon. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. really cool. Yeah. 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 Metroid Dread. Metroid, Metroid Dread. So that's number six for both of us. Yeah. I think we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll do five to one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sounds cool. like a great time. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Thanks for having me over. I'm excited to eat a sandwich. <laughs> I'm so excited to eat lunch. My game of the year is lunchtime. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. See Goodbye. you soon. Hey, what's going on? This is Eric. Uh, I was a guest on the bonus episode discussing the Tales of Arise podcast, and I'm here to talk about my 2021 game of the year. So I have a few games that were uh, in the contenders list this year. Umarangi Generation 
uh, Valhalla cyberpunk bartending action. Then there's Final Fantasy XIV Endwalkers. Uh, we got Tales of Arise this year. And then <laughs> did y'all remember that Monster Hunter Rise came out this year? Right? It was a, such a huge year. So in thinking about my game of the year, I have a few different categories that matter for me. Uh, the first one is music. Each of the game of the year games that I've picked out had a memorable soundtrack that really stuck with me, especially Valhalla. That is like a vaporwave, future wave soundtrack haven. The other condition is, uh, so like socialization, how easy is this game to talk about with other people? Um, you know, what is this game getting me to think about? So, you know, Umarangi Generation, that game so earnestly wants you to like capture a moment and speak on it and say everything you can you know, being able to unpack that game with other people and, you know, chop it up about that and, you know, more so be able to talk about the current times that we're in. I think, you know, Umarangi Generation did a phenomenal job with that. And then finally, uh, the last category is, can I play this game with other people? Um, I think now more than ever, uh, absolutely love single player games and those experiences. But the most memorable gaming experiences for me are the ones that uh, you can engage in with other people. So without further ado, um, my 2021 game of the year is Risk of Rain 2. Risk of Rain 2 came out back in like 2017, uh, published by Gearbox and developed by Hopo Games. It's a 3D roguelike arena-based shooter um, where you have different classes, everything from like a jetpack riding magician who can control fire and ice to a loader who is equipped with like a grappling arm and their fists. And you go from zone to zone under a certain time limit where the more time you spend in the zone, the harder the game gets. And it's four player co-op. So I had uh, such an amazing time this year getting together with my friends and playing this game. It became a space to unpack some of the stresses of the year. And it also became a space to further imagine. I think they have uh, in Risk of Rain 2 the moldings of just like a timeless classic game that brought me you know numerous hours of joy so that's in from me uh 2021 game of the year is risk of rain 2 excited to hear everybody else's peace and we are back <laughs> wow we had maybe i want to go out on a limb and say we had maybe the best lunch of all time wow <laughs> wow all time yeah i'm gonna say it you're so, you're lodi to, oh no! <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone like Ugh. I was eating next to said, "Ooh, that was Lodi," I would immediately just astral project into another Expel planet. Spell whatever you just yeah. ate from your body. Whatever so. I've known as reality is is not worth it. I'm gonna leave. Mm. It was great. It was a great sandwich. It was a good, a good sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, it was a good sandwich. <laughs> it was a really good sandwich. We were very hungry. Yeah, but we're back. And we are now in the <laughs> top half of the list, uh, which is very exciting. So who went last? Was I, it you? I did. Yeah you're, yeah. you're about to do your number five. Oh, my God. Well, I guess AJ five. technically went last. Right. With the with the trail of go toys. Oh, sure. Yeah. Why do I love go toy and I hate Lodi? <laughs> I don't know. I want like a book of fables of like go toys, like the good kid and Lodi's yeah. the bad one. Oh, it's my like, God. Go toy goes to sleep on time and Lodi never sleeps. <laughs> Waiting for Gatoy. <laughs> oh my god. There it is. 
<laughs> All right. Oh boy. All right. Well, <laughs> Stephen, what's your number five video <laughs> game end this. of the year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never seen you so stern. End this. All right. I'm going to mercy kill this bit and uh, move to number five. Number five of my goatee list this year is The Forgotten City. Oh, wow. Um, Which is a game that we did a bonus about uh, Mm. shortly after it came out. I would say one of the... One of the bigger splashes of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, bit yeah. of a slow burn, but I think it definitely made an impact upon release. Mm. And I don't know. I just think that this game is... It's a game I'll be thinking about for a long time, which like I don't really have like a concrete metric of like why a game makes the list or not. Mm-hmm. But I do think that a game that sticks with me is usually a good sign and a good candidate. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty um, good metric. I think we've talked already this episode about a lot of games that like might have like an interesting narrative, but maybe mechanics that don't necessarily aid that or maybe get in the way or like sort of a disjointed experience. And I think the forgotten city was one of the most like focused games I've played in a long time. Mm. I think that like, it's kind of, proof both by its successes and failures that you don't need to have extraneous elements in a game if your mission is like aided by the stuff that's there in this game it says when you begin like this is a game that's about exploration and conversation yeah and that's what's going to be rewarded and we've mentioned before that the combat is like very like passable to bad um, and it definitely is like a little bit longer than it should be. Mm-hmm. I think it does aid the atmosphere. I think that like when it first happens, I enjoyed it. But I, I think that like in that moment and in all the moments of the game that succeed more, I, I think that this game proves that you don't need to have combat by default. You don't need mm-hmm. to have like, you know, thinking back to Guardians where it's like, I, I don't need there to be a long fight here if it doesn't serve the greater themes. Yeah. I also think in a year of like an accidental loop zeitgeist, this is so clearly the one that like used a time loop narrative to benefit the game experience Mm. it wasn't just isn't this a cool idea it was so to refresh the story is you're essentially a person from modern day that gets time teleported back into a roman city where everyone lives in fear under this thing called the golden rule where essentially if anyone commits a sin everybody gets turned into statues and essentially dies yeah so everyone lives in fear of that everyone has a take on that and the time loop element of the game is literally a loophole for the player to get around that rule and to explore Mm. and advance the game i think that's what's so important is i think that the loop element of the game is actually just the only way you can advance you're never doing the same thing twice uh thank god for galerius npc of the year uh (laughs) he just does everything you've done already so even when you're reliving this game for the 10th 11th day you're always discovering new things and also the game is at your pace you know there were there were in my first run of the game there were some days where i really took my time with it and i really talked to everyone and there were other days where i just like did one thing and like broke the golden rule as quickly as possible to reset again. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned just the level of writing and voice acting in this game meshed with the kind of like campiness of it and the, the oblivion zoom in that we love so much. <laughs> yeah. Really like the tone of this game feels like you're playing through one of the best TNG episodes. Mm, and that's kind of what wow. I've realized in retrospect and also maybe the highest praise I can give. To yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, so I think the, the forgotten city is just like a really wonderful narrative experience 
extremely ambitious, doesn't tie up everyone's story in the best way, but the overall story is a really satisfying experience that I'll probably replay every now and then just to kind of revisit this place. Yeah, it's really short, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about this game again later. <gasps> I'm so excited yeah. to hear that. I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were talking in the, our break about like, okay, what's left? You know, because I, I feel like I have no idea what your list is. I, <laughs> I I have an idea of two games that are on your list, but I don't know where they are in the top five, and Forgotten City was one of them. So yeah. I have, I have one more in the chamber. I'm excited to see where it lands. But yeah. I think this was definitely like an Aether favorite for this mm, year. I think absolutely. that was clear from launch. Yeah, totally. Um, and I'm really excited to see what this team does next, because I think that like it was such a wise decision to give the Skyrim mod that this is based on a second chance. Mm. Like having gone and tried to play the Skyrim mod, like this story needed to be its own thing. Yeah. Mm. As much as I love Skyrim and as much as that mod like was really cool at the time it came out, this story is so much better being tied to the Roman empire mm. and just the themes it tackles. This is something I think we'll probably like veer into spoilers here and there in this episode, but I don't want to spoil this because I think if you're, if anything I'm saying is interesting, if you had your eye on this game, definitely check it out. It's a really, really cool experience. Again, one of the best TNG episodes. That's all <laughs> I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. It is out on switch now, but as a cloud version, which is a little yeah. of a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I even have like really good internet and I, I have a hard time with the cloud version. Yeah. So mm. I don't know if that's the way to do it, but if you can if you can play The Forgotten City, you should definitely do it. It's very good. There, there's a uh, documentary on NoClip as of uh, the week that we're recording. Oh, about, cool. About the making of The Forgotten City, and it's really fascinating. Um, cool. Neat. Number, Number five. Number five. Five. Um, weirdly enough, echoes a lot of the sentiments you had about League of Legends Wild Rift, which is kind of a strange idea, but it's tender creature comforts. Oh, hell yeah. Really? Yes. I'm, I'm excited to hear these <laughs> parallels. Uh, well, as Stephen was talking about, I, I, I think a lot of the games that you and I really like and talk about on the show from the mobile perspective are the ones that use the device itself and the way we're used to interacting with the device mechanically to tell an interesting story yeah wild rift i think is a wonderful example of like a game that just figured out how to take this like really like bloated uh game design idea and and shrink it down onto mobile um what i love about tender creature comforts is you don't have to learn anything to right. be able to play it it even when you download it up front just asks you like okay what is your name how do you usually type do you use capitalization? Do you use mm. punctuation? Do you say LOL or do you say haha? Do you say LMAO? <laughs> like which version <laughs> of laughter do you do? And it asks you all these questions about how you actually interact and then just kind of lets you loose in a dating app. It just is a dating app. It's just that all the people that you're talking to are fake. Mm -hmm. I played this game twice now. I played it once earlier in the year and talked about it then and found it enthralling. Specifically, the fact that the game is asking me to play it on its time. I think the fact that it commits so heavily to being like almost a perfect recreation of that kind of app lends itself to demand that time of you. So if you set up a date with somebody, you have to log into the app at that correct time. And you have like five minutes before your date will bail and then message you and be like, dude, what the fuck? Uh, hmm. Which I, I found stressful, but also I, I found it to be just kind of like another checkbox on why this game is so powerful and so good at totally. being what it wants to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's just like, the confidence of the three people that made this game that they could make something and know that it was compelling enough to demand your time in that way. Mm. Cause so many other games, I mean, Forza even, which is lower on my list, but like Forza is a game that is just about getting out of your way. It's like, 
how do you want to play this thing? Tender's like, fuck you. You're going to play this the way I want you to play <laughs> yeah. it. And at the end of the day, all of that stuff that I just mentioned is all just the platform for telling interesting stories. Because every person you talk to, as you get further and further into the conversations with them, in some instances, it'll be really shitty and they'll be like, oh, you're a Gemini? I'm out. See ya. But in some <laughs> cases, you'll talk to this person for like a week. You'll like talk to them on and off for like days and days and days. And you'll learn so much about them and their home life and their 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 relationship with their family or their prior relationships or, you know, oh, they, they moved to a farm recently because they played something that was like starting valley and like maybe it's not working out you know things like that there's just like limitless stories that you can tell in a in a in a framing like this mm. and they really do take advantage of it and succeed pretty much in all respects my run from earlier this year ended with me not dating anybody by the end of it um you have to go on 10 dates and then at the end of the 10 it's a sci-fi game just to be clear <laughs> you go on 10 dates at the end of the 10 dates you have to pick somebody and ask them to go on a second date and if they say no then you just have to leave the planet and if they say <clears throat> yes you have to leave the planet with them ah so the whole idea is you go to this planet specifically to find somebody to leave and spend the rest of your life with uh and and my first run i did not do that and on the second run i went full fucking chaos mode i said yes to everything that everybody asked me uh, <laughs> And it was a completely different experience. I, I matched up with completely different people. I had, a, I had a completely different vibe with the people that I had matched up with previously. I, I there was one I don't I kind of don't want to spoil it, but I think this is just like a good lens to view this game through. There's one in particular where I was talking to this guy who clearly was part of a pyramid scheme and was trying to get me to <laughs> like Fuck. to like get into this pyramid scheme. Sure. He was like constantly asking me over and over again, like you know, you can be your own boss. You can work, you know, you set your oh own hours, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, you know, in full yes mode. So I was yeah, like, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. great. He's yeah. like, do you want to come like meet up with me and a bunch of other people who are like super into this idea? I was like, yes, absolutely. So I, I went and did the date with him and it ended up being this big conference room where it was like me and a bunch of other people. And we <laughs> sat down and they literally did like a pyramid scheme MLM presentation. <laughs> And the game itself, which it very infrequently does, but it stopped itself and asked me, it was like, are you sure you want to sit through this? <laughs> it's like, this is an actual pyramid scheme presentation you're about to sit through. And I was like, wow. yes. And I did it. And it became this like sci-fi Kubrickian nightmare halfway through where every everyone faded away. They were all holograms. And the person had just essentially tricked me into just giving them all of my money. <laughs> Um, and then at the end Whoa. of it, at the end of it, I got a text from the guy who I've been talking to, who's like, what the fuck, dude, you didn't tell me this was a pyramid scheme and then unmatched me. And that was just how it ended. And I was like, this is one of the most thrilling narrative experiences I've had in a video game. It took like six days for the whole thing to play out. And wow. when it was done, it was great. And that's just one of the stories yeah. in Tender. <laughs> there are so, I'm sure there are so many other ones that I, that I haven't seen yet, mainly because I just don't have the patience because like, I just want to say yes to everybody. I just want to see what everybody's story is. Tender's fucking good, man. I highly recommend it. It's available for, I said, I said this on our episode about it initially, but uh, it's available on PC and Mac. I just like, don't play it there. Play it on your phone. You need, yeah. you need to have it on your phone. Mm -hmm. You need to have notifications on. It is so good if you play it that way. But as you said in our episode about it, that it also demands so much of your time that that might not be your thing at all. Mm -hmm. I, I recommend giving it a shot and seeing if it is, because if you commit to it and you like it and it works for you, you'll have a really good time. You'll have at least one of the most interesting experiences that you can have playing a game this year. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that weirdly enough, I lump this game together with outer wilds and that there are both experiences oh, yeah. that are almost too good at replicating what <laughs> yeah. they're going for yeah. like outer wilds really does feel like you are traveling outer space mm. 
and and for that reason i i physically had trouble playing i was like dizzy for like a day after playing mm-hmm. like i, I yeah. normally don't get that way but extremely good game the, the hype yeah. is real and tender the way it's written is so eerily accurate to dating <laughs> apps and like yeah th- i think what's so brilliant is like the dialogue like you might be talking to someone and like like genuinely connecting with them and it's also like you select from like three responses but like it usually is like every now and then you have to say something where it's like, i would never say this but there's one <laughs> i forgot what it was but one of the response it's this says lol but then when you actually like you had to hit buttons to type out the pre-written thing and it's this like paragraph of like hey i know i know it's the person you're talking to um who's like a couple years younger than you are and it's a whole thing about how you feel like super weird and like maybe you haven't matured mentally enough yeah. to like be dating and to be have moved to a planet where you're only dating and stuff <laughs> and then at the end of it you're like you know you seem like a really cool bird but like i don't know if this is gonna work and then the response is just you think i'm a bird <laughs> Like you said, you send paragraphs oh and that's the response God. and then she unmatches you. But I love like there are some characters who you'll like be genuinely connecting with and then like you won't hear from them for a couple days. Yeah. And you get like, genuinely excited when you get <laughs> when a reply back. back. Yeah. Wow. Um, I found it captivating for the same reasons and I went on a couple dates, but I, I found the demand to like actually schedule it out on like my Steven's calendar. I was like, this is yeah. crossing a comfort level in yeah. a weird way. But again, it, it's a it's a wild experience, and, and I highly highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, because um, I think it's it's definitely like again, I, you you mentioned it brilliantly, like u- utilizing being on a mobile device. I, I don't think we'll ever see a game utilize being on mobile in that way hmm. that successfully. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. And, and we talked about this in that episode. But at, at the end of the day, a lot of games have tried to use Tinder style mechanics to tell a story in different ways. Yeah. but you know, they they all kind of just borrow bits and pieces of it just usually the swipe left or swipe right right? and the fact that this game is like no 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 no. tinder itself as an app is actually a wonderful baseline for a place to tell stories i think is really great like there are a bunch of uh there are a bunch of characters in this game that don't have profile pictures don't really even have descriptions (laughs) and i never have matched with any of them and i constantly ask myself like are they just gonna start replacing those with like characters are they gonna put art there are Mm. they gonna have a story for this person eventually? Like, are they just going to constantly update this app and add more people to it? Because that would be amazing. Yeah. If, if I heard like a year from now, like, oh yeah, all of those blank avatars are now other people that you could possibly match with. That'd be so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I found this game really impressive. Yeah. I love the art too. Like all the mm, alien the designs. The art's awesome. Yeah, it's so it's The so art's fun. really good. Yeah. I lo- there was one I matched with. It was like a tiger, like a buff tiger guy. Oh, yeah. And he was like, do the human thing. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah. Uh, and like, I didn't know what it was. And he was like, my heart is broken. Like, I'll never love again or something. <laughs> uh, you really get all types of conversations. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm glad I made your list. Yeah. Hello, dear listeners. I'm Scout Wilkinson. And if you aren't familiar with that name, I'm the one who draws the space whales. What a year, huh? I feel like I barely got my bearings on 2021, and now it's already over. I didn't get much of a chance to play new things this year, so I'm going a bit rogue. Bear with me. My game of the year is watching other people play games. This isn't a new concept 
to the world or to me, but it is a wonderful tool for connecting with people in a year of continued isolation. Watching streams and LPs of games new and old, games I know, games I don't, experiencing them alongside others has brought me great joy when the world continues to feel wobbly and scary and overwhelming. As we approach 2022, I'm here to thank everyone who shared their joy with me in 2021, and I'll continue to do my best to pay it forward in the new year. Alternatively, I got to pick up Monster Train this month, and that game rules, so if you want a more traditional goatee, there you go. Okay, goodbye! Are we at number four now? We're at number four. Oh my god. All right. Whew. Number four of my 2021 game of the year list is a more recent game. Perhaps not surprising. It's Shimigami Tensei 5. Ooh, very yeah. nice. Um it's a little bit surprising. Is it? <laughs> For me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know if that was gonna make the list. I um wow. I was really surprised at how much I like this game because I'm a big persona fan. Uh there's been a lot of conversations about like the sort of assumption to compare the two. Um, I think it's impossible not to, you know, I think that like, especially if you're going in, like my primary experience, you know, playing Persona 5, then 4, then 3, then trying out Nocturne, Mm -hmm. that's kind of been my path into the series. And I was unsure based on my time with Nocturne, if SMT like had what I liked about Persona in it. Yeah. And what I found is that SMT has something else I like that's like alongside Persona. Mm. Um, I think that Persona obviously is like the more narrative driven experience. It has the whole like social life part of it, like characters you really get to know on a deep human level. But SMT, I think just by focusing on the mechanics, one showcases like what a rich battle system this is like playing this game makes it very hard to play any other turn-based combat because it is just so i mean it's kind of like metroid dread where it's like smt has been around for forever smt5 in many ways mechanically feels like the sort of perfection of decades of refinement Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of quality of life improvements that even you know playing nocturne like give this game sort of an encouraging air even though it's so punishing (laughs) which i think is perfect i think that's like what i need in a game that is sort of broadcasting difficulty is like make it easy for me to fail so i can do better next time i think that the game's subtle design of you can't just grind to victory. There is grinding involved because most of the game is exploration and battles. um, And it does expect you to get to a certain level. But at a certain point when you're in an area, you'll notice that you're not leveling up as fast. It's not really like you're not getting noticeable rewards for doing that. Mm. And the game is subtly encouraging you to not just grind, but experiment with who's on your team. So that way, when you're up against the boss that you can't beat, when you finally beat them, it's not because you're level 30 instead of 20. Yeah. It's because you thought about what you needed and you made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the really delicate balance of luck, strategy, and just the encouragement of experimentation and exploration is so much fun. The story is like fine. Like it's 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 mostly an exploration of ideas mm-hmm. over like yeah. characters you actually get to know or care about. And I understand why a lot of people <laughs> have played this and been disappointed by that part of it. Yeah. But like it's so in the background that I don't really care and that's coming from someone who like a loves persona and b usually looks for story first and this game is so successful at atmosphere music and combat 
that like that is why I'm playing it. I found it to have one of the most satisfying loops in a game this year. Like finding a new area, exploring it, leveling up, seeing what demons are there, fusing new demons, somehow getting Alice in Wonderland on the team. Like <laughs> there's there's always exciting things to discover yeah. that make the length and potential tedium non-existent. I think it's easily one of the best JRPGs on the Switch. And I have loved my time with it. Nice. Number four, SMT5. Number four. Yeah, SMT5 is really good. I liked it a lot. I had a really good time with it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. I really thought that I was going to bounce off of it specifically after playing Nocturne. Sure. It just didn't seem like the kind of thing that I would really enjoy. But it was like, it's such extravagant presentation. Yeah. That I was like, I have to experience it at least, even though I don't think I'm going to like it very much. And I ended up playing like, 15 hours of it or something yeah. like i played a lot of it uh the only reason that i really stopped is pokemon came out right after uh and then it was like oh i have to play other stuff for Goaty. and i just never felt the draw to go back to smt which was kind of all i needed to know sure about yeah. its placement on the list feeling. Yeah. you know but that said when we're done with this i'm gonna go back to it i'm gonna keep playing it I, I don't think it'll i don't think it would move on my list really but i liked it enough that i'll probably keep playing it i was i'm really surprised by it um it's really fucking funny yeah, it is. I think that I think it's a much better balance of tone. Yeah. There's also like when, once you start doing more like demon interrogation stuff, if you have certain matchups of demons, they'll talk to each other instead. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and there's some like really funny interactions there. Yeah. And it's, this, re- it's just weird. Like it's weird and funny in ways that I think prevent it from being edgelordy. Yes. Which which I think is where Nocturne went wrong for me. Sure. Mm. Uh, it, it really I don't know. It really felt like I was just like I, I fell into like. Like an Alice in Wonderland version of Hot Topic or something. <laughs> oh, I love the scale of what you can accomplish in terms of the demon fusion. I'm just like, realizing that's Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my god. There's this is a real movie. <laughs> there's one point where you fight this like like the toughest boss in the game so far for me was like at the end of the second area. Like it, it was the first boss that took me like more than five tries. And once I beat them, it was like you can now fuse them. I'm like I can just have that yeah, boss on my them. team. Yeah. Holy shit. Like there's constantly stuff like that where it's like the game is sort of this like blossoming experience where like everything, like the possibilities just keep growing. Yeah. And I think that's a sort of the, the pull of the game is like seeing what you can do and, and what style of play you want to go for. Yeah. There's also some like, it seems like there are, there are sort of branching narrative things going on with like decisions and alignment and stuff. Um, That's like fun, but it's, it's second to like, the, the fusion and the battles and the exploration. Yeah. Uh, I loved, I loved in uh, like the first, I don't want to say plot beat, but kind of like the first goal you're given is to go to Tokyo tower. Yeah. Which takes 10 hours yeah. probably like yeah. it's like, that's like the first thing you have to do. It takes like 10 hours. But when you get there, one of the first things you can do is like climb up a little mountain range and there's a dragon just hanging out in the sky <laughs> and you go talk to the dragon and he's like, who the fuck are you? Don't talk to me. And yeah. just like, come back when you're more powerful. I don't give a shit. And just leaves. <laughs> I, I think I, he says something along the lines of like, what are you some kind of like new God? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not interested in that. <laughs> I'm a trillion years old. Yeah. Fuck it's off. Like the game is almost tired of its own mythology. Yes. Which is, it, which I think is a really fascinating idea. Yeah. That maybe isn't explored as well as it could be, but like it is there in atmosphere and in this sort of like idle dialogue. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's cool. Yeah. Also the battle theme is my bloody Valentine essentially. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really cool. What if it just, that'd be, that would be both of our game <laughs> licensed MBV. Uh, yeah. Anyway, That's SMT5 is your number four. Yeah. Nice. 
My number four game of the year is Psychonauts 2. Hell yeah. Wow. <sighs> it's really good. <laughs> uh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, me, I'm happy for me. This is a game that I've wanted for so, so, so long. I played the first one, uh, I guess, in high school. I heard a guess like when it came out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what it was. I, I saw it in like a PlayStation magazine before it came out. And I was like, I want that. And apparently nobody else said that. <laughs> and so like four years later when it became like a cult. Yes. Hit, but yeah. I, I loved I loved Psychonauts first time I played it. I, it just like had everything that I kind of wanted out of that. I don't know, like platformer. I, it just felt like it was kind of modernizing what platformers were because it was like the era of like Jack and Daxter kind of like leaving behind where it had come from. Mm. Ratchet and Clank. I think the most recent one at that point was like, I forget what it was called, Deadlocked, I think, which was like an arena shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like that kind of thing. And, and the most recent uh, Sly Cooper at that point was was fucking bad so it was just like <laughs> there was no platformer really and then here comes psychonauts it's like not only a really good platformer that i you know in, in the in the vein of a thing that i really liked but it was telling like a really interesting and just like totally bizarre story yeah and taking a lot of chances with art direction um and just like became a great game i i don't know if it holds up as well uh these days but like at the time it was really shocking and i had always wanted a sequel and tim schaefer and double fine had always said that they wanted to make a sequel and they had written one but like never could get it off the ground and then went through this whole strange long production thing where double fine was starting to uh crowdfund games through fig if anybody remembers fig yeah there's a website where you could invest in games and you would like get a return on it also if the game did well which was mm -hmm. wild and then they got bought by microsoft and then psychonauts 2 eventually launched on game pass this year and it's a microsoft game which is wild by itself not to mention the fact that it's really fucking good and like way better than the first one in almost every respect uh last time we talked about it on the show i don't think i'd finished it yet no it was pretty early i think yeah, yeah. and i i had always meant to bring it back after i finished it so i guess this might as well just be that segment but like <laughs> psychonauts 2 is is i think i think triumphant from a narrative perspective it does some really 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 stellar things in terms of the melding of the already great art direction that we knew and loved from the first one with the story they're trying to tell they do a really wonderful job of, of combining both of those um all of the worlds that you go visit are really beautiful but also at times really harrowing um, it deals with some really heavy topics, uh, way heavier than I was expecting, honestly. But yeah. also, I think there's a self-awareness from Double Fine's end that the people who grew up playing the first one are now old enough to have experienced some of the things that they're trying to tackle in the second sure. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But at the end of the day, like, you know, despite the fact that you're jumping into all these different people's brains and helping them sort out their things, the, the overall thematic arc of the game is just like understanding that it's okay to ask for help um, and it's okay to like patch up broken relationships and, and try and make good. I, I think that's really powerful. I think that's like, I think it's a thing that a lot of people need to hear, especially after what has happened over the past couple of years is yeah. like half of the game is about acknowledging that like maybe you do need help. And then the second half is acknowledging that it's OK to ask for it when you realize that you need it. And I, I think that's really beautiful. And the fact that it's like told in this like cartoony platformer is so funny to me. Yeah. Um, but it just makes it all kind of hit harder when it starts to get really heavy. I think it's I think it's a really powerful game. I, I really loved it. That's awesome. This is one of my biggest regrets is not playing this game in time mm. for this episode. I, I feel like my limitation I gave myself is I didn't want to play until I had played the first one. Yeah. Mm. And I've struggled to get far into the first one just because it's like yeah. has that sort of 2007 platformer aspect to it. Yeah. But I really like it. Like I 
love the characters. I love the writing and the atmosphere. I mean, Double Fine and and Tim Schafer's stuff has always sort of been like ahead of the curve with like the narratives that they're trying to explore. And that goes back to like the point and click stuff like Day of the Tentacle and all that great stuff. So this is something where I'm like kind of kicking myself for like not playing it in time but uh, maybe we'll talk about it again once i have yeah. um but i'm really excited to experience it and i think like i also really admire that balance again i really really love when games can establish like this is a light-hearted kind of cartoony setting mm. that will that won't pull its punches when it gets heavy yeah I, I think that's really hard to pull off and it's always so successful when it's done well yeah i think of a uh, over the garden wall is another example mm-hmm. of that yeah where, like it's very silly, but it's like not afraid to be genuinely creepy or yeah. like real. Yeah. Um, and very, and very comfortable with metaphor, which I feel like something every once in a while, some narrative experiences kind of like lean away from trying to, uh, focus too much on metaphor because they think it's like maybe rote or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes leaning all the way in is the best move, you know? Yeah. So like in this game, when you are, for example, uh, in, in a bunch of deserted islands um, and to, the way to travel between the different islands is by like literally running to the bottom of a bottle as quickly as you possibly can. It's like, actually that's, that's a really good version of a metaphor. I totally understand everything this person is dealing with. Mm. And now we just have to figure out how to help them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That stuff is really powerful. And I mean, also like outside of all the stuff it's doing thematically and narratively, like it just is fun. Like it just feels like they took everything that was working about the first one and just kind of refined it and modernized it in a way that makes it hold up today. Yeah. Just feels really good to play. I was kind of really surprised by it. Yeah. Another big Xbox victory. (laughs) Yeah. This is what I'm saying, man. My, I I can't believe how much I played my Xbox. (laughs) Wild. Steven, I think if you're having a problem, if you're having trouble getting through the first one, I think you could honestly just read something or like watch a video of the synopsis of the story because going into the second one, I only played the first couple hours of the second one and the gameplay is, it's not exactly the same, but it's generally the same with, but like fine tuned. Yeah. It um, feels the same, and then you go and play the first one, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, they yeah, made I haven't this. Gone, sw- they yeah. made this switch, and this switch, and this switch. Yeah. Like you could you could feel the differences when yeah. you play them. Back so if back like the like the gameplay and stuff is like the the barrier, I think I think there's a lot of really good story in the first one um, that you could just like read about yeah, like and still feel just as like yeah, like a let's play. That's or something. good to I know. I, I usually I usually try to push through, but I think I might do that just because yeah. like I would recommend, especially it. if the second, it's the second's right, it's right there. It's been years. Yeah, I'll say that. I got it on Steam and tried to play, and then I got on Xbox again. I just I think I might just do that so mm-hmm. i can get yeah. to the second one there's also uh, a psvr exclusive bridge yeah. game uh that like you shouldn't try and find that and play that <laughs> obviously like i think I would, it's pretty good though right i've heard it's good but yeah. you know if you don't have a psvr like i don't recommend picking one up now <laughs> just to play yeah this game. it would take a lot for me to get a vr thing maybe <laughs> i'll eat those words one day but um <laughs> yeah Before I go to my next game, AJ, do you have any go toys? Yeah, I was going to say my number four go toy <laughs> is. Also, this AJ's been like Jackson Pollock furiously painting, like making a list <laughs> yeah, in I've the been moment, going on my which phone is off and on, just like writing things down. I'm this like, is Brendan. I prepared for months. The fact that he was doing this like now is well, amazing. I have. I have it's it's amazing. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You I have two hundred games to think about. I have eight. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, and my 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 number four <laughs> go toy is uh, Final Fantasy IV for the Game Boy Advance. Holy shit! Uh, one of the such a fucking good video game. Holy shit! Wow. Oh the my GBA god. Version. The GBA version. Seeing you gush about Final Fantasy yeah. just made my whole year. This is yeah. Amazing. So I, I guess uh, I haven't played any Final Fantasy games except for Seven Remake. Oh wow. Okay. Um, I did you like Seven Remake? I love Seven Remake. Cool. It was a great time. Uh, and then I listening to people talk about it and understanding the themes and stuff in seven remake yeah make me really appreciate it even more yeah um and make me want to play seven the regular one um mm. but uh earlier in this year uh the three of us were generously uh, gifted uh game boy advances from kyle game yes. boy kyle's as we call them and i was at my partner tara's sister's place up in rochester new york we found a secondhand video game store and we we're like all right yeah let's go walk around i had this mm. game boy advance i get some games for get it. something yeah and i saw they had final fantasy 4 and i texted the two of you a picture and said is final fantasy 4 any good i just bought it for like nine dollars or like something paragraphs yeah. to me like cecil's story yeah. starts it's like i didn't ask this um and, but, but now i now having played almost all of it which we'll get to in a second uh i fully understand your your fervor for as soon as somebody mentions this game it's like four is incredible the yes. story is amazing the 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 combat system is so much fun uh it's it's it does what i feel like uh metal gear solid one does where it just feels like it's a story so far ahead of its like time i yeah, guess totally. like because when did four come out like the, the early 90s late 91. 80s 91 91 right? yeah but the, the story that it's telling seems so aware of like jrpgs as a genre uh and just i don't know video games in general were relatively still pretty new i feel like in the early 90s like oh, yeah for and for a game like final fantasy to have this awareness of like here's where you think it's gonna go or whatever and then immediately we're gonna just like undercut all of that yeah uh, it's think, really amazing i mean you're onto something because i think that final fantasy 4 in my opinion is really the first final fantasy that becomes the series as we know it today sure because one is like very sort of like have your own D D adventure. Yeah. Uh, and then two and three are doing their own thing. And four is like when you when you think about the series or name the series, you would you would assume it would be an adventure kind of like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, how do you A find your voice the same time you're like examining it? Yeah. It's like both right. like the the sort of quintessential release and also like a, a subversion right. of mm -hmm. it. It's, itself. It literally starts you off committing terrorism like yeah. you yes. are playing for the villains and you bomb a town yeah like it's wild fun. wild yeah. beginning to the game wild beginning to the game uh and then it just gets <laughs> it gets so much better from there uh mm. and it's you know it's a really just great story about again that's another story kind of about identity and like what it means to yeah it's about be redemption a serving a, a a ruler and whatnot you know totally um, i think it really um it's it's not i think it's one of the final fantasies that has aged the best mm. in many ways like yeah. in all ways i i love six and i'm actually really curious when the pixel remasters come out Ugh. like how we're gonna like it mm -hmm. but i think there's something about the focus and almost streamlined quality of four where like yeah the pacing is like yeah really quick not in a way that undercuts the narrative but just in a way that it keeps going yeah and i love i think the game is also aware of its own limitations graphically so like it will leave you with a feeling or a mood and then you're on to the next thing and uh -huh. the sort of moments where there's no dialogue and just that theme that plays in the world map mm -hmm. but that's where your brain kind of does all the emotional work yeah, yeah. uh it, it's a really wonderful experience yeah. you know it has the final fantasy thing of like 
going wild in the last act. Yeah. But I think truly. like it does so well before then that it, I think it earns that. I think you're just there. You're like, yeah, let's go to hell yeah. and the moon. Why yeah. not? Let's hell and the moon. Yeah. Uh, and that was honest. That was actually where I, I, I unfortunately stopped playing the game, which is like nearly the very end, mm. uh, was because the batteries died in my Game Boy Advance uh, and I lost a whole day's worth no! of progress. That's the same tragedy with you and 10. Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, I, I was doing all that's the so final quests. I was following a game facts walkthrough of like uh, how to get like the best sword the best like everybody gets yeah. their you know their final weapon or whatever yeah. and i like was pretty much done all of that and then my game boy advance died and i was like 100 mm, percent my fault not on the game at all i'll yeah. say this um, but, as a lifelong mm. final fantasy fan having major progress deleted is the equivalent <laughs> of your fingers callousing to guitar right. strings as a guitarist it is the rite of passage you are sure. now a fan of Final Fantasy. <laughs> Congratulations. Wow, thank you. Yeah. It's an honor to be here. Of course. Um, but yeah, so that's my my number four. It's a good one. Wow. Go toy. I played a lot of the Pixel Remaster this year and yeah. really, really loved it. It's really good. Yeah. I uh I'm gonna keep playing it. I like I, I dip into it every once in a while and play for like an hour or so. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Hi Aether friends, I'm Jillian, one of the folks behind the scenes at Frog of the Week. And I'm not quite sure I have a game uh, of the year, technically. Uh, most of the releases I played this year were remakes or remasters, which kind of tracks with this being yet another year of being mostly stuck inside without a lot of in-person interaction, thus resulting in me reverting to older interests and games from the before times, uh, looking at you specifically Fire Emblem Awakening, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, in fact, looking at all of the games I did play and finish this year, uh, most of them are several years, if not decades old. Uh, but I also had some of the best video game experiences this year by exploring these older games, many of which I'd never really played originally, uh, because they were games that my friends and loved ones cared deeply about. Uh, I played the entire Kingdom Hearts franchise for the first time, because my fiancé loves Kingdom Hearts 2 so much, he got a massive watercolor tattoo for it, uh, and I've fallen so in love with it that our wedding is probably going to feature some of the music in some way. Uh, I played Final Fantasy 8 and 10. Uh, which are the favorites of two of my friends. I fell in love with the characters, I connected to them, and I learned how to move past my previous roadblocks with mechanics to be able to enjoy some narratives that I know I would have really loved when I was younger if I'd been exposed to them. As well as I got to enjoy these games with my friends who were just really passionate about them, and it made me love the video games and my friends even more. Uh, I got into a lot of games alongside my friends, playing together, finally Went back to Animal Crossing, played some Destiny 2, Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Got to play kind of alongside my friends in this way. And returning to these games and streaming the newer one, the well, not newer, but the ones that were new to me, uh, allowed me to really hang out with my friends and, and bond over video games while being stuck several states away from them, which was such a good experience to have. So I guess in the end, my game of the year is the friends we made along the way way. Thank you. Number three. Number three. Number three. Number three. Number three on my game of the year list is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Wow. Number three. Number three. Number three. Uh, <laughs> number three is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, I adore this game. I feel like I feel like it will be a very long time. 
you're both nodding. Like, he's proud just three, three. Yeah. Number three. <laughs> Number three. Uh, I feel like it'll be a long time before we see a game utilize the PS5 in the same way. Like, maybe ever. Like, I'm <laughs> sure. very content with this being, like, the one game that does it. Um, <laughs> but I think as much as this game is, like, clearly a technical showcase and, like, is the first game that almost, like justifies like oh this is a new console this is like a new thing i bought i can do new things i think what's so impressive about it is just like how simple and focused and joyful the whole experience is and this is in many ways antithetical to most sony first party stuff one it's happy Uh, (laughs) i mean i love i love a lot of this sony stuff but i I think it's a a clear decision that they included ratchet and clank in the roster alongside last of us and horizon zero dawn and spider-man as well and i just i mean insomniac is clearly my favorite of the of the first party sony teams i think going back to like forza where they just like focus on traversal and build around that this game is almost more ambitious where like it's not just one thing there's they've made like x actions fun like every weapon does something wild that you could probably build the game around mm. and they're just like yeah there's another thing there's another thing there's another thing <laughs> yeah um you'll be like oh actually that's the most boring weapon i have yeah exactly that that doesn't make it to the weapon wheel thank you yeah <laughs> <laughs> weapons that like i mean the topiary sprinkler that turns everything into bushes the shotgun that shoots four times if you hold it down like it really sold me on the um, pressure sensitivity of the controller and like seamlessly making these shoulder buttons into essentially four buttons is like, it should be annoying. It should be like, I meant to pull instead of press and it Mm. never is. It works every time. Yeah. On top of the shooting, I think just like getting around is so fun. Like every level is sort of designed around an idea kind of akin to like Mario or even Titanfall 2. Speaking of Titanfall 2, there's a level where you're going back and forth in time uh, between like, a dim- well not time, but dimensions rift apart, uh, where <laughs> one, in one reality this planet was destroyed and the other it's like a, a operational mining facility. Wow. And in the destroyed realm you're using your magnet boots to fly through space. Like I could play a whole space game with the magnet boot stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that that rules. Or the level where you're on your rocket boots zipping around for for Lombax lore. Like every planet is so fun. Even the ones that aren't like as they don't work quite as well. The variety is really the star here. Mm. Um on top of like a surprisingly heartfelt story that is truly cinematic. I think that this game, I think I I mentioned this in our bonus about it, but this is a game that like a movie, I could just replay one weekend and see from start to finish. It it really understands what it means to be cinematic, almost over uncharted Mm. because of the length and because of the focus and because of the beats. It's, it's a predictable story, but the characters are so well animated and performed that like you really understand them and get to know them on a deep level and again it's kind of like second nuts too or at least what you mentioned with second nuts too it goes to surprisingly heavy places the backstory of why rivet has a mechanical arm kit's whole arc of like thinking that they're a terrible person or robot and they are hiding from other people like everyone has something to kind of get over in this game and even the villain the villain's story of being tired they always lose is such a funny idea yeah and the way that plays out alone like even just that arc which is largely played for laughs is like fascinating so it's really simple stuff just done brilliantly Mm. and it's just like it's the kind of game that just makes you smile and feel whole. And uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could recommend it to more people because it's it's kind of like 
you know, it's never been a worse time to be a PS5 exclusive because yeah. it's so hard to get one. <laughs> yeah. But I think once... Isn't that wild to say t- two years after a system comes out or a year and a half? Yeah. How long has it been? I think once more people can get this game, yeah. um, it's just going to be a good thing. So yeah. I, I found it to be a wonderful experience. I'm going to bring up later... <laughs> Okay, so that's number three. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Thank uh, you, Ratchet. Thank you, Rivet. Thank you, Clank. Thank you, Clank. Thank that, you Kit. That game is really good. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a very long time before we see anything that comes even remotely close. I think one of the Dark Horse candidates for these lists this year, um, and I haven't seen it on too many people's lists, but a couple of people have had it pretty high up, and I get it, is Returnal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Returnal is the other game, I think, that uses the adaptive triggers on sure. the PS5 in like a really, really, really ingenious way. I just think like, you know, obviously Ratchet and Clank is a better game than Returnal, but... I, d- I kind of wish that they would introduce some difficulty options or something in Returnal because I feel like that could have been the PS5 game this year. Yeah. It was like mm. going to be that or Ratchet and Clank. And it was so obviously Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. But like Returnal like should have been a contender. And I'm, I have played so m- I mean, there's a lot of it on our YouTube. I played so much of it and loved it. And like so desperately when I went back to it in preparation for this episode was like, I can't wait to put Returnal at number one. <laughs> it was so I mean, it's I <laughs> I, I could tell you the number it's at. Hang on. It's 22. Yeah. Which is higher than it was when I first placed it, but it's yeah. still like. Not in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, I'll bring up again later. I'm excited. Alone at last, stuck at the top. If I ever lost. I think I'd just drop My never-ending story of success Is a lonely refrain So I've one request Join me at the top Why don't you join me Where the stars all shine Let's talk about my number three, though A game that we're bringing up for the first time That's right, it's The Forgotten City Hey! <laughs> Whoa! Time loops! Time- <laughs> <laughs> I never brought it up <laughs> uh, I just I just think this game is uh, like almost perfect in a way. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, I, I I think the Forgotten City is is an extremely ambitious thing. I think as you were saying, I, and I want to double down on this. It is so much better as a standalone game than as a Skyrim mod. Yeah, even the choice of setting and what they choose to do with it is like way more interesting than they ever were going to get out of Tamriel. <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> Have you heard of the High Elves? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're all talking about the emperor's murder <laughs> but at the end of the day I, honestly you you led with this and this was going to be the thing i was going to lead with but i just haven't stopped thinking about it yeah the thing is is that what the forgotten city is tackling and and again I'm, i don't want to spoil anything but you know this idea of anytime anybody in the city sins everybody gets turned to gold and dies and then you have to loop back and you know go through this loop again i think that the central idea of the game being like, okay, but what constitutes a sin? Yes. Who decides right. that? Everybody's going to have a different take on it, but who's right here? Is everybody right? Is everybody wrong? These are the kinds of things that I have literally been thinking about my whole life anyway. <laughs> yes. Like, like <laughs> just what does it mean to be a good person? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like I, I grew up religious and then kind of bailed out of that. And, and in the absence of like God and church and stuff, you have to sit there and ask yourself like, okay, but what does it mean to be a good person? Because, you know, the things that I heard in church are very different from the things I see in real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I need to come up with my own code of morality. And I feel like I've done a pretty good job so far in my life. 
But at the same time, to somebody else, I could be fucking terrible. You know, I'm not really sure. And I think that's what The Forgotten City is all about. It's all about forcing yourself to like really examine that. Yeah. And I loved playing through it. And I love having played through it more than once because I do find myself going back to that well over and over again and just considering what the game wants me to consider. Hmm. You know, regardless of what it's trying to do narratively and how it wraps up, I just think what it's even asking is something that not a lot of media asks weirdly yeah. enough. I don't like when most stories tackle the idea of morality, they come at it from a point of view mm. and they don't do what the forgotten city does, which is just present you with every point of view and, <laughs> and ask you to make your own value judgment. Yeah. Um, and, and, and say like, maybe none of these people are right. Maybe one of them is right, but you're going to have to decide for yourself. I think that's, I think that's really fascinating. And that's one of the things that just like makes this game as, as a video game work so well is like, I'm not just reading a book and turning pages and like hearing from different people. Like I get to talk to all these people and, and see how they live their lives for a while. And I think that's really powerful. I, th I think it really works as a video game. I'm really glad that it is its own thing. I think it's an extremely successful attempt um, at taking a mod and making it a full thing. Uh, and it's my number three game of the year. Yeah, nice. it's really special. I think there are some points of view on the golden rule that seem like it's kind of the game talking a little bit. And then there are some characters that are very much supposed to be villains. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you mentioned how like you grew up religious and then moved away from men. It's like, what do you replace that with? Right. It almost feels like in a way, every character is sort of giving themselves their own religion. Yeah. Where it's like, how do mm. they, how do they cope with this? Like what, it, like there's the guy who is the stoic who, mm -hmm. you know, has this firm belief of like, I'm not going to worry about things out of my control. There are characters that kind of pretend it's not happening or, you know, whatever. Like there's so many versions of it. And that's sort of paralleled by the sort of, without spoiling anything, the game explores the idea of civilizations calling uh, the same gods by many names. And I feel like it's both critical of sort of patterns in history, but ultimately optimistic yeah. for humanity, which yeah. I think is, again, peak Star Trek. Um, <laughs> yeah. I so, agree. yeah, I, I think this is a very special game we'll be talking about for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 like you, am excited to see what they do next. They've been working on this for, I don't know, like 10 years or something. So yeah. Yeah. it's a long time. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful time. I'm really curious about that. No clip Chuck documentary. It's really yeah. good. Uh, yeah. It's very good. I gotta watch it. Yeah. I'm excited for the uh, 2031 Goaty when we talk about their follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> the remembered city. <laughs> God. The known town. <laughs> Speaking of known towns, Night in the Woods is my next go toy. Oh, wow. Night in the Woods. <laughs> Night in the Woods. Wow. A game that I played for the first time this year. Yeah. Uh, really good video game. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for like the individual stories being told in that game mm. uh, of the individual characters, but I think... What really solidified this, if this was the year that this game came out, I think this probably would have been my game of the year for a lot of reasons. But I think the mm. thing that really solidified it being like so cream of the crop, the the I'm going to spoil the game, by the way, uh, the twist at the end where the cultists are miners mm. who are <laughs> like sacrificing people to the mine so that it will continue to, you know, yeah. serve ore or whatever um, was wild to me. Um, having this be like this, this mining town that used to thrive on this industry and then was bled dry by the system 
yeah like the capitalist system that that forced them to just mine everything out of this mine till there was nothing left to the, to the to the point where the workers literally felt like they had to kill people in order to uh uh guarantee their survival yeah like the 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 allegory there i think is extremely like I mean, it's right there. You know, there's not yeah. like you don't have to dig super deep to like figure out like, oh, OK, the system is bad and it will like make pe- good people right. kill people right. just so that they can continue living in this broken system. Yeah. Blew my mind. It was it's kind of the same thing you were saying about Forgotten City in the way that like I'm surprised that I haven't played another game that is kind of like dealt with the 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 I don't know. And maybe they have and I just haven't thought about it. hard enough. to play like, Kentucky. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was screaming oh, internally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's never been another game that seemed like capitalism suck a place. I don't know. Kentucky. <laughs> Dry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean, but if you liked that, you'll love. Yeah, if Kentucky you like that Zero. aspect of Night yeah. in the Woods, Kentucky Route Zero is gonna fuck you up. Okay, cool, <laughs> great. No, I love it. Um, I'm all about media that that criticizes uh, capitalism and sy- yeah. systems of oppression. Uh, the Malazan Book of the Fallen, for example, is a really, <laughs> a really, really good three million word long allegory about how systems can destroy people's lives, mm. and and I love that as well. Uh, so that's. That's Night in the Woods for me. <laughs> I really like Night in the Woods as well. Not to counter your point, but I, I had kind of, I mean, I just enjoyed different things about it, which I think there's a yeah. lot to enjoy. I think like one aspect of Night in the Woods that's kind of similar almost to Tenders is how many stories exist that like it's up to you whether or not you want to dig deeper. Yeah. But there's like a poetry club that meets in the city. The poetry club's great. And there's, speaking of critiquing capitalism, there's one poet there that's like almost always bad. And then one week they just kill it with this <laughs> like just really raw critique of like Silicon Valley and capitalism Mm. and like essentially just wanting a life while others want everything. Mm -hmm. I I think what I loved about that game was more the almost slice of life aspect of it. Like absolutely. uh, Bea and the, uh, I think Craig is the other friend. Mm -hmm. Their stories are wonderful. I found the blending of the slice of life with the fantasy didn't Mm -hmm. work as well for me. Really? Like once it went full fantasy, I kind of bounced off of it. That was my issue too. Um, Really? Yeah. I get like, it definitely, I like the allegory it's going for. I preferred it in the background versus like, this is what's happening. Hmm. I didn't like the explanation. Sure. I, I and I, cause I, I read it more as like May's interpretation of reality mm. in, in the place in her life versus like, it's very similar actually to Silent Hill or Silent Hill 2. I love especially because it's just like how this town affects these people. Right. Yeah. Whereas the yeah. other games get more into the backstory of the cults, like right. literally one to one. I don't need the backstory. <laughs> yeah. I actually just like seeing what's happening there. Hmm. Um, yeah. But I found that it didn't serve May's story because yeah. at the heart it's, of at the heart of May's story is very much like a the graduate kind of thing. Yes, right? yes. So like May moves back from college after uh, not doing very well and uh, is just trying to figure out like what her next step is. And yeah. the next step is like stopping a cult. Yeah, <laughs> it's like maybe not the answer. Um, yeah. I, I I think that there are two very disparate, interesting things happening. But as you were saying, I, I don't know if they blended well together for me hmm. um, because I, I related very much with May until I didn't anymore. And that was very disappointing for me. That being said, Scott Benson's writing, like the, the natural feeling of that dialogue. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot right. of games that try to capture like what young people talk like. And it almost <laughs> always sucks. Yeah. yeah. And that game just feels so like no matter when you grew up, I think you'll resonate with that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's a good pick. I'm glad it's you, set I'm glad in you the fall. It. It's autumnal. Yeah. <laughs> I think it fall. was one of the first. I think it was the first spooky season where I brought it up. Yeah, actually. Yeah, it yeah. was good game. Good yeah. video game. I'll play Kentucky Route Zero soon. You should. <laughs> yeah. All five acts report back next week. <laughs>
Hello, dear listeners, and Stephen, Brendan, and Angel J. Um, you might remember me, uh, your old pal Adam V from Eye of the Duck and also episode 666, Rebuke. Um, I'm coming up with that episode number myself because you do not appear to use them. I am just uh, dialing in to tell you all about my number one game of the year. And uh, that is going to be a ratchet and clank for the Sony PlayStation 5. The reason why this is my game of the year is because it is one of only two new release games that I have played this year. That's not entirely true because technically I also played Astro's Playroom, but I don't know if that really counts. And then Resident Evil Village, was that this year? Maybe. I'm not sure anymore. It's been a long one. Uh, But Ratchet & Clank, the reason why this is my game of the year is there's a number of reasons. Number one, it's just exceedingly fun. It seems as though uh, most games aren't actually designed to be 100% fun all of the time. And I'm really only interested in having fun. And this game is very, 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 very fun. It is also one of the most impressive games I've seen uh, recently in terms of just its sort of aesthetic, its image fidelity, its graphical performance, and any other number of buzzwords that you might choose to come up with for me. But basically, what I mean by that is that I got a PlayStation 5, which I'm very um, grateful I was able to snag one. And when I finally got one, I realized that there was really no game out that I actually wanted to play other than um, the most important game in the history of video games, which is, of course, Marvel Spider-Man 2018. I played the remaster. I thought it was really, really fun. The visual updates were really, really nice. The quality of life updates were really, really nice. But it was not by any means, you know, this is it. This is why I bought a PS5. This is what it's all about. But when I played Ratchet and Clank and I saw what that game was able to offer in terms of uh, the gameplay, the speed of everything, the way you can jump through these portals and everything is just there. There's like no load times. The, The game is almost like one continuous just motion because even when you go in and out of cutscenes, you just walk in and out of them. It, it, it's so seamless and so fast and everything looks so stunningly gorgeous and is so fun at all times that there's basically no way that it isn't going to be my game of the year. Uh, anyway, thank you all very much. Uh, I love the show. Uh, I love you all. Uh, I love Ratchet and Clank. It's my game of the year. Goodbye. My number two for my goatee list of this year is Metroid Dread. There you oh, go. Oh, wow. It is the runner up for my game of the year. For a while, it was my game of the year. For all the reasons I think we highlighted a while ago, mm-hmm. it's just like one of the most sort of perfectly executed Metroid games of all time. Yep. I think that it just, I think a lot of the games we've highlighted here are sort of like focused and like digestible. I think yeah. you mentioned that like you, you finished a lot of them in one or two sittings. I don't think it's inherently good or bad to be long or short, yeah. mm-hmm. but I think it speaks to confidence when a game is like, we're going to give you what we know you're going to like for eight hours and I'm yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Metroid Dread is just a really miraculous time. I think it's a really good balance of difficulty, in my opinion. I think that, like, it may be on the harder side, and I wish there were more options, obviously. But I think as someone with a little bit of experience, I think that the difficulty worked because it is teaching you. Mm-hmm. It's not yes. esoteric. You don't have to watch YouTube videos to understand it. Right. Uh, <laughs> no iframes and stuff like that. It accomplishes what I think a lot of games that tout their difficulty do, where, like, an enemy will seem 
impossible the first time you fight them. Yeah. And then after like one or two tries, you'll you'll really understand what you need to do. Yeah. There was one boss where I was like, this might be it for me. And then I realized when they spewed fire everywhere, there was one spot on the ground that was visibly not on fire. And yeah. I'm like, that's where I need to go. The game is kind of constantly giving you moments like that. And I just found it like really hard to put down from start to finish yeah i think it's a game that i'll replay a lot i want to beat it faster and faster <laughs> and it just feels like both a swan song and celebration of metroid yeah and uh it's my runner-up it's my yeah. number two yeah, yeah. wow I, I can't believe it's this high yeah i'm very surprised i was very yeah. surprised yeah wow really yeah. are you yeah, well, are you surprised that it's so low for me then yes Wow. Yeah. Again, there's no bad placement in the top ten. I agree. As we keep saying. Yeah. But I, I was, I was guessing it would be one or two. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I was thinking too. That's what's. Yeah. I, your, your rankings of it are flipped for me. Like yeah. I thought Brandon would have it one or two, and Steve. I think it also says something that like I got onboarded to Metroid via Fusion, yeah. which this game is is a sequel to yeah. and is sort of a spiritual follow up to. Yeah. I will say another like smaller critique of Dread is that I wish well. I think what it does is perfectly fine, but I think in the marketing and in the title and in the worst sequel to Fusion, mm. kind of wanted that Fusion, yeah. like gooey nightmare vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what we get here is just like almost like a just if if Fusion is about Samus's fears, mm. this game is about Samus overcoming that mm -hmm. in like a yeah. big way. This feels like sort totally. of the, the Act Two of Fusion's Act One, right? Because Act One, uh, Act One. I'm really into this metaphor. Uh, <laughs> Fusion. Can you imagine it's called Act One? I and mean, we waited over <laughs> a decade. Years yeah. For Act um, two. Fusion ends without spoiling too much, but you know the the plot is more atmospheric. Um, Fusion kind of ends hopefully and yeah. i think that this game is just like sam is kicking ass in the coolest way possible right yeah like i just said cool out loud yeah, so yeah me too during yeah. this game yeah and i think it's also one of the most impressive looking games on switch i think that mm -hmm. like it's gorgeous it is like really like just shy of breaking the switch in terms of of how good it looks yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I think this game is is wonderful one of my big plans for 2022 is to find an oled switch and replay this game yeah on mm. um, this I really want to play this it on feels OLED. like the sort of ratchet and clank rift apart for the oled switch yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and uh and not condoning piracy but apparently it plays great in 4k <laughs> on your computer <laughs> you can emulate it uh yeah i, I mean fuck, metroid dread sick yeah it's yeah. so good i same exact thing as you i just constantly was like that was fucking sick it was fucking cool. yeah yeah, it was cool. yeah like over and over again yeah. just yeah. dorito dust like nine like, hours <laughs> you know? yeah, it's cool. yeah. Cool. I, I played this Swing. game in like two sittings also i mean it was yeah. it was just so great and I, i'll play it again too yeah um, I, I think the reason it's lower on my list or the reason I had it so low on my list specifically was because I think the Emmy sequences, the further in you get, as you yeah. mentioned already, yeah. start to get a that's little. That's like the one noticeable. And yeah. that's also the selling point of the game, which is kind of a bummer. It's yeah. like six robots stalking. That's like the least interesting thing about it. Yes. Yeah. I, I think if, and not, not to like backseat design or whatever, <laughs> but like, I think the big disappointment for me was that each of them has a different power set. Yeah. But you kill them all the exact same way. That's it. Yeah. And that was I, I just wanted more challenge. I wanted to have to compete with the thing that they're good at. Kind of yeah. like Mega Man. In yeah. Way. I think the way that the because it's also like the bosses are so gripping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that I almost wish they just combined them. It's like have the boss be the thing stalking me and then I take him out at the end. Yeah. In the fight. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that. Well, I'm a bounty hunter. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> what really works about um, the Emmy sequences is, is the sort of navigation, like getting away from them and then yeah. chasing you is really yes. good. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, the way that you take them out, like that, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't um, feel earned. Even when you finally do it, it's like, cool, I found a long hallway. Like, that's right, really exactly. all you have to, you yes. have to find a long hallway. Yeah. Um, that's like the one thing that's like, that stands out. But otherwise, yeah. just like yeah. five out of five. I, th- I think, I think the, yeah, the reason it, 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 impacted it more for me was like the game actually isn't doing that much so for one of the aspects yes, it stands that, out more yes yeah um but i agree i mean it's still one of the best games i played this year it's fucking yeah great. yeah absolutely wow. it's a cool video game Wow, I can't I can't believe this. Uh, number two for me is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Wow, oh my God. which was for almost all of the year <laughs> until I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. My number one. Uh, OK, which is pretty wild. I now have no idea what your number one. is. Right. <laughs> my, my, which which, which is thrilling. I don't make it clear. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thrilled by the virtual log right now. <laughs> the OK. The best way to describe why I think Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is number two for me, but could have easily been number one and was for a long time and should be more people's number ones, you know, regardless of the fact that like the PS5 is impossible to get, (laughs) not a very accessible game at the moment uh, because it's so hard to find. But like in a perfect world where everybody could play this game, I think this should be everybody's number one. (laughs) It reminds me so much of Uncharted 4, which Mm. is which is a game that came out in 2016 and I think was like snubbed across the board on a lot of lists. To be fair, there are a lot of great games that came out in 2016 as well. But Uncharted 4, to me, I played through it and was like, this game is actually so good that there's nothing to critique about it, we, really. Yeah, I remember. We, I think we had that in Games of the Decade. We're yes. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. We both love it, yeah. There's no discussion you can have about it because <laughs> it's just good. It just is good. And then, like, if you ha- if you try and talk about Uncharted 4, it's just, like, two people being like, yeah. You, you just end up eating peanut butter out of the jar. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm actually not saying anything. I'm just yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I think, the, like, maybe the only thing is, like, sometimes it's weird that Nathan Drake kills so many people. But, yeah. But, yeah. but at that point, you're at the fourth game. If you've signed on to play the fourth game, you're good to go. Yeah. You know that that's that was my vibe. first one, actually. Oh, yeah. Enough. Yeah. And it feels like it's a pretty good, like, first. Unch- I mean, I know it's yeah. questioning everything the first three games have done. I agree. But I, I think it's a perfect. You, you a, can catch up. Right. You don't need to know the first three stories to know that, like, he's done a lot of stuff and he has to kind of answer for it now. Yeah. I'll like, say, like, for it's me. It's also a prequel at the same. Like, there's a lot of stuff going yeah. on. In that oh, game. yeah. If you, if you, dear listener, are curious about Uncharted, I would say play four and Lost Legacy. And play the very beginning of two, and you're good. But that's all you have to play. <laughs> I was just about to. I was yeah. just about to say. I, I think uh, Uncharted Four is like you could just pretend that Uncharted Four is Uncharted One, and Lost Legacy is Uncharted Two. And yeah. Like, there you go. That's it. Set, yeah. He's got two great games. They yeah. also just re-released them on PS5, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the Legacy Collection. But I'm not here to talk about Uncharted. <laughs> Point being, I just I think that that game is so good that there's not a lot to talk about in a way. And I think Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is like almost that, but it's so good that there's a shitload to talk about as evidenced by the fact that you and I did a bonus about it. You just were very eloquent when talking about it when it was on your list. Um, I just think it's a game that like I, I can't find a flaw in at all. Hmm. Uh, I described the forgotten city as almost perfect. I think this game actually just is perfect. I just think this is a perfect video game. I would recommend it to literally everybody. I think everybody would have fun with it. I immediately finished it and started a new game plus. Hmm. I have played it now a second time. 
I I love this game so much. I love everything it's trying to do narratively. Uh, you've touched on most of it. I mean, it's just fucking good. I'm just eating peanut butter out of the jar, baby. <laughs> you know, like I also think going back to Psychonauts, when I was replaying stuff for the goatee list and yeah. replaying Ratchet and Clank, first of all, when I started replaying it, I ended up staying up until two in the morning getting all the Lombax lore. So yeah. I was like, it's gonna be high. Uh, <laughs> two is that this game feels like the dream of the N64. Yeah. It feels like what that whole like because Ratchet and Clank is sort of belonging to that PS2 era where Sony was making more, I guess, Nintendo-esque properties. Yeah. But it just feels like sort of the we need a Mario, damn it! Yeah, the character <laughs> and charm of 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 the settings and worlds of Banjo Kazooie kind of brought to life by the PS5, and yeah. I think also giving design utility is such a strength of the series because it's not just look at this cool world; every world plays differently, just like the weapons yeah. and the characters do. Yes, like the the world is almost an item at a certain point. Yeah, uh, which is kind of weird to say. It's like you're mine, but you know, like <laughs> flying around on a dragon versus using the magnet boots versus you know jetting around or you know more uncharted kind of like whoa, I'm sliding on a cutscene. You know, there's there's a lot of that kind of yeah, stuff. The fact that there's there's one bit. In particular which i think you're referring to where you are traveling around a, a level uh, around this big robot that's kind of like losing it and you need yeah. to help it kind of like regain itself that should have been terrible that <laughs> should have been like a turn your brain off this sucks like just get through it it's basically a cutscene <laughs> moment and instead is like thrilling it's yeah. like the only time ever that a scene like that has worked as well as it has <laughs> i think i was i'm i'm really floored by this game um and i think bringing up psychonauts is a great example because i mean of the two games like psychonauts is i think great mechanically but its strength is narrative and i don't i don't think i could pick one for ratchet and clank yeah. i think it just like they just nailed everything. They work mm. so well together. I think Insomniac has really proven themselves as good storytellers. That was that yeah. was the most surprising thing about Marvel Spider-Man. Was yeah. like, yes, swinging is fun, but it's like, oh, whoops, this is one of the best Spider-Man stories. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that gives equal weight to Peter Parker. You yeah. know, yeah. I think that they they seem to understand duality really well, mm. as evidenced by this game as well. I mean, you yeah. know, Rivet and Ratchet being almost sort of like reflections of each other. Right. A hero that has one too much that it's almost lost its meaning yeah and a hero like that boring. is yet to win and is sort of losing herself in the process yeah a villain that always loses a villain that can't be satisfied by winning the line where dr nefarious tells emperor nefarious you've equated happiness with success is is <laughs> the best line in fiction yeah because uh, he's like he just he gets immediately shoved out of the way oh my god i yeah. was also watching deep space nine a lot while i played this <laughs> And the fact that um, the actor who plays Quark is Dr. Nefarious. They yeah, yeah. got a Quark this year. Um, <laughs> this game is wonderful. I think it's it's going to be like an all-timer. You know, I, think I think so too. Yeah, I think it's gonna, like whenever people make a list in 10 years of like best PlayStation games, best PS5 games, this will have to be. Right. And I, yeah, you and I have talked about this a lot in the episodes we talked about in the bonus and stuff. But like eventually everyone who wants a PS5 will get their hands on one. And I imagine this game will start to be like bundled with the PS5 right. or there will be some kind of Game Pass adjacent thing, as we've been hearing rumors of at this point. Like everybody's going to be able to play this game eventually. They're going to be like, what the fuck was everybody thinking? Yeah. It's weird how this wasn't a bigger deal. Yeah. And I think it really is just because it's hard to get a PS5. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, so th yeah. this game was number one for me for most of the year until a couple weeks ago, mm. because I 
I was like, I don't want to Uncharted for myself again. And I have like, <laughs> have like a deep regret that I didn't bring this game up just because it like wasn't as interesting to talk about. But I think I think in replaying it, it was like, oh my god, this like it really is. It really is the complete package, and and there's there's a lot of depth. It's also just like what I want to see from AAA. Like yeah. I think we talked about this a bit last week, where it's like I think that you know it, it's easy to sort of like act like AAA is all one thing, but it's like there's a place for like blockbuster stuff. I would love to see more stuff, not necessarily like this, but just like, this is so atypical of what we normally see. Yeah. Mm. You know, bright and colorful and like with heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like weirdly enough, like I think AAA should be where we see more risks because there's mm. more money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why not try things out if you have like infinite resources? I know that's not the case, but like <laughs> uh, it's a great game. Is it number one for me? We're at number ones, but I think... We have stuff to do. We have things to do. Oh. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We have some stuff to do. Uh, Yeah. First, before we do our Game of the Years, we're going to reveal the results of the Discord Game of the Year. I'm um, so fucking excited to hear this. Yeah, so I, I gave the results. <laughs> you hyped to, me up for like two hours of driving to Philadelphia <laughs> yesterday about the Discord. Yeah, so AJ, um, yeah. give us five to one the 2021 results of the Discord. The 2021 um, results. Yeah. Give us just the games first, and then we can go into sure. the, the, the metrics after. Sure. Uh, so fifth place Discord Game of the Year is uh, Wildermyth. Wildermyth? Wildermyth. 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 Yeah. Wow. Uh, number four is Deathloop. Surprising, wow. yeah. Uh, number three, Resident Evil Village. Oh my god. Number two, Inscription. Hmm. Number two, Inscription. Number two, Inscription. Number one, Metroid Dread. Oh, holy shit. By a lot. By by a, a fair margin, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. if you don't, so the thing with the metrics here, so I also sent you last year's. Yes. La, so last year we got around. <laughs> last year's is really funny. Yeah, you actually read last year's before I go Yeah, so it. last year's uh, fifth to first, 13 Sentinels. Last of Us Part 2, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Animal Crossing New Horizon, Hades. Yeah. Hades. Now, I want to share a metric with you, and then I want you to give me numbers back. <laughs> so, last year, I know for a fact that we had around 60 votes. Mm-hmm. How many votes did Hades get? Now, this is just, they're somewhere in your top five. Yeah. 42. So, like, almost <laughs> everyone had Hades somewhere in their top five. Wow, yeah. yeah. And the total points was what? 189. Yes. So, first place <laughs> is five, second place four, and so on. So, basically, Hades... And Animal Crossing both had like a lot, and then everything yeah. else I think was like 189, oh, 126 for Hades and Animal Crossing, and then Final Fantasy, Last of Us, and 13 Sentinels are 45, 27, 23. Yeah, so, so it was it I was very that. concentrated towards the top. Right. Whereas this year, if you don't mind sharing, yeah, uh, this year uh, Metroid Dread got a total of 29 votes, and Inscription got a total of 18 votes out of 91. Yeah. So and then uh, the the number scores, uh, Metroid Dread's 92, Inscription 69. Nice. Uh, and then Resident <laughs> Evil, Deathloop, Wildermyth are 45, 43, 41. Wow. So, so it's much closer. But the thing, yeah. the thing that really helped Metroid Dread was that like it was in everyone's top five. Yeah. Like almost. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone had it somewhere. Inscription, if it showed up, was number one, which is why it's second. Because mm, like interesting. if you played Inscription, it was likely your number one choice. And that's another regret. Like I really wish I had an ability to play that game this yeah, year. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah. maybe, That feels maybe, weird to call it a regret because it's not your fault that you have a Macintosh. Is it? Uh, no, I... I, I <laughs> It's, it's, not a, it's not a sincere regret. I just wish yeah, I got yeah, to play it. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know where it would have been because I haven't played it, but one day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We can't play everything. Come on. Can't play everything. Uh, so that's the wow. Discord yeah, Discord game of the year, Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread is the Discord game of the year. That's wild. So already different from the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, very that, exciting. That's very interesting. So the four-way tie has been broken. Yeah. Uh, the Discord has spoken. They're like, enough is enough. Enough is enough. <laughs> 2021 is the year. Wow. What a wild card year this has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I want to say there were a lot of games that like every time one person voted, it would change the bottom three because <laughs> like there were so many games that had around like 25 to 30 points Yeah, that like um, like unpacking was on there for a bit yeah. um, as well as Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Like a lot of stuff was like kind of floating around there. Yeah. Uh, Forza as well. Mm. Was naming honorable mentions for the discord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you all for voting. Again, we had the most votes this year. It's always yeah. fun to do that. Yeah. Love uh, doing this. That is tradition. We'll do that again next year. Yeah. Every year, forever. <laughs> forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Even after the show is over. We'll yeah, just, AJ will show up. Hey, thanks for voting. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Ratchet and Clank 4, uh, the moon's on fire. Um, <laughs> all right. Is it, wow. is, is it number one time? I was thinking well, about giving something away. Brendan, what are we giving away? I have a xbox elite 2 controller <gasps> Ooh. uh that i would like to give away to a listener okay i thought this would be a good place to bury the giveaway yes we didn't mention <laughs> it anywhere you have to have listened through all of this yeah yeah we'll set up the chapter marker so you have to have listened to the discord segment at least yeah to be what? hearing this yeah <laughs> i don't know what that sound my mouth made was yes <laughs> it sounded like, that was like a, a minecraft like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> The point Whoa. being, if you're listening to this, uh, that mean that means that you are eligible for the giveaway. My pl- I will ship it literally anywhere in the world, uh, so everyone is eligible for this. But I think we need to do a, a patented classic ITA giveaway where you have to tweet at us something. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it needs to be something that's different for everyone, like like a favorite something or so. I don't know because I feel like if we if people just start tweeting at us like a phrase, then so anybody could just piggyback on that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Interesting, interesting, interesting. I, feel I like don't we, like confusing it though. I get where you're that's coming also from. True. I have an idea. Okay, what is it? Pick pick an object of IKEA furniture <laughs> and and tweet us an image. Of the IKEA furniture, mm-hmm. and if you do that, you will be eligible for this giveaway. Again, this is an ele- <laughs> this is an Xbox Elite controller version two, new in box, has all the stuff. Yeah. So if you have an Xbox or if you have a PC, I mean, it it works with pretty much everything, which is one of the wonderful things about it. But uh, it's a great controller. I've talked about it so fucking much. Uh, I love it a lot, and I think it's one of the reasons I played so much Xbox. So I would like to give another one away to somebody else. So they can have the same great experience I've had with back paddles, baby. That's very generous <laughs> of you. So again. Send us a picture of Ikea furniture and I'm going to add purposely say nothing else. I just want a picture of Ikea furniture yes. into the cast. Add into the cast. Nothing else. Leave it as a complete non sequitur. <laughs> this is my dream. Does that work for you? I love it. Man. Yeah. I think it's the I, think I awesome. and ITA stands for Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> Ikea the ad. <laughs> Actually, you can... No, just say nothing. (laughs) If you put a bit in your tweet, ineligible. Yeah, Yeah, it it will be cast aside. Images only. We'll just send you that IKEA furniture. You won't get the backpack. You'll just get whatever that is. Uh, Just just also to be clear, make sure you're following uh, into the cast, because if you are not, then I can't DM you. Right. Uh, So... That's also part of the deal, I guess. So IKEA furniture into the cast and uh, you will be a candidate for this lovely 
Xbox Elite controller. Back paddles. Version 2. Version, version two. 2. Excuse me. Ooh. Almost thought it was version 1. I know. Uh, hey, don't get that mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great controller. Amazing. Was that was that everything? That's, That's everything. everything. Wow. We're Which, here. Metroid Which Dread. Metroid, Metroid Dread, Dread. Game of the Year. A round of applause for Metroid Dread yeah. getting Game you're, of the Year. You're number Discord. two. My number two. You're number six. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wild. it's still a good place. It just doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We're here. Number one. Now, this is my game of the year. I okay. actually have no clue what yours is. My game of the year for 2021 is Chicory, A Colorful oh, Tale. Oh, wow. It is that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it is that. Um, this was also my game of the year for most of the year. Uh, wow. I think it came out in June, like halfway through the year. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty much immediately like, yeah, this is going to be it. Um, Metro mm. Drake came out and I, I flirted with that for a bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, nah, it's going to be the discords. I had a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> but uh Chicory is just the game that spoke to me the most on a personal level. Mm. I think there's just so much to admire about it. And it's the kind of game that I look forward to covering for this show. I think that there's so much that I can gush about. It's definitely a jar of peanut butter in some ways, but also I can be specific. (laughs) So it's helpful. The game is essentially sort of like a top-down Zelda, but you replace the tools Link usually finds with a paintbrush. Mm. Kind of like Okami does certain actions when you paint. So early on, I think uh, the first part you get is like a glow-in-the-dark type feature. Yeah. Um, The other one that I really loved is sort of like Splatoon, where you can swim in the paint. So then mechanically, the puzzles and the navigation are really fun. There's one puzzle that I hate that involves (laughs) hermit crabs that follow a trail of paint. Mm. That's my one complaint. It's out there. We can move on. Um, (laughs) But I I found so that that sort of material aspect of the game I really liked. It's structured like a coloring book. So the game is essentially allowing you at any point to just freely color it as well. So there's sort of this Zelda aspect to it meshed with a coloring book. The the narrative is really, I think, what sealed the deal for me because it's essentially a story about imposter syndrome. And I think... Again, this is yet another game that I think balances tone really well, where the the appearance and the music and the atmosphere are all really bright and colorful, despite the fact that all color has vanished from this world. Yeah. Um, but it's not afraid to get heavy in a way that still works. I think that a lot of the game tackles characters fighting doubt in these like really intense boss battles just incredible music yeah the first time I think the, yeah I think the first boss fight is like a big holy shit moment for everybody who yeah. plays it's like i didn't think that the game was capable of this i think i think there was a pitfall where the game could have gotten too dark but it maintains yeah a balance really well I, I think it puts a lot of feelings into words in a way that i haven't seen a lot of media do hmm. and i think the really important thing that i i want to stress about this game is that you don't need to be an artist to connect with it yeah i think this game is really largely about the perceptions of people who create and the stress and toll that they take on themselves. I think the game brilliantly makes you draw for other people and the reaction of other NPCs in the game is always positive. People be like, can you design my donut shop logo? And you'll be like, oh cool, it looks great. Like no matter what you do, they're (laughs) happy. You have to sit with your own feelings. Right. And the relationship between, in my case, the dog was named Muffins, the main character is named after your favorite food. (laughs) Uh the relationship between the protagonist and Chicory, who is this mentor figure who is like going through a lot of shit 
the way that those characters help each other and the way that that relationship grows and changes is so authentic. I mean, this game could have felt very forced and mm. very cheap. Yeah. And it never does. And it results in, without spoiling it, I think that the the game has an answer for a lot of the questions it's bringing up. This idea that in this fantasy world, there's a role called the wielder, who is this sort of chosen one artist that brings all color to the land. And the fact that it's this sort of gate-kept, heralded position is bullshit. And the mm. game kind of calls that out. It's yeah. like, it's not something that only one person can do it's something that all of us have the power within us. There, mm. There's one line I'll spoil where there's a point where Chicory asks, like, when you gave me, because Chicory is originally the janitor for, no, excuse me, Muffins, the dog, mm. is originally the janitor for Chicory, who's the current wielder at the beginning of the game. And you end up with the brush, and that's sort of the beginning of the journey. You have King Arthur's sword kind of thing. <laughs> um and there's a point later on where where the protagonist asks Chicory, like, did you actually believe in me when you gave me the brush or could you just not deal with it anymore? And Chicory says, like, yo, you took it. Yeah. You didn't ask me. Yeah. I didn't give it to you. You just took it and ran with it. And I think that that illustrates the beginning of any creative project so well. It's not something you ask permission for. It's not something that someone grants you. You do it for yourself and you have no clue what it is while you're doing it. But that's the fun part of it. Mm. The fact that this game talks about that in a way that's like inviting and open, I, I just I just really was inspired by this game and I'm tearing up talking about it, which is usually what happens with my number one picks. <laughs> uh, if it makes me cry, it's probably number one. Yeah. Um, but the finale of this game is like one of the most beautiful and exciting things I've seen in a game. Highly recommend. My other complaint, though, is that I didn't find the paint bucket tool until I beat the game. (laughs) And that would have made it way easier to paint a lot of the environments. But uh, I think that there are games on this list that may be more ambitious mechanically or maybe like dive deeper in certain areas. But there was no game that married narrative with mechanics and like moved me on this level Mm. so even though we've said multiple times there wasn't like a standout hit for this year Mm. this was so clearly my favorite game and it's gonna be one of my favorite games i mean it is one of my favorite games it will be something that i revisit often yeah nice chicory is my game of the year nice first of all that was beautiful thank Thank you thank you uh second of all as of the day before this recording it's now available on the nintendo switch so it's on everything uh i think well i guess not xbox but you have no excuse pretty much (laughs) just (laughs) go play this game it's it's fucking great uh (laughs) i so i didn't finish chicory yeah in time for this i was hopeful with the indie world coming up that it would come out on switch and i was like if it's coming to switch that is where i'm going to play it and then it did and i've downloaded it so i'm going to play it again i've started it three times now yeah i've started it on mac on ps5 and now again on switch um and i'm excited to finish it and i i feel like every year there's always the one game that i like kick myself about i feel like for you now it's psychonauts and for me it's definitely gonna be chicory it was still for games i didn't get that far in it was still really high on my list of the 56 games i think it's like in the top 20 yeah still and I only played like maybe four hours. Yeah. Um, I think this is one where I think you should see it through. Yeah. Like there are games where I don't think you have to beat it to know. Like SMT five, I think is like, you got it. Like, yes. You got a taste of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But this one I think it really comes together with what it's trying to say in the in the finale. It's just so fucking cool. It's a real like I I never thought that this game would have cool boss fights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's like somehow They're one really of the ambitious. Yeah. yeah. And I I think the game as a whole is really ambitious. I remember I remember first seeing it unveiled at 
like a direct or something at some point um, and just being like totally swept up in it. And I, I couldn't believe how well it worked. I mean, the music is just oh, stunning. God, yeah, it's really good. All the art is great. It's amazing. Like if the thing is like the adult coloring book world, that's like a whole uh, it's a whole like business venture that has existed for a long time. And I always thought it was like kind of silly. And then I was gifted one at some point. I was like, this is a funny gift. And then ended up being like, oh, I, I love this. Yeah. So to marry that with a video game about creativity and about kind of like meditation and introspection in a way, I think is really powerful and like kind of a surprising move. I think like to run around an adult coloring book and ask yourselves the kinds of questions that you're supposed to ask yourselves while actually doing one is like really beautiful. But at the end of the day, it's like just another like flex of writing as well. It really it 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 has it all. It's it's a very good video game. Whenever in the brief period where Metroid Dread was one, I was like, this also is good, but it's got to be chicory for all the reasons you just highlighted. It's it's really great. It, go go play Chicory. Like, yeah, as soon as possible. Was it Polygon's number one also? I think Inscription was. I think it was number two for Polygon. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Number yeah. one. It's number one. Chicory. It feels was, good to let it out. I was wondering where it was going to be on your list, and uh, when we when we got to number two, I was unsure if it was going to yeah make it there. Wow. It's all out. It's all in the open. Hey everyone, it's Will. I am on a New York City rooftop, staring out at the Manhattan skyline, and the sky above it is really beautiful. Looks like someone painted it. It's windy and pretty and noisy and loud, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, My game of the year this year is Chicory. I really appreciated the way it let me paint the world in all the pretty colors I wanted to. And how candid it was about art. And how natural it can be and how draining it can be. It's also just a good game. The soundtrack ruled. Loved my little burgers, which is what I named the character. Good stuff. Thanks, Into the Aether. Brendan, Stephen, AJ, love you. See you real soon. It's nerve-wracking, isn't it? It is nerve-wracking. Usually, it's, yeah. <laughs> Usually it's like, and it's three houses. You knew it already. We love Edelgard. Good night. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this before I reveal my, what my number one is. I think you and I very much had a similar outlook. And I've said this now many, many times, but I'm going to say it again before my number one is I, I think you and I took an approach for this year where like your number one pick of the year is maybe not like the actual best game of the year, but it's the one that resonated with you the most or the one that you thought the most about or feel the most about for whatever reason. And for a long time, I, I didn't, I didn't know what my number one was going to be, if not Ratchet and Clank, because nothing really held a candle to it. And I realized at a certain point that the thing that I had at number two for the whole year was actually my number one. And that's Monster Hunter Rise. Oh my God. Oh, wow. I'm shocked. Damn. What did you think it was? Uh, my guess was going to be unpacking, just because I was playing it recently and you made a video about it. So. Unpacking is really fucking good. Yeah. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise, wow. Monster cool. Hunter Rise, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so look, first of all, I, I mentioned this earlier. I, I didn't say, I didn't, we just skated right by. I was very happy. You talked about it and then I didn't say anything and then we just moved on. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I know that it's like, this didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I, I've been a longtime Monster Hunter fan. Yeah. Um, and I think the dream of anyone who likes a franchise like this is that one day everyone will also realize the thing you love is great. Yes. And I think that that happened with Monster Hunter Rise. Like, I spent so much time, so much more time playing this than I thought I was going to because, like, I everyone I knew was playing it. And people that I never, ever thought would be interested in Monster Hunter also picked it up out of curiosity. It, it had strangely Animal Crossing-y buzz this year. For a franchise that like absolutely has no right to have Animal Crossing ebooks, <laughs> which I, I think it's back to you and I talking about it as like a paradoxically cozy video game, but there yeah. is something about it that is kind of meditative. There's something about it that like really pulls you in, even if you don't think you're going to be a person who's like someone that's going to get into the idea of Dark Souls adjacent fucking combat yeah. and like <laughs> killing big lizards. Like, yeah. Something about hanging out in this village and like taking all the spoils of hunting and, and turning them into something better and 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 making your armor look exactly the way you want and hanging out with your friends like on the balcony overlooking a beautiful lake and like taking stupid pictures with your dog. Yeah. Eating dongo with cats. Eating dongo with cats. Yeah. Th those moments are my favorite moments of the whole year. Yeah. Are like being online with my friends hanging out in the world of Monster Hunter Rise and just fucking chilling. Uh, th that's the thing that brings it, I, I think, to number one for me, because the game itself, as I alluded to before when you brought it up, is about community. It's about togetherness, and, and it's about stepping up to the plate and making the place you live a better place, you know, by, by doing whatever it is that you're best at. It's about community, and at the end of the day, the fact that this is maybe the first ever Nintendo game to have good online functionality... <laughs> That needs to be really stressed. Yes. Yeah. It, it's really so good, good that you forget about it. And it's like, dude, this is the switch. You have to get like a social security number to right. add someone as a yes. friend. Right. We, we did a stream once and yeah. I remember you commenting that was like, it's amazing that you didn't realize Steven had joined your village. Because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't yeah. like a cutscene or whatever. Yeah, it like, wasn't a 10 minute plane ride. You, you right. were just yeah. like, hey. And then you were like doing a pose behind me. <laughs> and I didn't even realize that you had joined at that point. And like, because this is the first ever game to have good Nintendo online functionality. It meant that it finally married the multiplayer and single player elements of Monster Hunter. Also the fact that everybody I knew was playing it. I had community all around, which was really wonderful and something that I like desperately needed this year specifically. Yeah. I think as we continue to go through the pandemic, like games like this and moments like this need to be cherished and captured. And and at the end of the day, when I was looking at my list, I was like, dude, this the time I spent in Monster Hunter with my friends is my game of the year like even fuck what the game is just the mm. fact that i got to hang out with the people i love yeah the, the experience it, you had yeah is the thing that i think rose to the top over all else like ratchet and clank is a perfect video game but i i didn't play it with my friends yeah i love that it seems like it captured a lot of what you used to like about destiny in a way yeah where it has that sort of like chill let's try on different clothes yeah. and let them go <laughs> on an adventure yeah but without the stress yeah it's um, a hangout yeah it's yeah. a hangout I, I agree. This is definitely one of my favorite multiplayer experiences and like is one that I look back on nostalgically, even though it was like six months ago. Yes. You know, I'm like, as you were oh, saying, people yeah. forgot that it came out this year. Yeah. And I, I like really couldn't forget that it came out this year because I kept thinking to myself, I'm so excited for that expansion to come out. Oh, that's that's going to be it. I yeah. think I think that's going to really seal the deal if it hasn't already been yeah. sealed. Monster Hunter Rise. Wow. My game of the Good year. Pick. Coming to PC soon, I think also. Oh, if it's a, not there, there going to be cross play or no? I don't think so. Yeah, that makes sense. But whatever. We'll play on Switch. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> That's my game of the year. Wow. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Round of applause for uh, Monster Hunter. Yeah, Monster Hunter oh. Rise. Rose to the top. Yeah, what? what is this? <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, everybody, for coming to the Game of the Year. Congratulations. with the Frog of the Week podcast, and I would like to share my 2021 gaming experience of the year. Um, Now Animal Crossing New Horizons dropped in 2020, but the DLC dropped this year, so it counts. And the reason I picked Animal Crossing um, is just because not only the nostalgia from playing on GameCube, but all the memories that I made with my friends. I I reconnected with a friend that I hadn't spoken to in several years, just staying up until 2 a.m. exploiting the stock market with her, um, and then sharing silly little interactions with villagers, like Tangy complaining about the the modern grind, um, which we all get a kick out of. Um, Anyway, I think I learned that uh, Animal Crossing is just, it's not even about the 700 plus hour island journey. It's really about all the friends and the memories that we made along the way. That's it. Those are the lists. That's wow. It. Should so, we go through the lists again? Yeah, sure. You want to go through uh, 10 to 1 on your end and I'll do mine? All right. I'll go. Number 10, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Number 9, Lake. Number 8, Halo Infinite. Number 7, Forza Horizon 5. Number 6, Metroid Dread. Number 5, Tender Creature Comforts. Number 4, Psychonauts 2. Number 3, The Forgotten City. Number 2, Ratchet and Clank. Rift Apart. And number one, Monster Hunter Rise for the Nintendo Switch. I love that. Mine is number 10, League of Legends Wild Rift. Number nine Don't is... Don't laugh. You loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy. Number 10 is League of Legends Wild Rift. Number nine is Guilty Gear Strive. Number eight is Wildermyth. Number seven is Monster Hunter Rise. Number six is Resident Evil Village. Five, The Forgotten City. Four, SMT5. Three, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Two, Metroid Dread. And one chicory, a colorful tale. This That's is gonna it. be a hard <laughs> top five to put together, huh? Uh, before we go into that, do you want to do honorable mentions? I would love to do honorable mentions. Yeah. Should we should we take a quick break and then uh yeah, let's do, that. do that? Take sure. a quick break, we'll do honorable mentions and then the top five for the aether. Ooh. Wow. <gasps> See you soon. Bye. Dear listener, we are back. And now we have some honorable mentions we want to share with you. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Um, how you want to do this? You want to alternate? AJ, AJ had a stand, had a had an open sure go toy. Yeah, that, I uh, had. I a, think would be a good kickoff for this. Totally. Yeah. Um. This isn't actually a go toy. This is one of my two goatees. Yeah. Uh. Because I played Metroid Dread this year from from this year, and mm. I also played Unpacking. Yeah. A lovely, lovely little game. Yeah. Uh. On Game Pass. So if you have Xbox Game Pass, you should pick it up and play it. Totally. Yes. I don't know how much more I have left. I've played it for about. Four hours now, mm. I want to say. Um, and basically the whole conceit of the game is you unpack boxes and that's the whole game. Yeah. Um, but it really uh, uh, and Brendan made a video about this on on uh, his TikTok. Uh, it's video games. Uh, so go check that out. Um, but brings up this point that it's like there is no story really being told to you like through words or anything. Yeah. But there is a story being told to you through the boxes and through the things that you are unpacking. I think that story is really good and interesting and worth experiencing. Yeah. So that, that is, that is my, my goatee unpacking. Yeah. Or one of my goatees. It's a great game. I really, I think they capture the, cause you're going through different 
homes throughout a person's life. Right. And I love like seeing things pop up multiple yeah, times. That's th- there's, there's so many little touches in this game that make it feel more real. Like as you're unpacking things, like you'll there, sometimes there are different rooms, right? So you'll be unpacking the stuff in the bedroom and the stuff in the kitchen, the stuff in the bathroom. And then all of a sudden out of the bathroom box, you'll pull like a shoe. And it's just, it, it's so like, if you've ever moved a place, yeah. you have forgotten a shoe or a shirt or something. And you're like, Oh, I'll just throw it in this open box, right. whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're unpacking your bathroom things and you're like, Oh, here's that hat I've been looking for, like whatever. And it's just, it's such a little thing and it's, it's, I don't know, kind of meaningless, I guess, but it's just, it it makes the game feel so much more grounded in reality, which I think really just lends itself to the story in general. Yeah. So there's a villain in it. There is a villain. (laughs) There's a villain. There's a villain in it. And man, what a villain. (laughs) What a fucking villain. God. I think it really, I mean, I think unpacking is, is such a, um, routine thing one has to do yeah that is accidentally emotional yeah and the game i think like really kind of puts a spotlight on that process yeah. mm-hmm. um it almost revels in it yeah. yeah i yeah i mean moving always fucks me up yeah and i've yeah. done it a lot uh <laughs> so i'm always fucked up <laughs> that's brendan brendan fucked up bigly that's what they say brendan <laughs> unpacking bigly uh yeah i <laughs> I, I loved unpacking. I, I thought it was really great. It's yeah. a wonderful game. Yeah. Um, it was <laughs> pretty low on my list, which <laughs> I feel bad about now. But I mean, I'm, I wouldn't have moved it looking at the rest of this list. Yeah. Um, which I should mention, I have the, I have this big list. It's going to be available on um, on backlogged by the time this comes out. So I'll, I'll put that list uh, or link to the list in the show notes. I'll put yours. I imagine you will have one. Yeah, I'll have mine on my profile. Yeah, I'll as well. Time. And if you want to have one, I have a backlogged account. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I if have, you want to make the list, I'll put, uh, yeah, I'll I put it in I the show notes. I've, you I've talked to, about some go-to. Also, yeah. on my backlogged, I have all my top tens from the previous years and yeah. our Game Boy Advance episodes. So they're all they're all there. Yeah, same. Yeah. So you can check all that out. Yeah. All right. Steven, do you have any do you have any honorable mentions you want to bring up? I do. I have five. Should I just do them all at once or should we alternate? Um, yeah, do them all. Because my my plan was to go from 11 through 20. I mean, not again, we're not going to like go yeah, as long yeah. on all of these games as we just did. I think you else. and I had different methods of getting honorable mentions. So yes. I think it might be better to just like do it all at once. I think so, too. Because basically what I did is I would like you, I would write down any game throughout the year that like I liked. Yeah. And then, like, as I got closer, I would look at it and, like, be kind of honest. Like, okay, like, what do I want to go back to? Like, what do I want to play? Mm-hmm. If I did revisit it, I would move things around. Mm-hmm. And then I would sort of, like, cut it down. And and usually I'd end up with, like, 15 games by this time of year. Yeah. So these were games that I don't necessarily have numbered. But these were all games that were at one point in time on the list. On the top ten. And I had to shuffle on and off a long time. Cool. Two, I think, are kind of connected in some ways uh, and i think you might resonate with this oh i i, I think i have a guess it's uh tales of arise and scarlet, <laughs> scarlet nexus, nexus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally um i really really wanted to put one or both of these games yeah. on my list wait we, we have a bonus about both these games and usually yeah. usually when we do a bonus it means we really love it so that, again yeah. another testament to how hard it is to make these lists scarlet nexus i think is one of the most ambitious games i played this year and fucking rules <laughs> In so many ways, but ultimately, I think that when comparing it to other games, the the A plot does hold it back. Mm, um, yeah. I think that that game excels at the combat and the appearance of the world. The characters are great. The sort of slice of life moments are really good. I think it's a we said this on the bonus, but like our thesis of that bonus is 
we can't wait for Scarlet Nexus 2. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to one that like they set a great foundation for a new series. Yeah. Mm. I really hope Bandai Namco like tries it again because I think that like they definitely seem to be trying to make like a sort of like sci-fi tales series alongside tales. And I need to see what Kasane is up to next. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to see a sequel. And Tales of Arise is like half. This is one of the best RPGs of the year and half. What am I watching? Yeah. So it was hard. Whenever I put it on my list, it was hard to really justify its placement. But another game that like was one that I absolutely adored my time with and felt very conflicted about. Ultimately, I think Starlight Nexus is more consistent. Like the flaws are up front. <laughs> so like you you kind of know what you're getting into. And I think it sticks the landing better than Tales of Arise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tales of Arise, I think, has moments of brilliance that are followed by like complete fumbles. So ultimately, I think they're both really ambitious attempts at something that like I know is setting a good foundation for the future. Yeah. The thing about Tales of Arise is, and and just to be clear, this is usually not how games are made, but it it feels like they started making the whole game from the beginning and went forwards and the further in they went, the less resources they had to do it. And I know that's not actually the reality of game development, but like that's what it feels like because it really does slowly lose its way to the point of it overstaying its welcome in both narrative and combat which is like an exhilarating thing for so long and then by the time i was in what is the post game of that i was like so drained i put everything on auto the whole game I put on auto. <laughs> I didn't do the combat anymore. I would just get into fights when they asked me to get into fights. And then I would just let go of the controller and like check Twitter. <laughs> and then when the fight was over, I'd be like, cool, cutscene. And that was that was the end of the game for me. And that was such Oof. a fucking bummer to like yeah. hit that point. Because um, as we talked about in the bonus and in the f- our first couple episodes about it, like this was a Dragon Quest Eleven like success for me for such a long time. It was, I, yeah. I thought this was going to be it. These two games flip flopped all over my list for so long, and wildly enough, they ended up right next to each other. I have them at seventeen and eighteen respectively. Yeah. Uh, Tales of Arise at seventeen, Scarlet Nexus still really high at eighteen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that just goes to show how wonderful both of these games are. Yeah. Tales of Arise, I just think, has higher highs overall than Scarlet Nexus did. As you said, Scarlet Nexus is consistent and is like dropping the ball over and over again along the way, but like is generally pretty good. Tales of Arise is like ascendant for a long time and then fucks up. Yeah. Um, and, and I just will remember those hours of Tales of Arise more fondly than the overall of Scarlet Nexus until there's a sequel, which is what I'm really excited for. Exactly. Yeah. I think with Scarlet Nexus too, I don't think the dual protagonist thing paid off. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've played Kasane's story and I started Yuito's. Yeah. And like I enjoyed the the different cast, yeah. but ultimately it would have been better if they just were together. Like I don't think I it agree. really worked as well as they wanted it to. Yeah. yeah, but still fantastic games, and we're like I really wanted to put them on the list. Uh, my other one is Delta Rune Chapter Two, mm. oh, um, yeah. which is just wonderful. Like, I don't have any notes for Toby <laughs> <laughs> on that. I just it's hard to really rank it because it's so it's still so early in that project, and mm. like it's been two chapters of what we now know will be seven. So it's hard to really gauge. Like yeah. I still don't really fully know where it's going, sure. or or what the full package will be. So it's as if like, I played like the first Lord of Tales of Arise and yeah. I tried to make an opinion on well, that. It's like what right. six hours of game or something total, something like that. Less. Oh, Less. yeah, no, you're. I think you're right. Like six to eight. Yeah. I, I think uh, depending on how you play, Delta Rune Chapter One and Two are both like four hours yeah so you're like mm. just getting into it yeah yeah and it's really good yeah. i'm really impressed by what's there especially chapter two is definitely like 
even more interesting than chapter one. Mm. It's just a hard thing to really gauge. Sure. Um, so I'm so conflicted about that game because as much as I want to get on board and like play it chapter by chapter as it comes out, the other part of me is like, I just want to wait for it to be done. I think yeah. before I get into it. As someone who is playing it as it comes out, I I think you're making the move because mm. there's so much that's still unclear. That like you can get a little bit too in your head about like what it's doing that yeah. you might set yourself up for disappointment. Interesting. But ultimately, if I trust anyone with like anything, it's Stubby Fox. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think it will be a miraculous thing once it's done. I'm just sort of waiting for the kind of like Kentucky at Zero. I'm like waiting for the full thing to like kind of properly yeah. engage mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But that was a great game. Other uh, two honorable mentions are actually pieces of DLC that I just like didn't count because of that. Sure. But Happy Home Paradise is like that alongside the Animal Crossing update just completely revived my interest in Animal Crossing Mm, Um, and like is a remarkable game folded into a a remarkable game (laughs) Uh, so like that like I was I was deeply considering putting that on the list but I just thought like I'd shout it out separately because have you finished it yet I haven't Uh, you're gonna lose your mind do you know how it ends no you're gonna lose your mind (laughs) you kill Tom Nook you kill Tom Nook finally finally Um, stake through the stake through the heart Um, it's like that victory like you paid off your house but you're holding Tom's head (laughs) Um, I, I literally teared up at the end of Happy Home I can't Paradise. wait. Oh, wow. It's really good. It's it's a, it's just a great, like, they even though, like, I know it's kind of bittersweet, they said this is the last Animal Crossing update, like, I get why. Yeah. Because they've basically set the foundation for it to be an endless A forever thing. game, yeah. The other piece of DLC is FF7 Remake Intergrade Intermission, starring <laughs> Yuffie. Again, kind of a similar thing. It's, like, more of a game we loved from last year. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think this, this DLC... While the story was fine, I think what they've done really well is they've like, they've really successfully characterized Yuffie yeah. and introduced her in a way more meaningful way than the original did. Yeah. So this is like another example of the remake kind of surpassing the original. Mm-hmm. And like Yuffie was just such a great, like immediate star of the cast. And I can't wait to see her like reunite with the core cast when uh, part two comes out in 2025. Um, <laughs> so. I, I never finished it. And the main reason is that I was in the middle of playing Final Fantasy VII Remake again, and then Intermission came out, and I was like, cool, let's do it. And I was like, I have had too much of this game in a short period of time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, like, taking a break. It's going to be my, like, 2022, like, It's, can't it's nice. It it's like a six-hour game. Honestly, I, I, I almost wish this one was a little longer, because mm. yeah. I liked Yuffie as a star, and I liked um, the relationship it's focused on feels a little rushed. Yeah. And like they incorporate villains from Dirge of Cerberus, which I don't know <laughs> who wants that, but yeah. like it's fine. It's fun. The yeah. Dirge heads. Uh, yeah. The Dirge heads. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately it was a really nice package and I think it's giving me more confidence in what follows. Yeah. I think the way this ends without spoiling, it does tease what's to come. Sure. Cool. And I'm excited cool. even more than I was. Oh cool, my cool, God. Cool. Yeah. Wow. I'm so excited. We're going to lose our minds. I yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's, that's your. That's it. The other one was list. Legendary Edition, but we already kind of covered that. Yeah, totally. Um, I'll go through my list pretty quick. Uh, I'll go through 11 through 20, uh, and I'll, I'll do them in that order. Number 11 for me was Resident Evil Village, mm. as I mentioned. Pretty close being on the list. It was flip-flopping with Guardians of the Galaxy over and over again. And uh, you know where my loyalties lie. No, I, I just... Uh, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, I think Village has more missteps than Guardians does, weirdly. Yeah, I can um, see that. I, I think it's more consistent with what's good about it. Yeah. 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 I agree. So uh, so that made it to 11. Number 12, Pikmin Bloom. I was nice. expecting this to make it. I yeah. was surprised it didn't make it. It, yeah. was, it was number 10 for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then it started flip-flopping, and then I played Lake, and every, <laughs> everything changed. And the Pikmin <laughs> Everything changed. <laughs> um, 
Pikmin Bloom, I, I talked about this a lot on the episode uh, when it came out, but the thing about Pikmin Bloom and the reason it was on my top 10 for so long was I haven't played many games that are designed from the ground up just to make you happy. Mm. And I don't mean like I want you to have fun, but like it actually wants to change your life for the better. It wants you to get up and walk. It wants you to keep track of your of your moods and ask yourself questions about why you feel certain ways on certain days. It asks you to take a picture every day and then puts it in a scrapbook for you, which is a thing I already do, um, but is now like built into this app. It just like is all the things that I kind of wanted wrapped up in like a cute Nintendo thing, um, which I really appreciate. The only reason that it ended up moving lower was that A, it drains your battery a lot, like mm. all of the Niantic games do, unfortunately. Uh, and B, it got so cold out that I just like haven't been going for walks as much. Yeah. So push notifications went from being like a nice <laughs> reminder to really fucking annoying. Um, so kind of a bummer. Um, I could see myself going back to it when it gets a little bit warmer again, when we start to come sure. out of winter. But yeah, that was number 12. Number 13, Happy Home Paradise. Perfect. Uh, fucking great. Number 14, Wildermyth. Mm. Um, I did play a lot of that game. Oh, yeah. Liked it a lot. Just didn't make the cut. Uh, number 15, kind of a kind of an interesting one. Uh, it's on the Discord top five, Deathloop. Oh, wow, yeah. Which uh, has an ending that is pretty controversial. Not very good. I didn't like it. I thought it was... I thought it was bad just like without the gross shit. Uh, I don't want to say much more than that, but like even without the gross shit, I think it's kind of an unsatisfying ending. But uh, man, I can't ignore again staying up till three in the morning playing yeah. that game nonstop. Like once I locked into what Arcane wanted me to do in that game, it was like you couldn't pull me out of it. Yeah. I was so swept up in Deathloop for so long, mm. like literally right until the last. 20 minutes yeah. uh, which you can watch that's uh, it's uploaded on our on our youtube and uh you can see me watch the end and be like well see ya and then just turn the stream <laughs> off <laughs> um really rough but for a long i mean again there's like there's so much to love there's like 25 it, yeah. hours of fucking incredible ascendant video game in there uh number 16 radiohead kid a amnesia exhibition yes. Um, which like, I'm not, I'm not going to s- fucking sit here on this podcast and be like, yeah, the metaverse is cool and good, but <laughs> this is maybe the only thing in the pros for a metaverse is this. Well, cause I, think, I think the intention was like, again, they wanted to make it like an actual yeah. exhibit. It's better this couldn't. way. Yeah. And, and they're like, why don't we take advantage of this possibility? Yes. You know? And I think like. It doesn't exist in place of going to a museum. Yeah. <laughs> it's just another experience. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of experience that uh, would, would be impossible to create uh, and is really cool. It's re- awesome. It's a really it cool out. experience. Yeah. On that note, uh, I also played the Matrix thing that yeah. Unreal put out. That's fucked up. Yeah. You got, have you played it? No. You got to download it. It's on yeah. Xbox. Okay. Uh, check it out. It's it's the first public demo, like playable demo of Unreal Engine 5. Oh. It's scary good. Really? Yeah, it's really good. Anyway, uh, okay. 17 and 18, Tales of Arise, Scarlet Nexus, Yeah, as mentioned before. Number 19, you guessed it, Clap Hands Golf. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had like six months of not yeah. playing anything but this. When, when I, was, <laughs> I, was like, I was like just sitting on my couch playing Clap Hands Golf nonstop. Uh, and number 20, also Apple Arcade, Fantasian. Fantasian was a great time. You know what? I never played part two. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's still on my list. There were a lot of games that had like that like switch. Yeah. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough. Like, I know. You know, not, not to be like too critical, but it's like it was a lot of like, I love this part and then this part like changed dramatically. Yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, part two was still cool. It is like with how many games we're playing, I didn't have the patience to like the difficulty didn't pay off for me. Mm. Yeah. Part two. And it gets very hard very quickly. Yeah. Which wasn't like what I was enjoying about the game in yeah. a way like I was with SMT or something. Right. right. Yeah. That's it. That's my that's my top twenty. Wow. So now we're in wow. top five for the show. We're right? in top five for the show. Do you, AJ, do you have anything else? No, I'm just surprised that uh, Loop Hero didn't make your top twenty. Twenty one. Oh well, fuck <laughs> me. All right. Yeah. Twenty one. <laughs> the only reason it's fresh on my mind is because I just bought it on sale for like three dollars on, on Steam. Yeah. Oh, is it on yeah, Switch? It's on Switch now too. I, I, I got it's good on Switch. It feels like it should be on Switch. And that's like what you, said, like, you and right I talked away. about it when it came out. We were like, how could they put this on Switch? You would have to use the touch controls, mm. and I don't think they do. Oh. But apparently it's still really good. Hmm. I've been thinking about checking it out just to see. Yeah. Um, I like Loop Hero a lot. I found the sense of progression was a little slow. Mm. And like the idea of one more run started to lose its appeal when it was the same thing every time. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not getting new stuff. But it's still a really cool game. Yeah. Uh, would recommend. Yeah. Number 22. I'll just say this one too while I'm at it. Returnal. Returnal. There you go. That game. I revisited that game. <sighs> Right up my list. I was really surprised at how, how much I just like locked back into it immediately. Oh, uh, yeah. That game is so close to being fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised Ruin King was on your list. I liked Ruin King. Yeah. I uh, there, there I flirted with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, can, wait, can we just keep doing this? Sure. I'm curious. I'm uh, Unsighted. Unsighted was actually, I guess that's another honorable mention. Yeah. I really liked Unsighted. I, I we, we gushed about it with our friend Dom. Yeah. It's doing a lot of really cool things. I think... Eventually, it felt a little bit spread thin yeah. in what it was trying to accomplish. There was like Minecraft crafting and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this combat and this. And I found yeah, the... I think you're right. I think crafting was the bridge too far. Yeah, for me. the crafting and also the uh, the navigation kind of got to me after a while. Mm. I found myself getting lost a lot, which is like, that's my personal pet peeve. I mm-hmm. hate getting lost. Yeah. And I found that like... Because there's a time constraint, like I actually liked that a lot. That was like what sold me on the game with like the fact that you only have so much time to save everybody. Yeah. Um, it's great. But when you like, so, so there are puzzles in the, in the open environment and in the dungeons, but you have to redo them every time you go in yeah. that area. And uh. I was like, you are overestimating my enjoyment of that puzzle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still a really cool game. Again, again, it's it's hard to limit it to ten. Um totally. Yeah. But uh it was just it was that reason why it was a little bit short for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I didn't get to talk about that game because we talked about it on the show before I'd played it. And yeah. then, uh, I picked it up on Switch. I was just curious how it was going to play on Switch, and it's uh, really good. The mm. combat is so great, and really the bosses fun. are really cool. Like the really, um, they, they they strike that balance that Metroid Dread does, where they're like really challenging, but they're broadcasting things very clearly. Yeah. So you're able to really gauge like what to do. Yeah. Um, it's it's a fantastic game, and again, I really want to see what comes next from that team. I just think like Same. more focus, I think, would pay off in terms of like how many systems there are. Yeah. You and I were talking about this on the drive up, but it, it's, uh, it's funny that like that and death store came out this year. Yeah. And, and even though like playing both of those games, I'm like, I think I'm kind of tired of this kind of game. Mm. I'm really excited for tunic next year. Like yeah. that's like one of my most anticipated mm. games, it's like just the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm fucking am for tunic. Uh, another, another summer games fest demo that I downloaded and was like, I will buy this when it comes out. Yeah. It's like Lake. Yeah. Lake and Tunic. Lake and I also tunic. got the Sable demo when that came out and oh, uh, that, that game crashed while I was playing. It's like, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to pick this up. And then uh, it was on Game Pass. So. Sable was very special as well. A lot of great games this year. Yeah. I th- I feel like I, I remember a couple of years ago, um, I, I used to write articles for um, my 
my my top 10 albums of the year. And I remember the year LCD Sound Systems American Dream came out. And my whole blurb about it was like, I'm going to hate myself for having this not at number one mm. in a couple of years because I know that this game is going to, I mean, I know this album is just going to like sink into me. Mm. Totally correct. <laughs> Definitely the best album that came out that year. I fully regret the order. I feel like maybe one day I'll feel the same way about Sable. I feel like yeah. one day I'm going to, I'm going to have like just a moment where I'm going to be like, why don't I download Sable again? See what that's all there about. Were, there were moments of Sable that were my favorite experience this year. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just, it didn't happen. Like I didn't feel the full package was at that level, but like that first time where you leave the starting area is like, this is something else, Yeah. you know? And, and I think that, like, that again, that team is so talented and like everyone involved in that game is, is showing it off. I don't know if it crystallized in the way the game wanted it to. Yeah. But again, I think, I think that game is going to age very well and I'm really excited to see what's next from them. Yeah, me yeah. too. Cool. That's it. That's uh, it. On, on, my, uh, on my honorable mentions. I mean, I could, I could go through the rest of the list, but I don't really feel like it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if uh, we've brought a game to the show, I think it's an honorable mention in spirit yeah. in some way. As I said, I ranked every game that was eligible. Uh, so you can go check that out on backlog yeah. if you, if you yeah. want to, but I think it's, Top five time. I think it's top five time for the Aether. Yeah. guys thanks for asking me for my goatee again this year um i've given it a lot of thought and i think i have to say what might be like sort of a cheating or like not counting answer but it's my answer which is mass effect legendary edition it was just like the most pleasurable gaming experience i think i had this year and like at the very least it was the most novel for me like i am not someone honestly who like likes space very much like you know never really been like a big star wars fan or whatever uh and i i've never really had a ton of experience with like shooting games beyond, you know, Bioshock and stuff. But anyway, I, so, so that's kind of why I think I'd never sought out the series in the past. It just seemed like it wasn't totally up my alley. And then just getting to experience it in this like really smooth and cohesive way, which obviously to my understanding is not how people originally got to experience it. Uh, I don't know. It just felt like such a fulfilling experience. Like I found myself wanting to complete literally every single like micro quest and, you know, like mine all the ore of all the planets. And like, I don't know, I just like wanted to kind of reach into the far corners of this world. I really liked the sort of neatness of those three games, you know, which is funny because I, I tend to play games like Persona and shit where like it's so long and it's so many hundreds of hours and like Mass Effect all together, I think was like a hundred hours. So it, it felt actually short to me, even though it was this sort of massive trilogy of games. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for recommending it in the first place. I don't know if I would have checked it out if it weren't for Discord chatter, et cetera. And I hope you have a wonderful uh, rest of your year slash beginning of the next one. Bye. AJ, do you want to remind the listeners the lists? I just hissed like a snake. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so Steven's top 10, uh, League of Legends, Wild Rift, Guilty Gear, Strive, uh, Wilder Myth, Monster Hunter Rise, Resident Evil 8, Village, uh, Forgotten City, uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Metroid Dread, and number one, Chicory. Uh, Brendan's top 10 Guardians of the Galaxy Lake Halo Forza Horizon 5 sorry Halo Infinite yeah please come on. <laughs> Forza Horizon 5 Metroid Dread Tender Creature Comforts uh, Psychonauts 2 Forgotten City Ratchet and Clank a Rift Apart and Monster Hunter Rise at number one 
very cool for Brendan Bigley. There's a little bit more overlap than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in terms of stuff on our list, but not numbers. Yeah. We didn't we didn't line up at all this year. No, not a single not a single one was a hey, that's mine too. Yeah, we've lined up, I think, on at least one every year so far. 2020, we had the same top five minus one. Yeah. If I didn't count Persona 5 Royal, which I did, uh, <laughs> it would have been the same exact top five. Yeah. Wow. At the same time, still less than half your guys' lists was the same. Only four games. Uh, you both had Monster Hunter Rise, Forgotten City, Ratchet and Clank, and Metroid. That's gonna be that's gonna make for some very interesting conversations. Then. Yeah, and the and the rankings for all of these are all over the place. So here's the wrench I'm gonna throw in our gears, <gasps> Brendan. And please feel free to shoot this down. Yeah. Even though we we made a rule earlier for our collective game of the year for the show game of the year, I'm open to counting Mass Effect. <gasps> Just because I think that <laughs> our lists are so personal to represent us combined, I think that that would actually wow make sense for the number one. Wow, for number one. Okay, so it doesn't that, have to be number one. That's another. Okay. That's another conversation. But if you want to include it, I'm open to having oh. Legendary Edition count for the show. What do you think about this? I need. I need. I need an outside opinion. We're scrappy. <laughs> I, I feel I feel bad deciding this in secret and not counting it for our personal list, but I just think it makes more sense to be counted collectively. No, I yeah, I, I I totally get that. I think I I think I kind of agree. I mean, the thing is, there there's an as you were just saying, there's an empty spot there, right? There are four games on both of our lists that overlap. So <laughs> right, there's, there's a fifth spot that's left open, which is my game of the year, essentially. If I wanted to count my number one, which is Chicory, that didn't uh, overlap. Oh, that's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, mm. okay. See, that's, I think, that's another wrench. I think you open up Mass Effect trilogy to consideration, but uh, I don't know. I might. Oh. Well, let's let's do this. Let's put it on the side. Yeah. Let's put it in the fridge, if you will. Mm-hmm. Shepard and friends are in the fridge. Oh. They're being. <laughs> they've been cloned by Cerberus, and they're waiting to thaw. Uh-huh. Um. You could make it the go toy. The game of the other years God. of the year. I, I don't, don't want to curse any game with Gotoy. Go we've we've, go we've like kind of minionized Goaty as a term. Gotoy can burn in fucking hell. Lodi, Bloaty, and Gotoy are my least favorite starters. They can fucking die. I hated Circle and Square version. I, I want to return these. Shapes? Really? <laughs> Shapes? Come on. You've hit a new low. Gotoyoi is just a match? <laughs> <laughs> Bloaty's a liver? These trees look like cartoons. <laughs> so, okay. In so, my Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition on the side for now. But it's 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 there. It's it's, it's consideration. It's, it's on the table. Yeah. I just want it on the table. Um, I, I think, I, think I, I need to have more of a conversation. That's what I was going to say this into the microphone instead of uh, away from the microphone. I think think we need to have more of a conversation. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, like, let's put it on the side. Let's try to make a list without it and see how that feels. Yeah. And if it feels like something is missing, we can incorporate it Mm -hmm. and and see what we're willing to leave behind for it. Yeah. Because essentially... To fit it on the list, we have four that overlap. Yeah. Five if we're counting my number one picks. I always feel weird not including one of our number one Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a, it's a conversation, like you said. Oh, man. Here, okay. I'll say this. Yeah. If Mass Effect Legendary Edition is eligible, it is number one. That's kind of how I'm feeling, too. For, for both is, of us. Which is know? kind of why I think we should settle this now. Yeah. A cat is sniffing the metal <laughs> slime, which feels like a challenge. <laughs> 
Does the cat know any attacks that can pierce metal bodies? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, it's got pretty fine. sharp claws. I don't That's, know. That guy's not gonna level up. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I guess <laughs> with that established, if Mass Effect counts, it is number one. Yes. Why don't we see what it looks like without first, and then go from there? Because I think the reason I wanted to count is I, I think that that's like if that's not our number one, I don't know what is because I think we have such different lists. Mm-hmm. So well, uh, the, the things that are eligible be, just because of the way our lists worked out: Chicory, Monster Hunter Rise, Metroid Dread, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and The Forgotten City. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are the four that crossed over, and also Chicory because it was on your list. Is there anything else that you think should be in there? I think that's a good pool to work from. I don't know if I would argue for like, obviously I liked all my top 10, <laughs> but for both of us and for the show, I don't know if I, if I would like, is there anything else from your list that you like need added? Yeah. I mean, to I, contention? Get, I, I would say there's a case for village, but I don't think so because it wasn't on your top 10. Um, I would, would add it. I would yeah. add it to the, well, let's just put it on the table. It doesn't have to be like a, yeah, a yeah, thing, I but I, I think agree. village was like a game we both liked a lot. And it was like an event for the show in yeah. many ways. I'm typing really hard so it gets picked up by the mic. <laughs> Guilty Gear was very much a me thing. Yeah. League of Legends was extremely much a me thing. Oh, League, yeah. Well, we both played it, but I think it, it landed more with Arcane me. on Netflix. Arcane is our game of the year. Game of the year. Um, Must Rise obviously is your, that, that counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, SMT5, I think also like, unless you feel like it's a candidate, that was more a me thing. Yeah, I, I, I think I could bail on that one. So I'm looking at my list and... I would say Wild Rift, Guilty Gear Strive, Wildermyth, SMT5 are all more mm-hmm. me than us. Yeah. Um, the stuff that's left over on my list would be Psychonauts 2, mm-hmm. Tender, Forza, Halo Infinite, Lake, and Guardians. I'm willing to add uh, Forza and uh, <laughs> Tender to the candidates. Forza and Tender. Want. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Even though they weren't in my top 10, I think those are both games that we like both connected with. This is this is maybe weird, but I th- no. Well, actually, no. I feel good about that. Let, I, I think let's do that. Cool. I, I was just to say it all because it's a podcast, and this is what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, my thought was going to be if we're going to include Tender, I would rather include Psychonauts too. Mm, okay. Hmm. Why not both? And we'll figure it out. Yeah, well, I like These this. Are just like add them to the table. I love this actually. Yeah. This this is a nice. This is a much nicer approach. Cool. This is like order everything. We'll have leftovers. Yes. Right? <laughs> Because again, it's not necessarily mathematical. It's more, uh, it's more of a right brain process. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's nine games. Gotcha. And Mass Effect Legendary Edition as a tenth. Oh, okay. So, so okay. So we essentially have to cut this in half. As a tenth, maybe. Yes. Okay. So I think let's think about the five games and then think about the order. That's that would be my yeah next step. No here. brainers. Chicory Monster Hunter Rise are in there. Yeah, because they're both of our number ones. Yes. That counts. Yes. It would take a lot of a difference of opinion for us to not count the others game of the year pick. <laughs> yeah. You would have to be like Gex. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what if uh, Gex 2, though? Gex 2, I, I would wiggle with. Enter the Gecko. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you this. There was a moment in third grade where I got up in front of my class and gave like a talk about Gex Enter the Gecko. It was the prototype oh God. into the Aether. <laughs> wow. Because it was like, what'd you do this weekend? And that weekend, I played Gex into the Gecko <laughs> at age seven or eight. Oh, yeah. man. And I told people about it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I was prepping for this moment. <laughs> I stayed in a hotel once when I was a kid, and it was like the one time my parents ever let me play with the game system that they had in the hotel when that used to be a thing. You could rent games for like a dollar. My parents were always like, fuck no. And the one time they did was Gex 2 Enter the Gecko. <laughs> 
Uh, it's been seared into my head ever since. I, I remember everything yeah. about it. Yeah. So not Gex two. So not Gex two. <laughs> um. Anyway. So okay. So we got. So <laughs> no brainers are Trickery, yes. Colorful mm-hmm. Tale, mm-hmm. and Monster Hunter Rise. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. We added a bunch of things to these lists or to this list as possible contention or possible contenders. I don't see any of them beating the other three that are our overlap games, yeah. which are Metroid Dread, Ratchet and Clank and the Forgotten City. That's even though that's the result. I'm glad we tried it out. If that's how you yeah. still feel. I mean, that's how I feel about it. How do you yeah. feel about it? Like what, what Resident were the three? Evil, uh, Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and the Forgotten City. Yeah. Verse. Can, can you make a point for any of these four games to beat any of those three games? Any of them. Resident Evil Village. Does that beat any of those three games for you? No. Forza Horizon 5. Unfortunately not. And then this one, I, I guess, are more me questions. Psychonauts two, I don't think so. And then Tender, I definitely don't think so. Yeah. So I think I think we were right from 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 yeah. go. Yeah. Nice. I am glad that we talked. Trust about your guts. Yeah. Ooh. I want no regrets here. You know. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Resident Evil, I think, would have gotten closest. Yeah. For I me, think so. and actually, maybe Psychonauts two also. But I mean, I think if I, I had so. played that, it would be a different conversation. Yeah. Potentially. I would I wouldn't be if I really felt it, I wouldn't be against like putting my foot down. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. in this case I I <laughs> I have no ground to stand on, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. So that means we're at Chicory Monster Hunter Rise, Metroid Dread, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, The Forgotten City, and potentially Mass Effect. <laughs> wow. Do you have any any thoughts about order so far? So the question now, I guess for me is like what would we cut out if we included Mass Effect and how do we feel about that? Oh, yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Jesus. So so what are the other what are the other five? <sighs> Ratchet and Clank, Metroid, Forgotten City. Well, and what else? Oh, sorry. And then Chicory and Monster Hunter. Right. I'm going to talk through this and then you can talk through it. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, totally. So Chicory and Monster Hunter Rise, I think, are set in stone. Mm-hmm. Metroid, Dread, Ratchet and Clank, and the Forgotten City. Metroid Dread, I think, has to be there. It was my runner-up. I was just going to say it's also the number one for the Discord. Exactly, yeah. I think I think it's an Aether favorite. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm comfortable with cementing Chicory, Monster Hunter Rise, and Metroid Dread. That leaves Ratchet and Clank and the Forgotten City. Oh my god, this is torture. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. Every year this is fucked up. Except last year, which was like smooth sailing. This the was the thing shortest is, segment. this is the thing though. We're basically trading what is harder. Determining order without Mass Effect or leaving one game out of it for Mass Effect to be number one. Because mm-hmm. it's like without Mass Effect as number one, it's way harder to find what our game of the year is. Yeah. 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 So it's really like what difficult situation do we want to put ourselves in? I would say of the so okay, so we have three set. Chicory, Monster Hunter Rise, Metroid Dread are set. The two that are remaining are Ratchet and Clank and the Forgotten City. I think God. <laughs> what was what number was Forgotten City for you? Three? Three. Ratchet and Clank was three for me. And it was two for you. You're gonna math this out. <laughs> yeah, math well, it out. What's the math what's the math? Sometimes you need a left brain. <laughs> so if you were to math out Ratchet and Clank would be higher than Forgotten City. But, but what's the, what are the numbers? Oh, sorry. Uh, Ratchet and Clank would be 2.5 <laughs> and Forgotten City would be 3.5. I love you. Uh, this is great. Uh, this, you consulting this book of ours. No, sorry, sorry. Forgotten City would be would be four and then Ratchet and Clank would be 2.5. Huh. OK. So so I think it's essentially a toss up between do we want to include Forgotten City or Mass Effect? Right. Because it seems like Ratchet and Clank is more. If we want to follow the follow the <laughs> mathematically, money, yeah, mathematically, but I'm also open to the heart as well. Yeah, the thing I'm thinking about as I'm staring deep into this fake Yule log on television <laughs> is I feel really good about having Ratchet and Clank at number two on my list, mm-hmm. and I almost feel okay about leaving it behind for Forgotten City, which I think is a you know like new small team. Yeah making a thing that is like super ambitious and mm-hmm. will stick with me forever. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is though, like, hmm, like Ratchet and Clank is also so high for both of us. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, I wonder, how about this? Now that we actually have, we've, we've had this for a while, but now that we've like really solidified what the games would be without Mass Effect, mm-hmm. let's try to do order and see mm-hmm. how that feels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is this is harder than it's ever been. Yes. I think. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Maybe Mass Effect is is zero. <laughs> Mass Effect number zero. Don't give us a loophole. And, okay, all right. We're not enough. breaking the golden rule here. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> I invite you, dear listener, to write these five games and try to do the thing that we're doing. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Okay. <laughs> if we're not muscles. counting Mass Effect and we're doing the show, actually, I, I once again turn to the numbers of those five games: Trickery, yeah. Monster Hunter Rise, Metro Dread, uh-huh. Ratchet and Clank, Forgotten City. Yeah. The average number of the placement on both our lists sure. Ratchet and Clank would be number one Ratchet and Clank would be number yeah, one yeah because Monster Hunter Rise is your number six six yeah. and then Chicory's not even on Brendan's list so right yeah gotcha okay cool that so that so okay, that makes sense so I think without Mass Effect it feels like number one would be either Dread Ratchet and Clank or The Forgotten City yeah mm. wow mm. of those three I would want to give it to The Forgotten City same yeah that's interesting yeah, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, it's weird because it's like it's it doesn't really make logistical sense, but it it, it works. That's you a, I like you said. This all comes from the heart. Yeah, I would, for the I would, show. Yeah, yeah, I would want the Forgotten City to be number one. I like that a lot. If if Forgotten City was number one, I would say Ratchet would probably be number two, right? For both of us, it was the high. It's the mm. highest ranking officially, but it doesn't have to be. I, mm. Also worth yeah. noting, it's not even on the Discord top five. Yeah, that is now, now that we're factoring that in inherently, but it is like in thinking about the Aether as a third entity. Yeah, and just a reminder: the Aether top five is Dread at number one. Discord, in, sorry, the, the Discord top five is <laughs> Dread at number one. Inscription, Resident Evil, Death Loop, and uh, Wildermyth. Wow! So wow! Mostly games that are not on this list, list aren't in consideration. <laughs> what right about now? Forgotten City, okay. Dread, Ratchet and Clank as the top three? That's interesting. That yeah. would be. To be clear, this down. that would be the same as my number two and three. <laughs> Steven, me. Wow. Some Sometimes I feel like you think I'm going to come in here and be a killer, but you're the killer. <laughs> you're you're the you're uh, Alec Baldwin in that movie where he yells about ABCs. <laughs> Always be selling. Yes. Calling. Always be calling. I think I'm being pretty <laughs> diplomatic. I think I think you are. And that's what's dangerous. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, sorry. Forgotten City at number yeah. one. Ratch- sorry, Metroid Dread at number two. You said Ratchet. And We're Clank just trying this three. out. We're feeling it yeah, out. Yeah. We're trying on this this list. Okay, Metroid Dread at number two, and and Ratchet at number three. Ratchet and Clank at number three, which leaves Chicory and Monster Hunter Rise. Chicory, Monster Hunter Rise, which then means to be clear, if we were to add Mass Effect, which we both agree would be number one, one of our number one games of the year would be kicked off the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Monster Hunter is the one. I wish you could see Steven's face. His eyes just got so wide. Yeah. And Monster Hunter is the one that's on both your lists. And Chicory is only on yours, Steven. Yeah. I realize that. So mathematically. I realize that. (laughs) Numbers. Numbers. We're we're veering into what we want to do versus what maybe the heart is telling us in some ways. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, no. I think think our heart wants many things. We're exploring possibilities. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think I actually feel way better about this list without Mass Effect than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Forgotten City, number one. Dread, number two. Ratchet, number three. Chicory, number five hurts. I want to be honest. Chicory, <laughs> number five sucks. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. I'm glad it's there. 
I'd rather be there than not. But it makes sense because it's not on your list. Uh boy. But that would be it, right? It'd be Monster Hunter Rise 4 and then Chicory 5. Yeah. I think so. Now here's the thing. I've realized I've been unconsciously selfish. If we're talking about the two of us, the show, mm. like I had this very profound experience with Chicory that was mm-hmm. very that meant a lot to me. It was my game of the year. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have that. But we both had that with Mass Effect, and we both had that with every other game here. It's true. So I wonder if I had actually, that with Monster Hunter Rise. Huh? I had that with Monster Hunter Rise. Right. I, I, that's, that's what you're what, saying. That's what, oh, you both oh, had, yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm saying that literally, Chicory is the only game we don't share here. Yeah. But we did share everything else, including Mass Effect. So right. if we do include Mass Effect, I think unfortunately Chicory would be the one to exclude for both of us. Mm, interesting. The question is whether or not we we want to have Mass Effect over Forgotten City at this point. <laughs> I just had this wild thought, and again, podcast should say everything. <laughs> what if we got rid of Chicory and Monster Hunter Rise? Neither of us get our number one in here. We include Mass Effect and bring in another game. Interesting. And what would be the other game? Yeah, that you y'all don't share any other games. Oh yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I the only reason I'm open to excluding Chicory is because we've shared everything else. Yeah. Like if we if we, we had Monster Hunter Rise <laughs> and Mass Effect, <laughs> it would be total unison. Yeah, which is what this list is is going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do hate that a little bit, but I I wonder <laughs> if if the alternative is is not truthful to the to both of us. So then then I think now would be a good time to have the conversation about Mass Effect. Uh, to me, it boils down to: Do we want to have for the show? Forgotten City or Mass Effect at number one. Because if we include Mass Effect, it will bump out Chicory and knock down Forgotten City to number two instead of number one, or we can keep it as it is now. My thing, and I can't believe I'm the one saying this, is that I don't think Mass Effect should count. Okay. Personally. I don't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a 2021 game to me. Yeah. Mm. I know it's a cool experience that we both had, and I, I appreciate that, and I will cherish it forever. I think it's wonderful, but... At the end of the day, I mean, it is, it's, you know, remasters and not really even too many changes outside it's of It's just all the games in one place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just like a bundle, you know? Yeah, it's just a re-release. Yeah. Mm. Which, as much as I am, am trying to do the backflips to make it happen, because I, I think that this is a much cleaner thing to say, like, Mass Effect number one, because it was the best game I played this year. I don't know if it counts for this list. If we want also, I mean, we, we made the decision for ourselves. Maybe it makes sense to make it for both of us, too. Yeah. Because I... I wanted to try it out. I wanted yeah. to see if it if it made sense. I'm, but I'm glad we're I'm glad we're trying it out. Yeah, but I I don't know if I can make it work. That's why I keep asking you. I want you to pitch why you think it should count. Well, I I, I think it depends on our definition of this combined list, you know. Yeah. But then I think it's it's really two questions. It's like, it's like the combined list and also whether or not Mass Effect counts. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if we're honoring 2021, I think right. maybe we should be consistent. That's my issue with yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I, I want to yeah. honor the year. It's a very weird year for video games. Yeah. And I want to honor that weird year. And I don't know if I can make Mass Effect work in that sense. Yeah. So let's, I, I think I think we've made the decision. Let's leave it out. Because then you get Chicory also. Yes, which makes me... I would, <laughs> I would actually feel worse about leaving Chicory out. I was going to feel bad about yeah, leaving Chicory yeah. out. Um, so then, then the list would be Forgotten City, yep. Dread, Ratchet and Clank, Monster Hunter Rise, Chicory. Forgotten City, Dread, Ratchet and Clank, Monster Hunter Rise, Chicory. Hmm. Let me write it out. Gotta see what it looks like. I do. No, not me too. That's what I'm, I'm writing it out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let 
When I used to be in a band, I had a big whiteboard where I would write our lyrics and I would look at them because for some reason looking at them was easier than like singing them or like playing the song. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. You can sometimes just tell from like how they look visually and that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing here. The Forgotten City. <laughs> not just any. It's not just any. It's the, it's the one you can't remember. <laughs> That's why you got to put it at number one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting scenario. AJ, I'm sure you'll edit some of the silence out here. No, I'm keeping it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think maybe, I think we should maybe move Ratchet up, you know, because it was higher for both of us. Forgotten City, Ratchet and Clank, Metroid Dread, Monster Hunter Rise, Chicory. Yeah, I just wonder, because like, I think... Trigger wasn't on your list. It was number one for me. I think fifth makes sense for that reason. Fourth, Monster Hunter Rise was sixth for me, number one for you. Dread and Ratchet were both higher for both of us. Well, Ratchet was higher for both of us. It was two and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving that below Dread, I don't know if I if I fully get why. I feel like with Dread was higher for me. Yeah, but... Dread, yeah. I feel like with the other four games besides Dread. There was some sort of like, I don't know, like emotional or profound feeling about it. Mm-hmm. And Metroid Dread just seems like a fun video game. Yeah. So something about Metroid being three and Ratchet and Clank being two makes more sense. And it feels better to look at for me. Mm. I think so. I think you're onto something. Yeah. yeah I think I agree. Because that's yeah. kind of what I'm look, like looking at the rest of this list. Like these games had some sort of emotional impact on you. Whereas yeah. Metroid Dread is just a good video game. Not that just being a good video game is bad. There's just that extra layer for the other games. Let me, let me throw out a new list. Okay. Gex. Um, Gex. <laughs> Gex one, Gex two, Gex three, Gex Glover. Game Boy. Uh, Glover. <laughs> okay. Here, here's a, here's a switch. I know you're going to feel good about it, but oh. I want you to think about it. Okay. Forgotten city at number one. Do you still feel good about that? Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's a good number one for us. Ratchet and Clank at number two. I'm into that. Okay. It was my number two. It was my number three. Your number yeah. three is pretty high up. Uh, Metroid dread. On both of our lists, it was your number two. Yes. Uh, it was my number six, but it was the Discord number one, which we definitely have to take into account. That's true. Chicory at number four. Ooh. Monster Hunter Rise at number five. <sighs> <laughs> I like that. Do you like that? I think I like it. Yeah. Because the thing about Monster Hunter Rise, not to unseat my own seat. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, to see my own seat. Um, I almost choked on my back. <laughs> God. <laughs> The, the thing about Monster Hunter Rise is that while I had a profound experience with it and I really enjoy it and I think it's great and I'm going to play it for a long time, I can acknowledge that it's not the best game of the year. Mm-hmm. It's lower on your list. It made it to the top of my list for reasons beyond it being like I talked, I said Ratchet and Clank was a perfect video game, but Monster Hunter Rise is my number one. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> of the experience this year. Yeah. There are cosmic reasons why it was yeah. number one for me. So the acknowledgement of that also means that I have to acknowledge that like its place is malleable on this list. And it just seems like chicory hit you harder than any game that happened that we played this year. So yeah, I think if those are that to me feels like the most kind of loose spot right now is four and five. And I feel like chicory should probably go higher for that reason. I'm into that. Yeah. I I think, I think your reasoning is valid. Where, where was forgotten city for you? It was five for me and it was three, three. three. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I do like that as number one still just double checking. It's a very, um, uh, it's a very Spider-Man kind of move for us. It is a Spider-Man move, which mm-hmm. makes sense. It's a Spider-Man kind of year. Uh, <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they've been saying in the news. It's Marvel's Insomniac Spider-Man of years. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna read it out loud again to myself. Mm-hmm. 
Number one, Forgotten City. Number two, Ratchet and Clank. Number three, Metroid Dread. Number four, Trickery, A Colorful Tale. And number five, Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah. That sounds good to me. I'm into that. And I no longer miss Mass Effect. I think I've like <laughs> I've I've moved on already. Yeah. Again, I want to like that we did the go toy for a reason, and it was our go toy. <laughs> uh, but uh You're right, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than what was it, Bloaty? Yeah. Bloaty. <laughs> Send us just an image of furniture from Target if you hate the idea of go toy and want us to never do it again. <laughs> Maybe a different name, but I like us saying what we liked from this year that wasn't from this year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I think just saying games of the other years is actually way catchier than the acronym. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. We figured it out after the fact on air. Um, That's what it's all about. Yeah. Say everything into the microphone. Say everything. Do everything. <laughs> take chances. Uh-huh. How do you feel, AJ, about this top five that we've crafted? <laughs> so sorry. It's all up to you to take that one out. Uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> sorry, AJ. You gave yourself a final boss there. <laughs> um, I I like it. I can get behind it. I feel like there's sound reasoning on all accounts. It feels like we are y'all are following your hearts. Yeah. In yeah. these in these vibes. Yeah. Uh, I I like dread middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And I think I think Ratchet Clank and Forgotten City definitely. If if we had like an article that was like where like the game of the year and the runner up for the Aether, yeah, that feels good. Yeah, you know, I feel like that would be like yeah, these are the ones we want to highlight collectively. I like it. <sighs> Amazing. Do you want to do a quick run through of um our game of the year picks and the show's game of the year to kind of sign off? Yeah, I get. Let me uh, yeah, I feel good about this. Cool. I feel good about this list. Gotten City, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, Metroid Dread, Chicory, Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah. I'm I'm weirdly almost like surprised that Monster Hunter Rise even made the list. Even just at myself, even. <laughs> yeah. Like that's pretty When cool. you look at it long enough, it starts to all move around. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I look, not to be a constant ad for backlogged.com, but like, <laughs> man, was that website helpful this year. It's helpful to see it. It's helpful, it's helpful to see yeah. it. And it's specifically helpful to hit edit list and then like drag and drop stuff around and just like mm. see what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Although it was hard. Like if a game has good cover art, I'm like partial to it. You know? <laughs> it, it made it hard to take off Tales of Arise. Yeah. That's a good cover. Mm. <laughs> That's how I felt about SMT. Yeah. I mean, that might have been why it got so high. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, anyway, why don't we share what our personal game of the years were, just to kind of refresh, and then do the top five for the show and sign off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think we're finally here. Wow. Oh, we're at the end. I'm Stephen Hilger, and my game of the year, 2021. Oh, you're like signing off, signing off. You're done. We can do more. I just like this official. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, this I just like saying my name. Yeah, seriously. Take a break and do an after show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. <clears throat> no, I like Excuse this pump. <laughs> And circumstance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me a little, uh, AJ, maybe add some music to this part. Sure. I don't know. Follow your heart. My name's Stephen Hilger, and my game of the year is Chicory, a colorful tale. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. My name is Brendan Bigley. My game of the year is Monster Hunter Rise. And AJ, what are our top five for the Aether? I want to know AJ's game of the year. Oh, right. Yeah, AJ, what's your game of the year? I'm so sorry to do it this way. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, my game of the year of the games that came out this year, I think, is Metroid Dread. Hell wow. yeah. You match up with the Discord. There which you go. Their game of the year was Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread. It's and top five for the show? Top five for the show. Five to one, we have Monster Hunter Rise, Chicory, A Colorful Tale, 
Metroid Dread, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and number one, Game of the Year for Into the Aether 2021, The Forgotten City. Yay. Wow. We did it. The Forgotten City. Oh, wow. That was cool. The book closing? <laughs> that rules. Did it get picked up by the microphone? It did. There's a little spike on the microphone. We spent so much time, I wanted to end with the bang, and that yeah. book was perfect. We gotta do that every year. <laughs> close okay, this close is, this the is the same one that I used in 2019 as well. Wow. No way. I love that. Wow. It was good. It was a good top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel, good, I feel about good, good about it. You feel good about the Forgotten City? I feel good about it, yeah. I feel, That's cool. I feel like it represents us. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, it's an exciting game. I think something we struggled with in 2018 was like, how do we justify putting our favorite over the others? Mm-hmm. Which is what led to Spider-Man. And this yeah. is a similar scenario, but like, it's still very meaningful in a collective way. Feel yeah, it definitely feels more amicable this year. It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were, that was a little a little thorny that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if there will be a year that gets thorny in that way again. I wonder, probably. <laughs> I, I yeah, I would, I would have to imagine there. Would yeah, be I think I think eventually, not like in a shitty way, but like. Yeah. There'll be maybe more heated debate. That was kind of the thing. So like that year, Hollow Knight and Celeste, right? I was bending the rules to get Hollow Knight in there in the first place. Right. Then the next two years were just like obvious winners. Yeah, it was just sort of strolling through the motions. Yeah, yeah. in a way. And this year, I, I I like this year. It's just kind of like a, a strange reflection is fun. Um, <laughs> and the Forgotten City being the game that I is number it. one, like it. fits that perfectly. Galerius, thank you for everything. Thank you so much, Galerius. <laughs> the NPC Galerius. of the years you were saying. NPC of the year, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Any, any like any weird, uh, I don't know, like surprises for you this year? Anything that you are shocked made your list or my list or et cetera? I think, you know, I was surprised by League of Legends becoming part of my ritual. Like life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, overall, that was a surprise of this year. Yeah. Um, I think that like, you know, usually they're, they're sort of big games broadcast. So like, you know, last year, for example, I think we were both gearing up for Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Um, and those definitely were like as big as we anticipated, if not bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. But then the surprise was Hades. Yeah. This year, I think it was just like a total blank canvas. There wasn't really a lot that was like planned to come out other than Monster Hunter that I was like really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm surprised at, uh, I don't know, pretty much everything, really. Like, I think that there's nothing on my list that I was like set on liking other than maybe Metroid. Yeah. But even that was like a gamble. Yeah. So like it, when they it, announced Metroid, I remember being very nervous about it. Yeah. And yeah. then playing it was like, oh, this is a relief more right. than anything. Psychonauts 2, I would say, is the game that I was the most hopeful about. Yeah. Going in. And I was I really, really wanted it to be good. And I would have been really disappointed if it wasn't. Yeah. Metroid Dread, I would have been fine either way, I think. It's kind of like strangely enough, I'm kind of in the same situation with uh with Silk Song at this mm. point. Where like yeah, yeah. when that comes out eventually, like I'm kind of prepared for it to be a little bit of like a eh for me it's been so long yeah and if it's you know if it's incredible then that's awesome but at the moment i'm kind of like yeah you know it is what it is uh psychonauts i was like really Mm. i really needed it to be good and it excelled uh which was really nice you're at the point of positive indifference i was with fo7 remake and like year three of that whatever (laughs) i was like yeah if it's good it's good and then i loved it yeah (laughs) i uh i am i'm not as optimistic about silk song Mm. to be honest we'll Uh, see yeah we'll see what happens yeah I was so worried that that was going to drop at uh, the indie world <laughs> this past week. Could you could you imagine? Yeah. The audacity of Team Cherry and Nintendo dropping Silk Song. <laughs> Do you think it would have been like a like a out now drop? Just like just if In that general? were the case. That's how Hollow Knight dropped on the Switch initially. Mm. 
So like if they wanted to do that again and that happened yesterday, that would have been really fucked up. I thought the the only going back to your question of like if we'll ever have like a more heated debate, I think it really would only be if like something kind of counted, you know, mm. like like uh, Hollow Knight originally. Yeah. Or if one of us came here really like gunning for Mass Effect. Right. That mm-hmm. would have, I think, created like, but not like aggressive, just like how do we we kind of already did that in a way with the the collective list. I could just see look, you you and <laughs> our 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 taste overlaps a lot. It does. I think. But there are places where we differ. Yeah. And I wonder like, if, I love esports. <laughs> you're, like, you're like fucking big esports head. <laughs> And my- Steve Esports? Oh, I know him, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ugh. Oh, my God. I hate how many episode titles there yeah. are in this. Um, I, I see... Uh, the, I think the biggest thing that could ever happen is, like, there is a game that somehow is, like, a shiv in each of our sides, specifically, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. gets to that difference between you and I, and we're each like, no, this is the best game of the year. That, exactly. That, could, that yeah. could do it. I, I think like like Hades and Three Houses both hit us equally yeah. in many ways. And I, I think you're right. I think that there's like a Venn diagram. Here's actually, that's actually maybe a great example. Imagine they both came out in the same year. Mm. <laughs> wow. It would probably have to be Hades because Hades is really fucking good. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> Hades is. I mean, they're, yeah. both, they're both like all timers for me. Yeah. But Hades, I think is, Hades is, of all the games we covered for the show, is like maybe the best one we've covered like i could like almost almost say that i think i agree with you just in terms of what it's setting to do and how it accomplishes it like three houses i had such an emotional connection with and like i love that cast yeah it's like a friend (laughs) i think of it like an individual i know yeah but hades like when i think about like what games are capable of like hades is a game that i can point to and be like this yeah this is like the future in many ways Mm The th- oh, that's interesting. Because what I was just about to say about Hades is like I feel like it's it's an amalgam of it's kind of both of a ton of yeah. ideas, and it's just the best at every idea it has. I mean, it was our game of the year last year, and we're talking about it at the end of Game of the Year twenty twenty one. But I know what you mean. I think I think that there will there will as we continue doing the show, there there may be a year where like there's a very Stephen game and a very Brendan game. Yeah, and we'll have to work that out. Yeah. Um, oh man. I hope that, AJ game. I hope that happens. I really hope that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would love, I would love if next year was big. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like already looking towards next year. I mean, there's, I mean, Elden Ring comes out right away. Yeah, El- oh, Elden Ring is like Ring, immediate. Horizon Forbidden West. I mean, I gotta somehow get my. Oh no, I guess it's coming out on PS4, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Okay, it is, cool. Yeah. I was gonna say I gotta get my hands on a PS5 somehow, but it's gonna be on PS4. No, honestly, so. man, you're <laughs> good. Like, re- unless you really need to play Rift Apart right away. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's like I think even God of War will be on both. Yeah. We we may we may not know that yet, but do Horizon want, is both. Do you yeah. want to talk about next year a bit? Sure. Yeah. Real quick, is that is that cool with you? I like that as a segue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's talk about next year a bit because I, I forgot I, what time it was. We're in the Daedric realm of dust. We're at good. This point. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to? Uh, do we want to? I'm not sure how many breaks we've had in here so far, but do we want to take a break and come back? Yeah. Sure. And talk about next year. Yeah. Why don't we that, do that? Yeah. That sounds yeah. good. All but right. again, congratulations to the Forgotten City. Yes, the Forgotten City. I feel really good about that. We Me don't too. have to do this again, but I feel really good about it. Me too. That's great. I love yeah. it. Moving on, Mom baby. Mom storyteller. Good job. See you soon. We'd send you an award, but we don't have one. <laughs> Sorry. Hello, my end of the aether friends. It is me, Christopher Thomas Plant, editor of Polygon.com, host of the Besties. I want to tell you about my favorite game of the year, which is actually favorite games, plural, because no one game really, no one game climbed to the top 
of Game Mountain this year for me. There was a lot of messiness this year. I've been thinking about this a lot with games that y'all have talked about and games that I really liked. You have stuff like Unsighted, right? Which is great, but it has these kind of tedious dungeon puzzles. And you have Wildermyth, which is this astonishing storytelling game. But for me, when I would go on social media and see people having the exact same story beats, it kind of pulled me away from the magic spell that I had this dungeon master who was creating a game just for me, which isn't fair to the game. It, it's just the reality of it, right? It, it, the, the spell was a little broken. Uh, then there is an inscription, which was so cool. And then the final moment happened, which was not so cool. Um, and Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye, which it, the entire back third of that game is just kind of like maddening to me. It sounds like I'm being really, really negative here, but I don't think I am because I adore all of these games. Like, I adore all of them. All four of them could be my game of the year pretty much any other year. They take these humongous, humongous swings, unsighted and the way that, you know, time ticks away at every character in the game. Wildermyth with its um, its story generation and just the the beautiful way that it makes you feel like a part of the, the story that you're telling. Um, inscription with how much it wants to subvert itself over and over and over again how it blends escape room type of mechanics with different variations of card games. I don't even like card games and I, I loved playing through this game. And then Outer Wild Echoes the Eye. I mean, just wow, right? Like just wow. You you start that game and it's just wow. I can't believe that they did this. I can't believe that somebody was smart enough to make this thing, which I won't spoil because it's so profoundly beautiful. Um, And it's so much richer than 99% of anything I've ever played that even when it does frustrate me, that is more because I feel like I'm being kept away from the magic rather than like, oh, well, I just want to throw it away altogether. So yeah, I, I, I love that games are taking these huge swings. I love that because of that, they can sometimes be predictable or because they're taking these audacious swings, they can be broken or like sometimes it can be kind of borderline antagonistic against the player. But it, it's hard to imagine any of these games being as special without those flaws because those flaws that I mentioned up top are like the side effects of developers taking risks. You know, I can't imagine a small team that making that made Unsighted making dungeons that rival, you know, Zelda. Uh, you know, having some kind of filler puzzles feels like a necessity uh, on some level because their, their focus seems to be on something uh, much more original and ultimately more entertaining for me. You know, a lot of these developers are pushing beyond their budgetary restrictions that would allow, you know, Wildermyth to have close to infinite stories. You know, Wildermyth was made by a small team. It's amazing that there's as much there as there actually is. Anyway, I've gone on so long. I would feel really, really bad about this if I was sending this into any other podcast, but it is not any other podcast. It's into the aether. I expect this episode to be 12 hours long, and I think my five hour rant, five hour, my five minute rant will be like, a, you know, a, t a tiny bit of that. I hope it finds you well. I hope that my itty bitty contribution will bring you to joy. You know, as much as your show has brought to me, I tell you all 
all the time whenever I have a chance to chat. You're just, you're, you're a pure pleasure. You are, you know what? You're the opposite of these games. No notes, no flaws. You, you just, you did it all. It's all perfect. I love you guys. And I can't wait to hear more of your show in 2022. I'll see y'all later. Bye. We're back for uh, one final bit. Just wanted to uh, look forward to 2022. Yeah. Lots of games coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, lots that have been announced, as we always say every single year. It feels like there's always going to be 101 surprises. Yes. Um, all Dalmatian shapes <laughs> um, that are just going to pop up Jesus throughout the year. Haiti is a game that we're bringing up, or I'm bringing up again, uh, is a game that just like came out of absolutely nowhere and ended up you know, being our number one. So things like that can happen at all times, uh, but it is nice to see what is announced and on the horizon uh, going into next year specifically. Uh, like January and February of next year are fucked up. I'll say that much. Yeah. Like stacked with Let's stuff. Let's hear it. So January, for example, uh, we're getting Pokemon Legends. Right. I'm very curious about that. I. That's either... <laughs> that's... How do you how do you feel about it? I feel like uh, I initially was really shocked and surprised that they were taking that big of a swing. And ultimately, yeah. I'm excited that they're trying out something that new. Yeah, mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to be like either like the next step or a disaster. That's kind of <laughs> how I feel about it, which is why I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for the PC crew among you, January is kind of a wild time because you're getting a bunch of previously PlayStation exclusive stuff. Oh, cool. Which I think PlayStation Studios has started to realize that they kind of need to start publishing stuff on PC if they yeah. want to keep up with what Xbox is doing, uh, which is interesting. And also just like good revenue stream, I guess, because uh, PC gaming is big. But God of War, uh, the 2018 version, is coming out on PC. In oh, January. nice. Uncharted Legacy of Thieves is also coming. That's the collection that includes 4 and Lost Legacy. Also coming to PC in January. Um, that's also coming to PS5. And Monster Hunter Rise drops on PC. I, I knew it was coming to PC, but I thought that was already out. But that's January. That's amazing. So big uh, big month for PC people. Gamers. And also the new Rainbow Six, which uh, used to be called... Rainbow 7? It used to be called Pandemic. <laughs> they like reel it back a little bit. <laughs> it was called Rainbow Six Pandemic. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, maybe they, they changed that. Yeah. They have changed the name to Extraction. Uh, so that was good. <laughs> and then... Not, not that much better. It's not that much better. <laughs> I don't think a Rainbow Six game is ever going to have a good name. For that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Rainbow Six Vegas was... Let's not get into it. February <laughs> brings uh, the Life is Strange Remastered Collection, which I feel like Ooh. will be my last chance to try and get into that franchise. Yeah. I really always want to. Yeah, I, I haven't good. played them. I've always wanted to as well, but I haven't tried them. Yeah. I it, played the first one and really, really liked it. Yeah, I keep trying... Doesn't work for me. Yeah. I feel well, like the thing is, I, I I would play it and then mock it, and then every at the end of every episode, I'd be like, I can't wait for the next one. Yes. <laughs> every single time. That is where "Go Fuck Yourselfie" comes from. Yeah. You know, which is the thing that you and I allude to all the time. We're talking <laughs> about like how people, like adults, try and write Rain teenagers. For teens. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, that's coming out on like everything, including Switch, uh, mm. which I don't know how remastered it'll be on Switch, but it'll be nice to have that whole collection. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very interested in that. Um, Dying Light Two. I I never really got into the first one, but I just hear people glowing about it all the time so mm. it'll be nice to see that one ali ali world i loved ali ali one and two so it'll be cool to see that i think the the first big release though of february is sifu which is oh that, yeah that ps5 and ps4 and i think it's also coming to pc game um that's like a martial arts game where every time you die you get older which is very much like chronos before the ashes that's right <laughs> 
a game I played this year, maybe last year. I'm not even. I, that was this I year. Could not tell you. That was this year. That was this year. I remember oh, you streaming you it. That was fucking wild. <laughs> uh, anyway, Sifu seems like you said January to March was its own right. Year. Yeah. Uh, Sifu looks great. Previews, it does. Previews actually yeah. dropped today, as of the day of this recording, and everybody's like, "This is the real deal." Yeah. So mm. I'm I'm fucking amped for that. We also have Horizon Forbidden West. Woo. I'm excited for AJ. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, also for myself. <laughs> I liked the first one enough. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of like primed to like the second one. Did you more. finish the first one? No. Okay. I you told you, I told you the yes. end of the game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You sat me down. <laughs> I, oh, sorry. I forced you to sit down yeah, and we tell were, me everything that happened. Yeah. Uh, which I enjoyed. <laughs> we were at a gathering and Brendan said, Tell me about the end of Horizon Zero Dawn. And everybody left and it was just AJ and I sitting in a room <laughs> as he told me the whole plot. And I'm also was, excited for the new one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in a because that game came out uh, like a week before Breath of the Wild, yes, the first yeah. one, and I'm excited to see a, a sequel to that game in a post Breath of the Wild world. <laughs> yeah, because if that game is all just climbing towers and knocking things off a to do list, I'm going to be like, come on. I also I, I got the original Horizon Zero Dawn on sale at the same exact time, the same purchase as Nier Automata. So wow, wow. clearly my attention went one way, <laughs> right? Uh, but I, I I played enough of of Horizon to bring it to the show, like at first impressions. But I got to play more of it, and, yeah. I, and I do really want to see a sequel as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> but could I, it got overshadowed twice. Yeah, in a very unfortunate very way. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Uh, I'm excited for that though. And then uh, the 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 last big release of February is Elden Ring, which mm. is at the end of the month. That's going to be a big deal. We I, will I, I'm see. pretty confident in that. I, I wonder if that's going to be like a Breath of the Wild scenario. Not to like, I feel like that's become a buzzword at this point, but yeah. I just wonder if that's going to come out and be like such a landmark release. Yeah. Is that going to, I know you just said you're excited to see it at post Breath of the Wild world, but will you see it? Because Elden Ring comes out shortly after. Oh no. <laughs> is this the faded cycle? Horizon, no. <laughs> it's one week difference. Yeah, Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn was cool, but have you played Elden Ring? <laughs> oh, oh, then you get it a year later on sale and whoops, near on <laughs> Automata. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so sad for Horizon. <laughs> Hopefully one of them gets delayed. Yeah. I would also think that, I mean, we, we don't know, but I wonder if, like, the open world approach in both games is going to be very different. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I feel like they're, they're already yeah. sort of different vibes. There have been a bunch of gameplay demos that they've streamed of Forbidden West, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't keep track of the pre good for you. That's a, that's a good move. Yeah. Um, like, I, truly. Like I have felt nothing but like indifference to Elden Ring until this year. Yeah. Like not that I like felt any ill will towards, I just haven't been following the hype. And even as someone who loves Sekiro and Bloodborne and stuff, I just like didn't follow that. And now mm. I'm all in. I have been following the hype for Elden Ring. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> man, those gameplay demos are stunning. Oh yeah, They're no, fun. totally. That, that yeah. game's gonna be Sick. fucked up. But I haven't, I haven't watched any of the gameplay stuff from Horizon Forbidden West. So I'm very interested to see what they, what their version of an open world is because Elden Ring just seems to be Breath of the Wild. Yeah, which like I, I yes. think, but but Miyazaki. Yeah, I think maybe initially Horizon will be overshadowed a little bit, mm -hmm. but I feel like a lot of people still have that like Dark Souls barrier for yeah. all. Yeah, I don't know like, if it's Miyazaki gonna be a games. thing. I mean, again, I'm not like a. A marketing person but like i don't know if it's gonna be like i'm gonna get one or the other i think yeah. they both have very like yeah. clearly defined audiences and, in some and ways even if yeah. elden ring is really good and does wind up grabbing some of the horizon audience it's gonna take at least a month before, <laughs> before the news gets out that like hey elden ring is actually pretty good and kind of also more it's worth remembering horizon zero dawn one was still a huge hit yes like it, was, it still yes. did very well yeah. Yeah. yeah it just uh I, th I think it was you know 
awkward timing in mm-hmm. some ways. They mm-hmm. made a sequel. They, hey, they made a sequel. Hey, they made a sequel. Alloy is hey. in Genshin Impact. March. <laughs> <laughs> no longer a project. Triangle Strategy oh, comes shit. to Switch in Gustadolf March. Gustadolf is back, is it and you just can kick his ass. Is it just called Triangle Strategy? Yeah, they just got rid of the Fuck word off. project. I know. <laughs> I think they should just roll into it, you know? I, they should have just kept calling it Project Triangle Strategy. Oh, wait, no. I agree. What did they change it to? No, it's just Triangle Strategy. Oh, not like Project. I know. That's yeah, what I said, yeah. yeah. I, I, I heard the opposite because I wanted it so badly. That's yes. <laughs> Speed up, Steven. Catch up with this game, Gran Turismo 7, God. which is also coming and I think is going to be, at least for me, very disappointing compared to Forza Horizon 5. Mm. I'm sure what will happen is I'm going to play Gran Turismo 7 and say, wow, I can't wait to boot up my Xbox and get back into Forza, <laughs> which I haven't played in three months because it's March. Right. <laughs> um, speaking of racing games, God. excited for you, Chocobo GP. That's right. We're back, baby. You can play as Behemoth. You can play as Mog. You can play as Chocobo. <laughs> Look, I rented this shit out of Chocobo Racing 1 on PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, you could secretly unlock Cloud, who rode a motorcycle against Chocobos on roller Great. skates. Good stuff. It was uh, fine, <laughs> but I'm interested in a sequel. I think that it was like a Mario Kart clone, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that there's some fun to be had. It's there. very silly. I'm excited yeah. about it. Um, also in March, we got Tunic, which I have mentioned already and I'm very excited about. Uh, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax comes to Switch. I'm going to get it and play it, and I will probably like it because it's Ark. Yeah, you're going to love it. I'm going to love it, but I really need something of the mainline series. Yeah, say, it's not a mainline yeah. Persona game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin comes out in March also, which I can't fucking believe. Yeah, we, I need to know what it is at this yeah. point. A game that I'm like not super interested in, but uh, I'm I'm interested in the reception to is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is mm. the Borderlands spinoff that's like fantasy instead oh, of shoot yeah. gun. Um, but that said, I'm still like kind of iffy about it. And then as we get further into the year, the stuff is kind of like all over the place. Like 13 Sentinels comes to Switch in April, Very which cool. is exciting. Very season. Um, Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song finally comes out after forever. Uh, also for Spoken, which is that like Square Enix game that um, I, I don't know, just seems like a big swing so we'll see right yeah what's going on with that the saints row reboot comes out in august which uh do we need saints row again question mark i don't think so uh (laughs) in november though this is the only other one with a date november 11th you know that means bethesda starfield drops november 2022 it's a big deal there's no way i'm just gonna think so i think it's gonna be pushed back till 2023 (laughs) if it does then it has to be november 11th 2023 which kind of sucks why that's the only day they release games are you fucking kidding I'm me? I'm not kidding. That's, that's, that's so deal. dumb. Yeah, it started with uh, Skyrim. 11-11-11. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I think it's cool. I mean, sure, but <laughs> why lock yourself in? That is um, true. It's arbitrary. But also, that seems like a real... <laughs> that seems like a case for, for them to be like, oh, well, we have to get it out of the 11th, so we got a crunch. Oh, it yeah. seems real shitty. Sorry. But they also don't, don't announce games me. generally <laughs> until they're like almost done. Fair enough. Which is good for them. And they've also been doing a lot of marketing recently which makes mm-hmm. me think like all of next year is going to be devoted to marketing and showing okay. the game off which hey, I, fair enough. maybe look, it's ready look if it comes out and it, it you know worker conditions are good great how fun would it be to have a good bethesda game come out next year hmm. oh. the end of next year steven hasn't even said anything he's just looking at me <laughs> <laughs> you would have three weeks to play it and add it to your game of the year list that would suck <laughs> would it though because you and i a new good bethesda game dropping in late november straight to number yeah. one Come on. That, That's that, our fucking prime. Dude. I think we would grow like wings. Yes. And, yeah. 
and evolve. This won't be called Into the Aether. This will be called In the Aether. <laughs> we will have made it at that point. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff that doesn't have dates. Advance Wars, which I'm excited for you. Oh, yeah. To get uh, the reboot. Reboot, reboot camp. camp. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 finally makes it to next-gen consoles. Good Lord. Jesus. I mean, after watching that Tim Rogers thing, I maybe I'll actually play that which would be wild i'm trying to see if there's anything else interesting in here dune spice wars is the only game from the game awards i was interested in uh which is that rts set in oh, the sequel to alan wake as well but i don't know if it's confirmed for next year or not it's not it's not next year yeah um at least i think it was just 2023 yeah is all it said ghostwire tokyo uh fuck which has been in the docket like forever three four years now yeah the big one for me like weirdly enough one of the big ones for me next year is final fantasy 7 ever crisis which is that mobile remake of final fantasy 7 that includes the lore of every spin-off oh yeah that's cool i'm fucking amped for that yeah i'll I'll get it i i hope (laughs) i really hope that that launches as a complete thing and not an episodic thing because if that launches akin to remake i'm just gonna if, if we get like i just won't do it i think tease with two episodic versions of ff7 yeah. at the same while time we get the full release of stranger paradise <laughs> i'll be very now sad that's yeah. bullshit i don't want that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> i think i just watched steven's soul leave his body no it it, it bounced out and back in uh what else is in here god of war 2 Gotham Knights, which is that uh, new Batman game. I'm actually very excited. Oh, yeah. You don't play as Batman for one, which is exciting by itself. You play as the Bat family. I'm excited to kick ass as Nightwing. Uh, It looks really fucking campy. It looks like um, it looks like uh, Batman and Robin. Yes. Like Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Batman. Wow. Which I think is a great idea <laughs> for a video game. Hopefully, Batman stays dead. Mister Freeze DLC. Yeah. Oh my God. He's he's gonna come back to life. Yeah, that's gonna be the is. twist, huh? He's gonna yeah. come back to life. Yeah. That's that's gonna be so frustrating. Uh, Lego Star Wars: Skywalker Saga finally comes out next year. Everything that they've said marketing-wise for that game indicates it's gonna be like a huge deal. Yeah. Right. And I'm fascinated to see if they can stick that landing because totally. I have I have no I haven't enjoyed a Lego game in a while, so that'll be fun. Oh wow. Yeah. I forgot about this one. Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is a uh, sick and that's all i'll say about it just look it up okay uh that, that game's gonna be really cool anything else in here they're remaking prince of persia cool <laughs> gex sick gex it's exciting uh, i mean like we always say i think sometimes almost always the best announcements were the ones we don't know yet yeah you know oh things like metroid dread they're announced less than a month before the game right. comes out. Like nintendo <laughs> always does like a month or two before yeah. uh what's up new star ocean oh which i think could be very interesting yeah Splatoon three I've never played this series, but yeah. it looks interesting. Splatoon 3? Splatoon 3, yeah. It's gonna be That's going to be a big one for a you. A big deal for me. It's going to be big for me, too. I, I, here's the thing about Splatoon is I love that franchise. I just don't love it on your level. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I, I think it's fucking incredible, and I think it's awesome, but there is like a... You have like, you've like mind-melded with Splatoon <laughs> in, in a way that I wish I could. Um, uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which after the most recent thing about or the like uh, reveal of that, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I really want that, uh, but sure. And of course, as always, maybe, maybe not Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, yeah. that That's alongside Silk Song at this point. It's just like... Yeah. Yeah, maybe one day. <sighs> Although I think that that will be good whenever it comes out. Like I have yeah. pretty full confidence in that. Do you think they would do like a Metroid Dread one month ahead of time? Like Breath of the Wild comes out in one month? I think it will be longer. Yeah, I think so. Um, because I, I think it will. Nintendo mark- loves marketing stuff for a long time. Yeah, well, that's what I the the, the or pre- for like a year at least. The, the the pre-order collector's edition, you know, opportunities for Breath of the Wild yeah. too. I feel like I'm right. gonna I'm gonna call it now. I think we'll know whether or not it comes out this coming year in March. 
Yeah. That feels right. I feel like There's if we usually do- a direct in March. Yeah, I feel like yeah. if we don't hear in March, it probably won't be that year. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, uh, a lot of the stuff about the Zelda 25th anniversary has said that they're waiting till 2022 to like do the big stuff for it because hmm. they wanted to let the, the, the Mario stuff play out. Oh, I see. Because sure, the right. Mario and Zelda ones overlapped a little bit. Right. So once we get into 2022, like we could see a bigger Zelda push. So I'd love that. I mean, that sounds really fun. Honestly, there's a part of me that's more excited for Wind Waker to come to Switch than Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, my God, dude. If Wind Waker came to Switch, I would die yeah, yeah that would be that's that would be a bonus yeah. i'm calling it now yeah. i love when Maker. that's kind of me with fucking um, game yeah with uh with twilight princess too i i really i i have a huge affinity for twilight yeah. princess i, I, I actually too. skyward sword was one of my most played switch games of the year. yeah i was gonna say I, hmm? we didn't we didn't talk about it earlier but i feel like getting the hd on the switch was like definitely a, a nice second chance for that game mm-hmm. i think a lot of people like walked away from playing Skyward Sword this year with a more positive take yeah. on the game. It still has its issues and yeah. it wasn't like one of my favorite games this year, but I think like it definitely was cool to revisit it that way. Yeah. And I liked I would, it enough when it came out and I, I ended up really, really liking yeah. it this time. Again, I, I, my, my take still with Skyward Sword is like, if it wasn't a Zelda game, yeah. it would be like this cult favorite, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, but because it's stacked up against Wind Waker, <laughs> yeah. it's hard. It's yeah. hard to compare, especially because it followed. No, it followed Twilight Princess, which is also really good. Mm-hmm. Wind Waker. Um, Wind Waker. Wind Waker. Wind Waker. Wind Waker. Here's a tip, <laughs> dear listener: if you want to summon Wind Waker into existence, just say it out loud like we just did like out the window. <laughs> whenever you get a free, I moment. mean, you, we've said it on the Aether now, so it's yeah, exactly. We're the secreting this. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like the sacrifice in the middle of all the candles was. <laughs> Was near Automata for the Switch, so everything else could come to life. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think like that would be cool, but I, I need Wind Waker more. Yeah. yeah, on Switch. Mentioning again from a Nintendo standpoint, we didn't even know Metroid Dread was coming out this year until the summer. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so, they don't like, announce stuff until it's more yeah on the horizon. So I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked about uh, what's to come in 2022. I like think it will Wind Waker. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential Nintendo news. Yeah. yeah. That's always the wild card of every year. Yeah. I also feel like we don't know a whole lot about what's going on with Microsoft and Game Pass and like what's what their big releases for next year are just yet, which is also exciting. Um, Sony, we have a pretty good idea of because I just listed off most of their huge hits for next year already. Yeah. I mean, Sony is the opposite. Where they love being like in eight years. <laughs> yeah. You'll you, get this. You, dear viewer, will be able to play God of War 2. As Kratos in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Put on this headset. <laughs> just a big bald head. Yeah. <laughs> PSVR 2. Anyway. Um, this was so much fun. AJ, thanks again for having us Thank here. you for having us. Yeah, this is great. Thanks uh, for coming. Thanks to all of our guests who sent in their Game of the Year picks yeah. that you've yes. been hearing throughout the episode. And uh, thank you for joining us throughout this season so far. Yeah. I like that this is our halfway marker for the season of yeah. the podcast. Much like the beginning of this year was one year. Yeah. Like we have like a mini season. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah, th- these episodes are always a joy to do. I look forward literally all year to doing them. Yeah. And and uh, it was so much fun doing it uh, here with you. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that we could do it in person. Yeah, yeah I mean, it goes without saying. Amazing. This is just unreal. Yeah, we're so lucky. I feel like I've sort of been dissociating in a positive way this whole time. You will log and friends in real mm-hmm. life. I'm going to like remember later tonight that we did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I was going to text people like, that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but I think, again, like this year has been so strong in its mm. own way and i think that like while there isn't that sort of mainstream collective hit i think the mm. fact that we've walked away from this with like such such an emotional investment in so many works of art yeah it's a really cool thing it's a cool thing to get to celebrate all this yeah yeah i 
my favorite bit of the year generally outside of like doing our season premiere and our goatee is right when we're done with goatee <laughs> and we just play whatever whatever yeah yeah right i january and february until the first big hits of like late february and march hit gonna be great oh yeah <laughs> i love that blank canvas it's a yeah. great energy yeah. yeah it's really fun it's really good it's like whatever so caliber one and <laughs> fucking cubert let's do it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. As always, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash into the cast. If you back the show and it negatively impacts you financially, you no longer have to back the show. It's okay. You don't have to even give us a reason. You can just cancel your pledge. Totally cool. But thank you. Everybody's doing that. If you do back the show, you get bonus episodes. We recently released one about arcane. Yeah. So the first time we've ever talked about something that's not a video game outside of cats. 2019. <laughs> Uh, uh, now we have the honest scale from arcane to cats how right. you enjoy it yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool um, and uh, more to come Steven has some big ideas uh, which I'm excited about um, <gasps> yes that's fun and then uh, head over to intothecast.online for our links to everything that's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch we're live on Twitch pretty frequently and uh, all of those VODs get backed up to YouTube which is pretty cool. Uh, what else? Hey, if you really like the show, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Maybe by the time this is out, you'll be able to write reviews on Spotify as Maybe. well. Uh, so if that's a possibility, would love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, considering, as we've learned, most of our audience is on Spotify. Overwhelmingly so. Overwhelmingly yeah. A Spotify podcast, yeah. which is wild. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to those of you in the Discord who voted. Uh, thank yes. you, everyone, for your support. As always, making the show is a fucking joy. Uh, and this is kind of the culmination of that every year. So really, like, heartfelt. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this episode is just pure gratitude across the board. Yeah. Like, thank you, everyone who made these lovely games, who listens to the show. Yeah. Both of you for having me here. Uh, your cat. Thank you, Scrappy. <laughs> thank you, Scrappy. <laughs> Staring thank you into the Metal Slime. Thank you, Metal Slime. Thank you, Virtual <laughs> Yule Log. <laughs> thank you, Taco Bell sticker. Have a wonderful remaining... Uh, actually, this might come out in early 2022. Yeah. So, Happy New Year. Happy yeah. New Year, Wind Waker. It'll either come out right before the New Year or right after the New Year. So, yeah. Happy New Year. Wind Waker. Wind Waker. Wind Waker. <laughs> Is that like the reset word? <laughs> Wind Waker. <laughs> like winter, winter Soldier, but you just go Wind Waker, Wind Waker, Wind Waker, Wind Waker. Wind Waker. Wind Waker. I'm just like, pass out with a bloody nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wake up in the 20s, like, what? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, Wind Waker. Bye, Wind Waker. Bye. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> TWG, the worst garbage, the online.